train wreck Cocoa has Talk left would like us to thank our patrons who sponsor our show. So warm gratitude goes to Al Hartman, Alan Murphy, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue, Brian Weasler, D. Bruce Moore, Davy Mitchell, Diego, Disney Saints fan, Eric Canales, Fedor Stamen, Frodo NL, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vemke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Bucata, Jason Downs, Jenna Farron, Ken Riker, Kyle Etter, Malfunk, Michael Pitsley, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Richard Lorbieski, Rob Inman, Stephen Wagner, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C., Tom S., and Tim Lindner. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off-color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Leader, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calore computer. It's time to drop your socks, grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Why, hello everybody, and welcome to an exciting episode of Coco Talk. Are you excited to be here today? Because I know we are. Oh, this is going to be a great show. I can just feel it. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tiny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Oops. <laughs> Hello and welcome, everybody. And we're going to be starting the show off with a special video and song by Bruce D. Moore. Are we ready? I think we're ready. Go for it, Mr. Moore. Push the button, Frank. I want candy. 
Jacob's helped with that too. Jacob Moore, his son. Oh, so we've got uh, James Diffendaffer to blame for that one. Oh, what an excellent really production cool. from, is it, is it Bruce D. Moore now? Have you changed the no, order of your names? Bruce. Okay. All right. So yeah. it's like Count De Monet. It's Bruce De Moore. So. <laughs> no, no, Curtis L. Boyle here. Curtis I L. Oh man, oh, that was great, sir. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, so that was I just, awesome. I just got this text out of the blue. It just said, "Hey, uh, you ever thought of doing a parody of I Want Candy called I Want Tandy?" This is from James, and I was like, "I don't even know the song." And I looked it up, and then and then the next text that comes to me is, "Once you can't unhear it." I couldn't unhear it, and then I, had, I just had to do it. And then Jake, I can't just, believe you have yeah. never heard that song before. That is such an iconic yeah. MTV well, generation. I didn't remember it. I didn't remember it. Oh, but I think okay. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. But I didn't know what he was talking about. And then, uh, then Jacob and I got. Uh, I think Jacob actually came up with the switcheroo line. Oh, that's uh, awesome. That is awesome. We're working yeah. on uh, rhymes, and then he's he's singing on the chorus with me there too. So that is awesome. awesome. That is so, so cool. The check is in the mail for Jacob then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I that was I that I was surprised as you, although I I I, I heard that it was going to be in there, but it was after it was already done, and uh, I predicted the rhyme. I was like, oh, here it comes. There that's it right. comes. Here it comes. <laughs> Pro- Switcheroo. Yeah, product placement. Available now. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> How I long? Repeated the, uh, I need it tonight. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it's never sounded more creepy than hearing JT say, <laughs> I need it tonight. <laughs> I need it tonight, Fletcher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, JT. <laughs> 
<laughs> Honestly, you should have heard the, uh, the the first mix I did because I had that going over and over again. I thought this is getting really kind of like a little dark. Getting, 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 yeah, we're going, we're going to the dark Tonight, side. Over and over again. I need, I need to get that drop for me to put it in my soundboard though. So <laughs> drop that in the uh, audio oh, yeah? folder. Yeah, the JTs. Yeah, okay. I, yeah. I we, want... we need, we need David Ladd saying that line also. <laughs> oh, I need it tonight. Yeah. Here, we Here we go with creepy. You couldn't uh, encourage Mr. Creepy David Lad. You couldn't fit Nightmare Highway in there. <laughs> what with Nightmare Highway? Nothing. Oh, uh, Frightmere oh, Highway, ex- maybe? I don't know. Did it my way. Yeah, thank oh. you for another great production, DeBruce. We have um we have so many. We we were just talking about this right before the show. There's there's so many things that we've accumulated over the years that we really need to have almost a celebration episode where we can do the best of like the best of Samuel Gimes and the best of D. Bruce Moore productions because there's been so many, you know. Um, so we yeah, make a best of cassette. Yeah, we should absolutely, <laughs> and, and and available through KTEL Records. That's right. Ron Popeil's got the on vinyl. <laughs> record presser that I know of, album presser. But you get yeah. it for a if, if you if we do the if we do a cassette version of it, I'm happy to do the cassette production. Of yeah, it. we actually have enough where we could do a club. We could do the the tape of the week of a, of a you know of a Coco Thoughts on tape. Um, we could have, we have getting right now. We've got like 53 Coco Thoughts. We've got a year years worth of uh um, well you get the first 10 for one penny that's hey, right steve, that's right yeah steve you do realize that this is a group that actually has cassette players <laughs> that yeah. is true that is true <laughs> audio you on you could 3d print a vinyl record right. these days too so. audio on motor on all right <laughs> so david ladd take it away our host with the most all right, everybody. So let's get in with our panel introductions today. I hope we're all ready. And first, we're starting up in the top left with Bruce Moore. Hello, everybody. It's good to be here. Kind of took the summer off. It's actually hard to get on to Coco Talk because I have other things happening the same time on Saturdays, but uh, I'm glad to be here today. We're glad to have you. It's good to have you here, Bruce. Yeah, welcome back. Hello, hey. Maestro. All right, next on our panel is Stevie Strawbridge. Why, hello. I am so excited to be here today. I can just feel that this is going to be a great show. I have got my weasel. I've got my grease. I've got my floppies, and they're in flux. Oh, dear Lord. Best impression ever. (laughs) All right, next on the list is... Or Alan Murphy. <laughs> there is no way I'm going to fall. <laughs> Next on the list after him is Mark Bosley. Hello. Any adults in the room? <laughs> <laughs> no adult supervision here today. No, that's probably good. Next on the list is Terry Steggy. Hello, all. Hey, Terry. Hey, Terry. All right. Moving on down, we're going to hit Ron Delvo. Hey, I want Tandy. Sounds like <laughs> Nightmare Highway. 
<laughs> Nightmare <laughs> Highway. Dink 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 dink. All these couches on the street. Dink 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 dink. Oh, I, I can see some more parodies coming. Complete. <laughs> the power of Terry will complete. Dink 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 dink. Sorry about that. Okay, Bruce. There, you got some more work for you. <laughs> I think Ron Delvo had a good one there. The, the Sinatra. I did it my way. Yeah. On Nightmare Highway. Morty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right. Next on the list is our local Apple guy. We've got Mark Overholzer. Hey there. Glad to have. Glad to be here. Glad you're here. <laughs> when you're getting married, I think that's pre-wedding oh, jitters. Glad. I think a little bit there. Possibly. So when you get married, is your name going to change to Underholzer? Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> oh, I think we're going to move on from that one. All right, next on the list is Jason Riker. Why, hello everyone. I've got my Diet Dr Pepper. And I'm ready to go. And I've got over 13 pounds of acquisitions today. Including a switcheroo. (laughs) That is good. Um, For some reason, my list just vanished. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) It's Curtis Boyle. My, my, My list sort of vanished. Hello, who's got the, who got control of the screen? Curtis. Okay. Go to Curtis. Uh, yeah, we could. Okay, uh, there we go. All right, next on the list. Oh, sorry, I didn't realize you were relying on that. So. <laughs> yes, because my list doesn't match what you're streaming, Stevie. So. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> next up, our mystery guest. <laughs> All right, next on the list is David O'Connor. Konnichiwa. Hello, people uh, from down under. Am I coming up the right way, or am I upside down? You look a little slanted. I think we've turned on the Australian compensator. I think. Yes, we're okay. did. Yeah. Yep, that's good. Universal translator is in effect. Good to be here. That's All right. right that's good, sir. Good to have you here as well. Next on the list, we've got Patrick Ewan. Howdy, folks. I've uh, been following the time-honored computer tradition of changing a build engine when a project is 85% complete. So I'm looking forward to watching people who did forward progress this week. (laughs) Nice. All right. Next on our list is, uh, well, well, the one that's next on the list, we'll save for last. That way we get the full story from him. But, yep, you're coming. Uh, so next on our net list is uh, Nick Moroda. Hello, everybody. How's everybody doing? Really good, good three sir. times. Glad to be yeah. here. Moroda. <laughs> okay, now introduce him two more times, David. Uh, no, I think once is enough. He's so good looking for the rest of us. All He's right. Funny. Next on the list, someone that we haven't seen in a while and glad to have him back is Steve Bjork. Hey, everybody. Coming from smoky Southern California. Oh, yeah. The hills are burning with a mighty glow. That's most unfortunate. 
But uh, hopefully it'll of, spur some rain at some point. What what kind of smoke? Oh, just a nice golden smoke. Uh, by the way, fires. we're expected to get rain in December. Oh my! Mm. That's definitely most unfortunate. Well, that's why we have fires here. Unlike some gentlemen that say, if we only raked the forest, we wouldn't have fires. <laughs> so what? What sort of the fires put out the rain? Do they? <laughs> They just Maybe. remove all the uh, combustible materials. It helps. <laughs> right, all right. Moving on down to our next member, right below Steve, we've got James Diffendeffer. Muted. The person to blame for the earworm of I Want Tandy. Yes. He's hiding. He's hiding. All right, so I guess right, we'll move yeah. on to Brian Weasler. Hello, all. Welcome. Doing a little ease of use, multitasking today. Technical well, difficulties. Cool. Thanks for the plug. <laughs> we always love multitasking on an old 8-bit machine that's close to our hearts. And how many truckloads of stuff did you get from eBay this week? <laughs> Just one. One All right. <laughs> Moving on over, we've got Nick Morentes. Hey, uh, is it too late to bail? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick, where would you like to bail to? Oh, stop Not right me there. Highway. Asparagus. <laughs> All right. And the final person that we need to introduce is Sloopy Malibu. Welcome to the team, sir. In introduce yourself to the rest of the viewership. Greetings. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, I've been in 8-bit um, computers for a long time. I pro predominantly uh, have Atari and Commodore, um, but I also have a Color Computer 3. I have a Model 100, and in my past, I've had a uh, Model 4P and a model one um i was just going through some stuff and found my model 100 and uh started playing with it a little bit and then that brought me over to here and that's where i'm at now was it was it in your car no it was <laughs> in a box in a closet i had gotten it at uh vcf midwest uh a few years back Excellent. What was your original computer when you were like back in the day? What was your first love when it came to micros? My very first computer was a Commodore Plus Four um, that I got for Christmas the year that they were released. And then about six months later, I got an Atari 800. And once I got the Atari 800, I never really looked back. Um, I got several Atari 8 bits, um, which is an understatement. And uh, I've used other machines. I've had apples and everything, but I've always um, liked the Atari the most. But I find that each machine from that era had its own um, peculiar qualities that you either loved or hated. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The thing is, is that the Atari has the things that I love the most because it was the first computer that I actually had a hard drive on. It was the first computer I had a disk drive for. Um, 
but I can see where other things in other machines would be better than the Atari. And that's why I don't really say, hey, Atari is everything or Commodore is everything. I like bits and pieces of each individual systems for their own merits. Would that include the Coco? Yes, that includes the Coco. And he can uh, stay, can he? <laughs> what he Ron's not saying that you're allowed to stay because you had something nice to say about the Coco. So. Well, yeah. you've been very active in the Game On Challenge, which I which I appreciate as well. Yeah. I thank you for having me. Um, as a matter of fact, I wasn't able to play the current one a whole lot because I was trying to get my Coco actually up and running, and I used a uh, Commodore 1084S to play on. No, my uh, um, my Magnavox Color Monitor 80 to play on, and the switch, the power switch on it went dead. It won't stay on. So uh. I switched over to a Commodore 2002 and was able to play a little bit more on that. I think one thing you mentioned, too, that I have to agree with, too, is that the 8-bit era, every machine was quite unique to each other. I mean, they were individual machines, whereas nowadays, you know, there's like 5,000 PC manufacturers, you know, that basically are basically redoing the same thing with tweaks. But back then, every machine had its own strong points and its own weak points, quite, quite unique to each other. Absolutely. I mean, even though, say, the Atari 800 and the Apple II series, they both had a, CPU, a 6502 CPU in addition to the Commodores, they had very different personalities and different strengths. Yeah. I, I got to say, the Atari 800, for its time, was a premium machine. You know, for for those in the know and for those who are, are the 6809 fanboy, when it comes to the technical architecture, it's one thing. Yeah, the 6809 is a great CPU. But when it came to a computer, the Atari 800 had an amazing keyboard, a really good quality keyboard. It was a solid, well-built machine. Um, the, the graphics and sound on it were amazing. You know, so going from the original Atari VCS, Atari 2600, and seeing what the blinky games look like to seeing a game on the Atari 800 and, um, was really close to an arcade experience. So from a gaming perspective and from graphics and sound and animation, it was a, it was a premier machine. You know, 256 colors on screen, multi-voice music. You know, the pokey chip on that thing is an incredible synthesizer. Um, you really can't say anything bad about the Atari 8-bit for its time. It was a premier machine. I think it debuted around $1,300 in 1970. I think it was what? It was announced 79. in 78 and released in 79, but it was a $1,300 machine, which is expensive. But, you know, it was a great machine. So, um, you know, I know we, 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 we still like to have kind of our fanboyisms and our little college rivalries over this machine and rah-rah and stuff. But, you know, to be honest, it's, it, it's, a, it's a great machine, you know, so. Yeah, one thing I found interesting about the um, 800 was it was over-engineered in some cases. Uh, the um, shielding for RF was cast aluminum. It weighed a lot. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. It's it's joke. The joke was it could survive its own game of missile command. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. but also they had two cartridge ports. Never got really used that much, but it was definitely forward thinking of the engineers that designed it. 
Well, wasn't one of them like a basic ROM upgrade, or wasn't the weren't the memories almost the like little cartridges? Basic. Yeah. Well, the there thing is, four the of those cartridge ports. Um, yeah. They were they each addressed 8K, and the reason why you didn't really see two cartridge ports on later machines is because the for the left cartridge port was capable of accessing the full 16K. Right. And yet, remember the machine was designed originally in. 77 to 70 to mid 79 so back then 16k roms were not that available but 4 and 8k were so if you look at most cartridges for the atari in the early years they had uh two 4k chips in them mm -hmm. so it was uh more than two wouldn't fit into one cartridge so that they put the second cartridge port in yeah the one downside where they over engineered it was the disk drives it took forever to format took forever to load took forever ever that was the general thing it wasn't much faster than cassettes sometimes and oh, wow. yeah we were producing atari games at uh, datasoft and they had me um, tasked with a way of coming up with a faster way to create the disks now, to create the disk on the Atari, it would take a minimum of five minutes, could be 15 minutes, we never knew. So we had a whole row of machines of 400s with their disk drives popping out the disk. Well, I took a TRSA Model 1, changed the speed of the disk drive, and was able to produce a disk in 12 seconds. <laughs> wow. Oh, well, <laughs> a tiny little bit faster. No. Yep. Just a little. <laughs> so they used two Model 2s, and that was their entire production line for Atari. Of course, sadly to say, one of those Model 1s uh, that they used was my original Model 1. Hmm. Never saw it back. No. So, Sloopy, did you get an SDC for your Coco? No, I did not. I <laughs> I'm currently out of work, so money's at a premium. Yeah, yeah. And that's considered to be a fairly essential thing to have, you know, once you know, once you're able to, as far as usability. Yeah, so, yeah some people like to eat first. Yeah, toys come yeah, through. yeah. So <laughs> how, how long have you been in the retro hobby, Sloopy, as far as using these things in the 21st century? Or did you or never did stop? Did you ever leave the 8-bit yeah. hobby at all? Um. I started using 8-bits again uh, sometime around 2002, 2003. Okay. It's been a while. What Do you have any modern upgrades for the Atari 800? Because that's a world I'm not as familiar with. Are there some quality of life things for there, like multi-carts or other things like that to make it more usable? Yeah, when I was employed, I would buy just about anything new that was designed on the market because I wanted to help stimulate the growth of more hardware products sure and i bought both atari and commodore stuff so i had quite a bit i still have quite a bit but unfortunately when i lost my job a couple of years ago i had to sell stuff because you yeah in, you can't live inside an amiga 3000 as cool as they are no no so <laughs> so for somebody like me who would never owned an atari and i have one i have an atari 800 xl that's been sitting on a shelf forever i've never even 
tried to turn it on yet. But if I wanted to start using it and playing with it, like for some reason, somebody says to me, hey, I just got a Coco. What's the thing to get to make it usable? My answer there is get the Coco SDC because you can run all your software and it's a usable machine for a small amount of money. What is the single most important modern accessory to get for an Atari 8-bit today for somebody like me who's never used one and I want to get the most out of it for the least amount of money? Honestly, the absolute best thing that you would get would be an SIO2 PC, which is similar to DriveWire. It, it makes a PC act like a uh, disk drive for the okay. Atari. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and Barry Nelson in the chat did mention, since you are familiar with DriveWire, an inexpensive thing to do for your Coco in lieu of the Coco SDC is to get a DriveWire cable and then load software that way. And, and, and that's a... It's, that's definitely a viable option for doing things within reason. Some disks do not work well in DriveWire if it's trying to do like direct disk access and it's trying to hit sectors and stuff. Um, but if it just needs to load in a file and run, DriveWire works. And yeah. for the cost of a cable, you can load software into your computer. Yeah, I've actually done that for my uh, Coco. Okay, there you go. Cool. Uh, the thing is, is that on the Atari, you don't have the issues with with some programs because because the the Atari disk drive is a dumb peripheral. Okay. Literally all the, the entire protocol consists of five commands, so all the computer is doing is saying, Hey, give me this sector, hey, give me that sector. And there's no way to upload um, programs to the disk drive. Protection. So the only problems that you really have are disks that are copy protected, like from from electronic arts and such. And gotcha. data soft. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so have you been a member of the online communities with your Atari 8-bit stuff, like Atari Age forums and things like that? Yes. Which James Differentaffer is very active in as well, and I have not been. Um, and I'm not saying this to stir any pots or to you know to do anything, but just out of curiosity, since you've you've been in a, in a different community that I'm not familiar with, how do you find that community, the Atari community? Is it generally civil towards its members? And if, maybe if you're new to the Coco community, how do you find us um, as well? Um, with the Atari community, there can be. Um clicks of certain people okay. that uh, have issues back and forth um, and it can create issues in certain regards um, but overall it's like you have to really get into it to really see them Okay. Uh, in the Coco community I haven't really seen much of that but I'm not like really deep into it mm -hmm. um, I mean it's like even in the Apple community the same thing it's there is some there, but you have to really look for it. Okay. Uh, literally, in all the classic computer communities that I've been in, I've only seen one community where there's a lot of issues that make you want to not participate. And does that community rhyme with uh, a biga? <laughs> I, I can't even think of a word. What, 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 what community are you referring to? Let's just say it means friend in another... Uh, okay. <laughs> I've heard that, too. I've never owned one. I've never been in that community. I've heard uh, I've heard nefarious things in, about the Amiga community, which is... It's interesting, and yeah, you know, and I look back in, in my 
in my time uh, yeah we've had a few things here and there and then when you when you look back well were these things really important to begin with probably not or definitely not you know so the few things that have happened that have gotten a few people to get their panties in a bunch were they really that important um you know and most of the time probably not so retrospect makes you say you know what sometimes you just need to take a breath or hold your breath or you know maybe hold back from even getting into this and just let that thing just go on and and don't make it bigger than it needs to be um so but we haven't had too much which i'm I'm thankful for so hopefully you've felt like you've been welcomed here and uh, been getting some support if you have questions and nobody's being condescending to you or anything like that and just treating you like a member of the family so hopefully you've felt that way and if not uh, let me know who i need to discipline Uh. (laughs) i I used to be a single parent of four kids i doesn't bother me either do people do do that cool 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 well welcome we're glad to have you uh david ladd our host with the most what are we going to do now well i think we're going to do a commercial and we'll come right back with our game on challenge all right, that sounds good. So, Nick Morota, after the break, we're going to go straight into that. Is that, is yes. that right? Is that David? Do we, do we have your permission, David, to do that? Oh, let's roll the video. All right. So, I'm, break. I'm trying to think. Since Bruce Moore is here, let's play a video featuring one of Bruce Moore's many projects. As a matter of fact, I think this is the perfect one right here. We'll be back after these words, everybody. After these messages. Hi, I'm Bruce Moore, and this is Jacob Moore. Gotcha. And we are the Forest of Doom guys, and the Coco Forever guys, and we are Coco Fest, and we love Stevie Strobe. Imagine a different world. A world where Tandy Corporation has the upper hand. Where the Coco surpassed all competitors. And all you have to do is travel back in time without making a single mistake. Coco Forever. definitely earned this office yes you're too kind and thank you you want to grab some food before we head back and look at that alt reality os9 module (laughs) it's only a 40 years past due but yeah sure What's going on, everybody? Stevie Stroh, and I want to say thank you for continuing to watch and listen to Coco Talk. We love doing this show. We think we put together a pretty good show for you, but this show could be better with your help. So if you would like to send a feedback, a comment, a suggestion, a show topic, or maybe even your own little segment or bumper, then send it to us via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. This show would be nothing without you. Love to hear from you. Let the 
Radio Shack TRS-80 put the world of color computing into your home. Instant loading program packs turn any color TV into an exciting game arcade. And there's more. The color computer is an educational aid, a home management tool, and up-to-the-minute electronic information service. The programmable, expandable TRS-80 color computer from $399 only at Radio Shack, the biggest name in little computers. Hi everybody, this is Siri, Apple's personal assistant and beatbox professional. You're watching Coco Talk with the original gamer, Stevie Stroh. And now, <laughs> Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. Most times, I can think of something funny, but occasionally, I can't. Viewers think the opposite. <laughs> High score challenge with Nick Marona. All right, welcome to another week of results. This week we played defense with twenty six people. Mark Bosley, 5,860. David Ladd, 9,685. Ken Reichard, 13,175. Joshua, 13,190. Catlord, 17,320. R. Murphy, 17,635. Michael Klein, 18,055. Grant Leedy, 19,205. Jim Rye, 23,600. Frodo NL, 23,755. Tom C, 24,105. Ben VR Drake's, 24,215. Canadian Retro Things, 24,315. 8 Bits in the Basement, 24,395. Me, 26,920. Cargo, 28,835. Al Curtis Boyle, 29,715. Buck Owens, 34,590. Damon Beals, 37,010. Paul Shoemaker, 37,200. David Croker, 41,680. Mr. Dave, 45,060. Ron Delvaux, 56,430. Sloopy Malibu, 56,515. Karen, 56,630. And the number one score this week belongs to Tasman on a roll with 59,390. Thank you to everyone for another fantastic week of gaming and for submitting your scores. Wow. Wow. That was a good run. Rondevo. <laughs> Ron, Ron, is this your first official appearance on the score list ever? It is. Coincidentally, <laughs> wow. this was Ron's game suggestion. Yeah, Ron loves this game. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> He's a plant. He's a plant. <laughs> But hey. so, no, Ron did very well. And uh, how many yeah, people well, experienced the um, things going sideways? Yes, there were a few people yeah. who commented on that. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> when those uh, things that are side by side come down and they flip, you have to kind of hit them to the side slightly to get them. <laughs> you, you learn all these tricks as it goes on. 
Sometimes I would do a shot on either side just below them so they'd have nowhere to veer and then they usually get, but then I take step two shots. So you gotta be really careful right. with that. You know what is really cool right now? Getting gameplay advice from Ron Delvo. This is actually exciting. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying that in a bad way. It's just, what we game? don't, it doesn't, we don't, we don't hear this very often. So this is a momentous occasion. Yeah, no, this is awesome, Ron. I played it since 1983. Probably 82 when it came out. Hey, look at this. It's Coco Talk on Coco Talk. Your inception hey. moment is brought to you by Placeblex. We think it works. So you should too. Um, I mean, you didn't oh, I, picked the, I think I picked the wrong Kukuchel. screen. Hold on. <laughs> yes. You mean, you mean, Ron, you didn't submit a score for Timberman? <laughs> no. <laughs> he, he, what do you mean? He is Timberman. He was in the game the whole yeah, he time. He don't need no sticking score on that one. He is Timberman. <laughs> uh, hey, Nico. Wow. I, think, I think you need to promote Joshua, so it's just uh, Joshua Croker. Yeah, I will do that. Thank so you. I'm, try, I'm trying to share the actual... Okay. Sorry about that, guys. I shared the wrong answer. Sharing is caring. All right. So uh, you guys see that? This yes. Is a high score from uh, wow. back in the day. 115,000, huh? Take these with a grain of salt, but this one seems reasonable. Hmm. Um, yeah, good terrified. job. Good job, Tasman, on that high score. I do wow. know some people here locally back in the day could hit 90,000. So, yeah, that sounds legit. I wonder how many levels up, up that is because I went to like 10. Well, the scores do go up exponentially, well, not exponentially, but they go up faster and Progressively. faster. Progressively. So. Yeah. Well, the so, other thing uh, is you will um, slowly lose ammo, and then it bumps back up again later. Well, you get three Over rounds that. of ten. There are arsenals of, you get three arsenals of ten. Yeah, that's where you get that extra um, click. You have to reload from one of your two side silos. So the rainbow review was favorable. They didn't mention Missile Command by name. <laughs> I don't know if that's because apparently the manual said we were shooting lasers, not missiles. So oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so maybe they, they took that as a sign to uh, keep the name lasers. Missile Command. All you need is sharks. It'd be a perfect game. Yeah. All we even need is sharks with freaking lasers on their head, right? So. <laughs> so this is gameplay courtesy of uh, Canadian Retro Things. All right. What yeah, the hot cocoa review too? I don't know if you saw that, Nick. Oh yeah, I just linked the one review. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't. And what country is Canadian Retro Things from? Uh, Albania. Ah, okay, very cool. Yes. So um, obviously, this is a clone of Missile Command. This is one of the clones Shh, of Missile. No, Command. we can't mention that sorry, word. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, a, a game where you're in command of projectiles. <laughs> a, a game you are in command of missiles. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so this is uh, more. It's apparently like the Atari version in that you shoot from the middle, and then you have your two uh, reserve arsenals that you have to protect as well, though, uh, because uh, they can be taken out as well. Can they I be taken the, the out? Sound, taken out. Out and about. Calculate the sounds are cool. Yes. And the, and the sound of uh, your shooting and exploding yeah. never gets boring. Just seemed to. Yeah, it's kind of like the soft boom sound, like boom. It's like a swelling, booming sound. It's not uh, crunchy or beepy. Um, and you can you can also play it where the explosions are red and the bottom is blue. Ah, yeah, I believe the other screen, the other video I have will have that uh, color scheme. Uh, the cool thing too with the when when uh, the uh, when the uh, lasers lasers detonate <laughs> is they cause a chain Freaking reaction. Lasers. They cause yeah. a chain reaction when they hit, a, hit one of the uh, 
incoming thingies. So uh, you can plan that to uh, you can plan that to hopefully. Oh yeah, out. their explosion can potentially. Uh, God bless you. Can potentially you. take out <laughs> another person. So part of it is playing the waiting game and hoping that a chain reaction will take out. Um, yeah, I usually uh, fire low. I stay low. Mm. Yeah. So you can see them coming down. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, just for kicks, I'll do a barrage across the top, and then these things will come down and hit and hit and hit. And it's kind of neat to see, but um, it just depends. Sometimes it's not very fortunate, and uh, you waste ammo that way. Mm-hmm. That way. Yeah, on later levels, when you have more missiles and more smart bombs and everything else coming down, too, I mean, it definitely you do want to time your shots to take out several missiles at once if you can. I use the Black Beauty on mine. Mm-hmm. Look for ones that are converging and then try to shoot where you think they're going to where they're going to converge. Did anybody use anything else? Black Beauty was great for this. This game yeah, was written. Played well. I was, or the deluxe and free float mode. Yeah, I used the deluxe and free float mode, and I, honestly, that doesn't play as well as the Black Beauty, and I was going to get back to it with the Black Beauty, and I just didn't get a chance to, so unfortunately, I didn't improve my score any, because I definitely would have done better with the Black Beauty. This is one game that is designed for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Ron, I used my koala pad, and you'll notice my score didn't show up on the... <laughs> <laughs> Some people said the Coco Mouse worked well. Here's uh, the, that's what I found. Uh, here's what's good about the koala pad. You have a koala pad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> and they have the stylus is even cooler. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as I was watching this is Canadian Retro Things video as I was watching it I was feeling really bad when he died uh, he got hung up a couple times where you have to hit the button to reload so he'd hit the button assume it was going to fire uh, uh, so that, I think that hung up a few people um, yeah, yeah and that, that's one of, thing oh, go ahead bro no, running out of ammunition toward the end and watching these things come down and you're <laughs> sitting there thinking oh, oh, oh. Go to the side. Go to the side. <laughs> well, what'll happen is you'll get that extra outpost, then you don't know it till the very end, and then you got one more. You get to play one more level. <laughs> it was a very helpless feeling watching things just drift toward you. Yeah. Nothing, nothing you could do about it. Yeah. yeah. Which was actually part of the design of the original arcade game, too. So. Yeah, now, very this good. This one's clone. more based on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred version, where you've got the one firing center silo, um, and then you reload from the sides, like the Twenty Six Hundred, which was also a joystick-based version. The original arcade game, of course, had the trackball and three buttons you could launch from each, and the other one, one of the other Coco um, Missile Command clones, Polaris, borrowed more from the arcade style. So they do play a bit differently. There's a bit of a different strategy for each. Yeah, you obviously fact, have to use keyboard for that one, along with the joystick, right? In yeah, fact, but you also you can get your shots off quicker. Like if you if you have a missile coming down the left, you can fire from the left and it'll get there faster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that your strategy does change between the two different versions, but both are equally fun to play. And I wanted to make one other small comment. Um, it says I think colorful software on the copyright screen, but this was actually distributed by Spectral Associates. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. The review said it was Spectral Associates as well. Yeah. Um, In fact, yeah. I wish I'd had this game when I was building that this mouse project. I thought my fire button was broken because I was using the Tandy Polaris cartridge and didn't remember that it was the three numbered keys. Yeah, and like not the fire button, the fires. So I'm going through the hardware. Why doesn't this work? Why doesn't this work? <laughs> if I only had this game, I would. It would have worked. Yeah, I think it's what like Z, X, and Charlie are the keys on uh, Polaris. Uh, one, two, three. I think. Actually, I think both work. There were several sets of keys you could use. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so when I finally figured that out, oh, okay, everything's fine. But and that's why I like Polaris better, because it was more like the arcade. Mm. And yeah, I guess it depends what you're used to, because the people who bought the Atari 2600 or the VCS, you know, they were used to this version, so this would have been much more to what they were used to. Uh, there's the smart bomb twirly thing. Yeah. And then you have that plus sign smart bomb, too. Okay. Later on. I like that little yeah, rotation but, animation. It's pretty good. Yeah, sometimes the Polaris. Plus sign things when they came down, they they would hang on a couple of explosions and then yeah, they like they'll hold back and, and try down. to stay outside of yeah. the blast radius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's they they get hang time. Them, one under them, one above them, and one below them, and again capture them between two. I never played the arcade version, so I didn't know the difference. Yeah, Polaris was cool because you had to worry about the timing between your left and right shots. You didn't want to use up all the lefts, and then it's a really slow shot. To go right. from right to left, yeah, yeah. So you had to really think out your shots. They're both really good versions. I mean, Absolutely. Which version you grew up on? If you're used to the arcade, if you're used to the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, I mean, yeah. These cover. I both think the only that. thing that I would have liked to have seen. What I loved about Polaris was how it took the few different four color modes and really mixed up those four colors to. Um, showcase things. Now, did it just switch, or is this a different video? Uh, no, I switched videos. This is uh, this is um, Ben VR Drake's. And they and they both look good. Like the red explosions. Look like there's really no wrong way for these colors to be in this particular game. Because you, what do you got? Two things. You got a ground, and you got an explosions. Do 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 red explosions look bad? No. Nope. Do blue explosions yeah. look bad? No. There, right? there so, is there is a bug. Um, but yeah, it, pol- doesn't, it doesn't hold your scores. Mm. You turn mm. it off. They're blank. You mean when you turn off the game and start it again? Yep, yep. It won't. Oh, it just doesn't. A lot of games don't save the scores. Yeah, that's yeah. not a bug. That's function of the computer. There's no battery backed up RAM. Yeah, I mean, Did some of the disc games later you could save scores to disc, but at this time period in 1982, I mean, most people had cassette, not disc drive, so it would have been a real well, pain to have to. That's save. why the camera is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Taking a picture, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Polaris did a great job of mixing up colors to give you some diversity to kind of simulate palette registering, you know. Um, that's the one thing that would be just kind of neat if it did. Because even, like, uh, your color peds were... Didn't the color peds change the mushrooms between yeah. red and blue each yes. round? Just so you had a little bit of... Wouldn't this be a great game to redo and have uh, explosions and stuff more like... Uh Xenon or whatever. Oh yeah, like the Xenix, Crystal Chris, oh, yeah. City. Yeah, a Coco Three Missile Command would be really cool, and a Coco Three be... Centipede too, with uh, just the palette registers. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Now this one here, like Polaris, basically only had the one type of smart bomb, and then it also had the the ones I can't remember what they called it, but the ones that would split. Okay. Multiple lines. But this oh, one yeah. has several different kinds of smart bombs or whatever they call the manual. I don't remember, but I mean there was some variety between that too, as far as your enemies go. And I think the original arcade, didn't they have planes and stuff that flew across? Yeah. Yes, it did. It did. And this this goes much faster as it goes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's the scary part is when they start coming down and you're you're going back and forth. And, and then you see that you missed one and you can't get low enough to get it. And then... Uh, or your shot's too slow to get there. Yeah, you're looking time. for that outpost to be there again. The longer you go with more of those guys at the bottom, the bigger your score is. Yeah. I do like Scott Cooper's uh, comments in, in the YouTube chat there. Uh, smart bombs are evil. He's very, no, is, very correct is, on that. Is Scott Tasman? I think he is, right? Scott is yes. Tasman? Okay. Yes. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to reveal his secret identity. Um, 
Put your glasses back on. They won't exactly. Know. <laughs> <laughs> and put that little curl out of your hair. Yeah. <laughs> I just got to go back to the Taz cave. Also, I, I do a higher score in the morning than I do in the evening when I'm tired. Ah, that's good to know. Yeah, it appears that when they programmed it, they used a 3K screen instead of 6K. 6K. Yeah, I think that was to help fit it into uh, a 16K machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's nice to know you can play this on a 16K. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great it's a great representation of a classic arcade game. Fun was to it play. On tape. Yes, it was tape on and tape. Disc. No ROM though. Um, at 16 who's in the chat might be able to tell me for sure. I don't know, but I know some of the games in the Dragon, like in the UK, actually were on cartridge. I don't know if this was one of them. Hopefully, he can answer that. But in the, in the North America, no, it was just on cassette or disc. Yeah, this is a great suggestion. This is one I didn't play back in the day. Yeah, I think I played Polaris, but I never played this one. And even though Polaris might be more uh, accurate, uh, this one I think just the fact it's all playable on a joystick. I think. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Very playable. Also, if you, if you get really good at this and you see those things come down, there are instances where it hits in between and it doesn't cause any damage at all. And the same with uh, your ammo in the middle. If it smashes down on the left or yes. right side. Yes. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't matter. It won't take any way. That's a huge relief when that happens. It sure is, especially <laughs> toward the end when you're trying to... When yeah. you're just you're trying to survive and you've got no missiles left yet. Yeah. 60 says, not this one. This one was distributed by Microdeal on tape, so... Okay. In the UK. So no cartridge version of this. So is this going to become a de- another, like, um, buzzer bait uh, debate uh, with Lancer? <laughs> mm. no, I don't think it's really a debate. I think we no, I don't ma- think it, mentioned that both. This is have. different too because th- these each of the games duplicate a different game. Well, like one duplicates the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, one duplicates the arcade. Whereas Lancer Buzzard Bait is is more trying to duplicate the same game, Joust. Right. Uh, one one does it well and one doesn't. You know. Now, did yeah. you guys see that graphic? <laughs> I'm too bad for Buzzard Bait. Anyway, <laughs> Buzzard Bait. Uh, yeah, I remember seeing that. No buzzards. Yeah. Uh, gra- like, like I said, Donkey King. The game with no donkeys. Which point? <laughs> someone, <laughs> needs to, someone needs to really mess with your heads and come up with one, one called Lancer Bait. <laughs> yeah, no I just play Pegasus anyway. Dirty. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, there yes, we go. gotta love the Pegasus and the Phantom Riders. Pegasus Ooh. might have been the Dark Horse winner, no pun intended. <laughs> hey, Nick, Ron, Ron's trying to ask you about his custom artwork he did for this. The, gra- you- the graphic oh. I made for this game, uh, I thought I got it pretty, pretty good because I had the little uh, buildings down at the bottom and I had the things coming down and a nuke blast in the background and and I was pushing the 6809 action and you know I, I'd like to see uh, some of you guys if you have the chance to make up your favorite games uh, you know artwork banner for it you know mm-hmm. um, it's more I thought what I did was more like uh, there you are. The game was like than you know yeah, I had yeah. A little, you know what I mean sorry Ron I had it queued up I forgot to go to it yes there it is That's there's okay. the banner you made yeah so mm-hmm. Like there's your bases down there. You got yeah, the bases. Doesn't that excite you? Don't you want to play the game now? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Battle. It got, it got Ron to play. That's speaking volumes, right yeah. there. Yeah. Is, yes. is this the only Coco game you really play, Ron? Yeah, there's a few others. Not not too many. Well, yeah. Give me give me a request. No, I was more more of a. I played applications and stuff, and did artwork and digitized yes. and 
and had fun that way. But if, but if you do have a couple other ones, like, like, like Nick's saying, I would love to see those on there, there because we don't get you on the game on segment too often. So I'd love to do that. Yeah, I've been one playing. Of them, uh, I've been playing the castle game lately. Which one? A castle guard? Which one? Yeah, castle guard. Oh, what a box of I'm, shit that is. Stevie, tell us what when you, you really think. When you first put it on and you hit three, so the computer can do it. Yeah. There you are. <laughs> so you just watched a demo. You let the self-playing demo. <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> you try to figure out uh, if the top one's going to get it or the bottom one. Uh, you, so you just you, you, put, you take odds. You you, yeah. you, you, you play some He's bets like on Vegas that. He's a bookie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great poster, Ron. Okay. I, I will what say this them? for Castle Guard, just because just you brought it up, is that they did a really good usage of the extra artifact colors. Yes, the, the dithering, the color dithering on the, the castle itself. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't control well. It's kind of it's the but. one of the best looking shitty games that's ever been put on a cartridge. This <laughs> 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 uh, was a big week for us. We had twenty six players. Absolutely, which absolutely. is a really great turnout. That was a tribute to Ron, I guess, because you know, he never gets on, so we all had to play his game. Yeah. Ron right. Devo really brings him in. That's Next it, year, Ron. we'll do something else, right? Next year. Yeah. <laughs> we'll declare the last week of September Ron Devo week. Yeah. <laughs> the leisure suit Larry week. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, those those little twirly things are sons of bitches, ain't they? They're just like trying to dodge those like uh, smoke clouds. Yeah, Brad Pitt is supposed to get them, but even then, I think they weasel out sometimes. So and both the smart to go between those two. Boom, got him. Boom. This is Ben VR Drake's video we're looking at right this now. Is ben VR Drake's. Yes. Yeah. Special thank you to Canadian Ret- Canadian Retro Things and Ben VR Drake's for providing. Uh, is, is having three names a, a requirement in order to have your video showcased? Um, Absolutely. Okay. It definitely helps. It, it makes you sound distinguished. Ben VR Drake's uh, Canadian retro I don't know, things. OG Stevie Stroh. <laughs> <laughs> about Nick Marotta, Nick Marotta, Nick Marotta. Yes, okay, that Robert Allen Murphy. I'm uh, glad I didn't use my real name. Wallace <laughs> <laughs> well, R. Delvo. Wallace yeah. Ronald Delvo. Oh, interesting. Rondelvo. Yeah, I used to be a Williams. Um, Wallace Delvo does not have the I same was, uh, connotation to no, it. So. <laughs> I, was Wallace, I was Wallace Williams, and if you're uh, in a you know style where you flip it, it's William Wallace, like the you know the movie. There can only be one. I think yeah. I blew the recording level a little bit when I said Ron Delvo during the recording. Yeah, right. Was, was a, <laughs> I didn't set it for Freedom. that. Freedom. Ron Delvo level. <laughs> exactly. I think that was just your your surprise that he actually participated in the game launch. <laughs> look at that! Look at that thing! How it, dude! It stayed above. That is evil. Yeah, they got really evil. Well, the arcade game did that. Yes, I know. It's well, just, those are smart bombs. Yeah, they're yeah. avoiding the explosion. I know, it's but that's evil. just evil. Well, you <laughs> have to you hit them directly. That? Yeah. How do you program that? That's like the opposite of detection. Uh, it's avoidance. Right? Yeah, it's collision avoidance. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the pluses and Polaris were similar. You had to actually the explosion had. Yeah, to and here's here's step. where the speed they're just they're just falling oh, down nuts. on you now, Other, huh? Right? Otherwise, it would just avoid your explosion and float over it. And, yeah. You know. Yeah, when you get up to levels eight through ten like, type yeah, thing, man, those that first wave comes fast in this game. Yeah, I tapped out at seven. I couldn't get past seven. Is that where the six X? Is that what Roundy's on? 
Yeah. Uh, no, it's a it's multiplier. It's a score multiplier, but yeah, uh, basically it sits around. There's two mo- There's two two levels at each multiplier, so this would be yeah. the 12th or 13th. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, players is the same way. You get two of each. Okay. So that's why your score it progressively gets higher, uh, faster, the higher you go. There's well, certain that you don't have any bases she... left. <laughs> there's yeah. certain numbers you hit for a new outpost, too. Every 20,000, every 10,000, I believe. 10,000 or something. Damn, smart and boss. It remembers. What's cool is if you have all yours and you have it, you know, you have it, and then you lose one, it remembers. And yeah. It I yeah. wonder how this game would play in VR. Since speaking of Ben VR Drake's, like, how would this, how could you do that with your freaking goggles and your treadmill? You know, I'm not even sure this is a good VR other than looking around. I don't know. This, this game probably is not the best one to, to virtualize, right? Especially when it electrocutes you when you... When yeah, you right? <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, a while back I wrote a VR game for Sega, for their Genesis, and trust me, no. Missile Command could not be done with that thing. Mm. I tried to I do can, it. Ben saying there are a couple of VR versions of the game, so how does that work, Ben? I don't even understand how you would... Yeah, it's hard to imagine it, but... Uh, you, you know what would be cool with this game is to have your seat electrified, so when you're... <laughs> when you're <laughs> they do. Well, they, they you know, the like on the, the modern joysticks have like a, a force feedback, so like when you're playing, you can like feel the joystick rumble in your hand. I think they yeah. actually make rumble chairs, too. So... You know... If you laid the screen sort of flat away from you so the things were coming at you and you were lasering away, that would work in a VR headset sitting. You got some 3D going on. Yeah. It's not cool to go down. It would cool to go beyond and look backwards at it. Well, you know you know what I've seen a few times that they've done really good with? like, And I think one of the first ones is like the Atari Jaguar did a kind of remake of Tempest. And they kind of, it's its all the same levels, but instead of it being just wireframe, they kind of colored it in and shaded it in. And then there was like really cool techno music and then had kind of a little shimmery, wavy effect to it and stuff. I could see some type of like LSD enhanced version of this game with like some cool background colors and wavy stuff and some pumping music. Um, I like when they take those games and they kind of make that remix special edition versions where it's the same game, but it's a little better, cooler, you know? Like Pac-Man uh, CE, yeah, things like that, yeah. So um, I, I, because I've seen, I've played the the, the um, Tempest Plus or whatever it's called, and and uh, it's or Tempest Two Thousand, I think is what it was originally called, but it was just a really cool yeah. game. Um, I'd like to Can see you something play the like audio that. Audio of this when you lose, when the last one. Goes oh, away. and the world blows up and stuff. Yeah, it goes. I'm, I don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, Quinn has joined us. Hey, Quinn. Oh, there's the plus man. That thing is going oh, fast. That's the. That's I remember a... in the. I remember playing the original game that this is based on in the arcade, and the whole arcade would know when you lost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But did it say the, the did it say the end or game over? The I remember end. the end. The right? End. Is this a big? Yeah. That was embarrassing. <laughs> I'd like to try and cover the screen. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Don't look yeah. at me. Mm. He's out of ammo now. Yeah. That's right. This is where you just kind of look hopeless. Here it comes. Here comes the nope. end. No, no. Nope. Oh, and then, yeah, sometimes the bonus might get you another outpost, too, huh? Maybe even, even. The problem is you don't make much bonus when you don't have uh, 
at this point. Any any remaining bullets, yeah. Uh, now, if they if they hit your silo, that takes out a whole. See, now you have to click yeah. again to, to reload. It takes up the current arsenal. Yeah. So, so right now he doesn't have any bullets. In, oh, he has two more. But they're not there. They're not in the middle. He has to click yeah, on them. He, he has the left and right power. <laughs> oh, I guess he's just going to let them I don't come think down. He knows that though. <laughs> right now they're just hitting null targets. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. Why? Oh. Maybe because he doesn't see the bullets, or he's just oh there he goes there he goes no you're gonna lose a oh kid. maybe he left it blanks so in case uh, in case one of the things yeah so you don't lose them so you don't lose the bullets so okay them. that's actually kind of a smart strategy yeah there you go boom 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 now see what because one be cool time I, video of the guy actually playing the game it would be like those kids on the ad for the cocoa and yeah. it went back and forth like that oh yeah right fast uh, action video games right? yeah. I had it happen to me where I reloaded instinctively, and right away I lost the arsenal. Ah. So that was actually a smart drive to leave them yeah. empty until you need them. I would, well, I would critique you sometimes using bullets to stop things that aren't going to hit anything anyway. Why would you do that? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's best not to if you're... If save the ammunition. Why shoot at that? On, on yeah, early levels, it, makes you, it gives you more points, so you do you it then points. when you don't have to worry about it, but... Later levels, yeah, you're It's a right. good score. He's cranking away here. Um, I could watch this all day, but I am also curious to know what the next game is going to be. Or is that too premature to ask? Or? No, absolutely yeah. not. I, I appreciate the... Uh... Is it the new math tutor? Yes, yeah, so we're having a blast <laughs> with the new math tutor. It's premature right. tutor. <laughs> so, can anybody identify the following game? This is a request from David O'Connor. David, you're you're welcome. I hope you will uh, enjoy playing it this week. Oh, thank you, Ron, again for the suggestion. Oh, sure. So that uh, that uh, encouraged me to uh, pick another one off the list this week from the list of requests. So this is from uh, David O'Connor who requested this one. Uh, I'm definitely going to have to join in this one. <laughs> yeah. So uh, basically, the object of the game is to that's a convoy of fuel ships, and you want to protect them from hitting obstacles such as the um, meteorite ahead of you. And other bandits and things, and too. And other aliens. And that, yep. So that yeah, since we be... have Steve on, Steve, do you have any uh, stories about the game? Like, as far as I know, it's original concept. It's not based on any other arcade game, is it? Originally, it started out a little bit like Defender. But then I wanted to add in, instead of protecting people on the ground, protect a convoy. And... Um, your convoy, besides if you lose them all, you die. That's it. You also have fuel, the white dots in each of the uh, convoy units. So when you start running low on fuel, you got to come back and get your fuel. And of course, so, that's the radar underneath. Go ahead, sorry, Steve, sorry. No, no, that's basically it. Um, you got to go from point A to point B. Yep, the left side of the radar to the right side of the radar, and then you start adding in extra things to worry about as you get into the second round, the third round. The thing that I found really, really uh, the, the biggest challenge for, for me was getting used to the inertia because it's very realistic. You know, when you, when you flip the joystick the other way, it takes a little bit of time for the ship to slow down and then go back the other way. And that's, yeah, that was... yeah, you can't turn it on a dime on this one, that's for sure. So I believe oh, yeah. this one takes into account the analog position of the joystick as well, so you're going to want an analog joystick. No, right it does there. not. It does not? Oh, okay. No. It can be played with the digital joystick. Okay. I thought it actually did speed up and slow down a bit, but I guess I'm wrong. Okay, no, so it'll still work with the digital. It, it's a gradual increase of speed from pointing the joystick the direction you're going in, so it's... Okay. 
So it doesn't matter where the joystick's positioned. Okay, that's yeah. that's good to know. Yeah, I, at that time, arcade games were starting to finally come out with uh, inertia. I said it's about time I put in in the Coco games too. Mm. That's awesome. Mm. All right, so that's our game for the week, and I look forward to seeing what you guys do with it. And and, and just to mention, so people know, it's a Coco one and two game, um, joystick required. I. If you have the cartridge, I think it's 16K, and if you are trying to play it off disc, I think it's 32K. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I may also made it so it worked with the keyboard. Okay. I can't remember yeah. if it did or not. And there are options. We're gonna play. We're gonna play the easy level. There are actually options, but we'll, we'll stick with easy. Just everybody's on the same uh, playing field. Hey, Nico. Mikey wants to know when color scripts it's up. <laughs> oh, we announced color scripts already a few weeks ago. I think you must have missed it. Oh darn! <laughs> yeah, he, he missed the high scores on that when when we were sleeping during the news segment. So, yeah, I got uh, I got eighty two words a minute. I thought I was uh, pretty good. High scores, whatever you type into it. <laughs> thanks, Dave, for the suggestion, and thanks, guys, for taking part. And thank you, Stevie. Cool, but nice. Absolutely. Um, how about we do take a brief commercial break, and then we'll come back with some more Game On news. Does that work for you, Rondelvo? Oh, yeah. I'm all up for it. All right. So okay, I, here. I will go ahead and share sound again so you guys can hear the commercials while they play. We'll a couple of brief commercials, and then we'll be back with some Game On news, right? Yep. Far out. The music is back. I don't need that report tomorrow. <laughs> That's great, JT. I need it tonight. Oh, JT. Fletcher Lack saved over 300 clams, you dig, when she got her a Model 100 from Radio Shack, like a good little consumer. It's like a word processor, a phone directory, and dialer. You dig, man? And even like, you know, can groove with your office computer. Fletcher? <laughs> Fletcher. You'll go far, Fletcher. You'll go far. <laughs> Ain't no final game 
There's Polaris, I think, right? Model 100 in my car. <laughs> Just like Fletcher, I'll go far. <laughs> I want to hear the creepy version at some point from the raw. <laughs> I'm sure he does. <laughs> I need it tonight. <laughs> I'll never hear that line the same again. I need it tonight. I knew you would. Forty years have come and gone. Oh. Tandy, I'm still counting on. Software, hardware, something new. Can't do without my switcheroo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you'll go far, Fletcher. <laughs> you'll go far. <laughs> With rising entertainment costs, that's a real bargain. Did you just add that, Stevie, or was that in there? Oh, okay. <laughs> With rising entertainment costs, that's a real bargain. Stevie Remix. You'll go far, Fletcher. Oh, you'll go far. You guys see Jim Brain's comment in the in the chat? You'll go far, Fletcher. Oh, you'll go far. No, I haven't. Why? Oh, that was too good to not experience another time. <laughs> well, plus, also, it's handy, too, because a lot of people were having trouble finding the stream at the beginning there because of YouTube's stupid changes lately. So some people had missed the video, so they actually got to see it for the first time now. Mm-hmm. The first time for the last time. <laughs> All right, so you got Stellar Lifeline up there already there, Jason. Oh, I'm ready to go. <laughs> go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and see what the you know what the low score is. <laughs> how, how, many, how, how, how can I score the least amount of points and then instantly die? He, he that wants way, your name will table. get mentioned first. Right. That way he does it. That's right. That way I won't be the last. <laughs> just fly, fly all the way to the right and let the asteroids get all your convoy. <laughs> no, no, you no, no, no. A great no. big convoy. It's faster just to fly your ship into an asteroid. Oh, good point. <laughs> I didn't think of that. <laughs> so could you get a zero score? So what do you call the opposite of a pro tip? <laughs> a, a con tip. The low, score, ah. the low score challenge. With Jason Record. Oh, <laughs> uh, so what's next? David Ladd, our host with the most. What are we gonna, what do we got coming up here? Well, I believe we've got the news, don't we, for the, the game on news? I believe we do. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, I can try to be. Let's see if I got the right one here. Ah, shoot. Just stuck here. I forgot to show the sound. <laughs> I wish that would default on or at least have a setting for that. It would make it much more convenient. Okay, you guys seeing that? Yep. Yep. Now, I will ask you guys ahead of time because I discovered this this morning and I spent about an hour trying to figure out what the heck's going on and I couldn't. I don't know, but maybe it's my browser or maybe it just doesn't like the Mac I'm running it on. I don't know. But if you guys had problems where on Facebook videos you can't 
maximize them anymore because now I can click on it until I'm blue in the face and it just stays this little shrunk size. I don't know. I deleted my Facebook account, so. No, okay. I have some workarounds to go back to the old classic interface. Yeah, I mean, this is problems galore with this new design. It just wastes space. And I never waste space for all this stupid about crap that I don't really care about. And I can't, I can click it like this enlarge and it doesn't do anything. Anyway, we'll, we'll go on. It'll just be small. So the first one up here is uh, Chet Simpson, who just upon the completion of Digger 3, one of the best uh, new Coco 3 games we've seen uh, in, in, in years type thing, along with some of uh, Nick's has now started up his uh, new engine that he's planning and been talking about for a while here. So he has a bit of a demo. Uh, with the uh, I like how he called it Shit Creek. That was awesome. Taking <laughs> off the uh, the same name as the uh, show that won all the Emmys. They couldn't mention the name of on TV. <laughs> um, so he has his Chaos. Chaos is his Chaos engine, which is his graphical engine demo. And he's got a, a thing that kind of duplicates River Raid, as, as Nick pointed out from the Activision. So I'll just play it for a little bit here, just using some hardware scrolling and stuff. But some nice smooth scrolling there and, you know, planes and shadowing and stuff too. So is anyway, there bridges, a little, little turds going by or what? They're helicopters. Oh, look. Yeah, the title refers to what the helicopters will be eventually doing to you. <laughs> when they're birds. <laughs> It's it's a pretty cool video though, and it's it's a pretty cool engine he's got going on there too. So I'm really looking forward to see what else because he's mentioned he's got all these effects that he didn't even use in Digger and didn't have in Digger. So a lot of stuff coming up there. And then for this week, we've got two entries from Jim Gary. So he, you know, not a slack week like he did last week with just one, but you know, not not his full, you know, five or six a day type <laughs> thing he sometimes does. So the first one he did <clears throat> is called I, I have no idea how to pronounce this, Hayanakio Alien. Now, apparently this is a Japanese game that actually predated the arcade game Space Panic and apparently was the inspiration for Space Panic, which we have on the Cocoa's Color Panic. There's Apple Panic. It's a, it's a well-done, you know, well-cross-platform game. So this is actually the original. This was based on probably from the late 70s. Uh, and he revised it during the week. So we had one initial video, and then he came, came back and did another one. Um, so this is the second version of the video. <laughs> And of course, he's got that amazing background sound that uh, only his MC10 apparently does. Now, this does play a bit different than Space Panic here, too, so I'm not quite sure. Like he's got these little time things you shoot out and creates a bomb or something. I'm not familiar with his original game too much, so. But he actually has this available for download, too, so if you want to grab a copy and try it on MC10 or MC10 emulator, you can. Though I believe that version doesn't have the ambient music in the background. His second entry is a port of the game Go Fish. And this is from a uh, book by somebody named Delton T. Horn uh, from 1981. So we ported that one over the MC-10. So that's a text-based, you know, Go Fish card game. So not too much to see there, but if you're into Go Fish, there we go. 
Jason's infamous brother, Ken, has actually put his uh, games up on itch.io, which actually a few people on the Cocoa community scene have been doing lately. <clears throat> so it's kind of cool we're getting that here. And he's actually put up all of his stuff. So he's got his commercial games like Nightmare Highway, Cocoa Fest Edition. Plus, he's got some other stuff he's done over the years, too, like Nutroid and some of the stuff he did back, you know, way back for Rainbow, etc. Um, so you can actually click on each of these. Most of these are free. So you can just go download them. And uh, he's got a few that, you know, the charge, like the Nightmare Highway Cocoa Fest edition. Now, one thing I've noticed, and I wish he would fix this, like Nightmare Highway Cocoa Fest, he, he did do it correctly. He's got his, you know, sample video. He's got a sample gameplay screen. So you can see what you're getting. But most of the other ones, he just has the title screens. He doesn't have actually gameplay screens, which. Well, that that's uh, the, the, the two there. You just are uh, the two of those are text adventures. Yeah, but it's not obvious from um, oh. you. You have no idea. I mean, Spy looks like a graphic game because he's got a graphical title screen, but there's no mm. gameplay. I, I hope he puts up both. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I'll, uh, I don't know. Is he? In I chat? think the word text adventure under the word spy is kind of a good indication. <laughs> text adventure game. So yeah. okay. Well, I mean, some of these other ones like Target Jumper, you don't know what the gameplay looks like, and Nutroid. Is this what the game looks like when it plays? No. So. Are you being critical? Are you being critical, yes, Curtis? Not Roy. Right. There's just no pleasing you. Is no. one of them buzzard bait guys? I don't really like him that much. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> one month bait. away, buddy. Just wait. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Actually, to be honest, though, I, I really like the fact he's done that. The fact he's brought back all of his old games too yeah, yeah. over the years is awesome. I, I just you I'm, know, for people that are new to the Coco that find this page first. <laughs> I, I want them to be able to see what the game looks like. And it actually, it would help me, too, because I haven't seen all these myself. Well, then download really them I and play them, you stuff. freaking condescending prick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm a polite Canadian condescending prick, so it has more weight. <laughs> not to, to, to toot my own horn. You know, the reason this stuff... <laughs> beep, beep, sorry. Beep. Um, yeah. <laughs> the reason this stuff still exists is because I preserved it and I found this stuff and then, you know, put it in DSK and sent it to him. This was... I still had the the majority of all our old uh, cassette tapes and uh, diskettes and everything, and was able to like, hey, look at all this stuff here. You know, you should do something with it. So you're the alleged source of the alleged bonuses. Um, the I was uh, the alleged archivist, I guess. Yes. yes. Get him. Hope, he, hope he's giving you a cut. So here, here's the here, division by zero error. Yeah, I think so. Rob Inman kind of turned a lot of us on to this because apparently a lot of retro people are using uh, retro products are using itch.io. Um, the reason why I used it, number one, because I was made aware of it, but I just like the idea of knowing how many people were going to download something and you get the, you get the tracking and the metrics of that. Like if you just put it up on your own blog site or you put it on you know Facebook or whatever, you just don't know how many, even if you're not selling it, I just like to know how many people have downloaded it just, just out of curiosity, you know? And so yeah. that's the main thing I liked about it is that being able to track that. I don't know that most websites are going to give you download metrics just because you put a link on your site to download it, you know, because most yeah. blog sites. And the fact uh, that it handles, you know, free downloads, it handles pay downloads, yeah. it handles donate yeah. downloads all yeah. in one shot is nice. No, it's, it's a great service. Yeah. yeah. Now, some people like Nick, you know, because they want their Ferraris, they want to hoard over cash themselves. They're not going to do any splits with anybody. <clears throat> and that's fine too. But there's, it's nice to have a, a place that's really easy to set up for you. You can just put your yeah. stuff up there really quick, and, and you know it's out to the public. 
Right, because as you get a bigger Coca community there, I think that'll help too. Right, because there are there are people who know about itch.io for other systems, and when you go on there, you can always say, "Well, show me what's new today," and just new games for all systems. So you're going to get discovered by people who maybe never owned a Cocoa, but being on itch.io is a great way to get discovered because there's a lot of people from a lot of different retro communities that go there to see things. So. <clears throat> and it'll help people like Sloopy who've got multiple retro systems and all of a sudden they'll see like you said you know the updates today and all of a sudden there's a coco game well, i have a coco back there i didn't know it had any new games coming yeah out. no and it's it's not a bad suggestion curtis for him to do that but i think these were just the screenshots he did based on the title screens from his original website so without having to no i know i know generate it, to generate more content yeah i don't i don't disagree with you on that yeah. but i do like and to be to, honest i might help him with that like if he doesn't have time to do it since i will be getting to his games eventually on my yeah. site as well yeah. then i'll have screenshots you can just steal them you got permission for that ken when I get to them. There you go. And hopefully I can steal them back if you get to them first. Because <laughs> I'm well. lazy. Now this one here is really cool. Um, Paul Fiscarelli and uh, Simon have been working on this you know, game engine. We've seen Simon's demos before, some of the scrolling and stuff in here. And this is the sprite library part that Paul's been working on. So it's got some pretty familiar characters you may you know have heard of from other platforms. Uh, I believe this is a clone of the guy from Downland, right? It yep. is, yes. Yeah. I yeah. thought th- I thought the title of this was Cease and Desist Brothers. <laughs> super Cease and Distress. Yes. Yeah, Super Cease and Desist super Brothers. Super Cease yeah. and Desist. <laughs> it's Donkey Brothers without the donkey, I think. <laughs> uh, Dewey, Cheatham, and Howard. That guy looks a lot like the guy in Downland. I want to say. I'm, yeah. I believe I yeah. believe the Downland people should be um, contacting maybe this it's, organization. Maybe it's super Downland uh, Brothers. Super, super Downland Brothers. <laughs> Now, the one ironic part of this here for me is that we've got this demo demonstrating this game, and we've had a previous one done years ago by Remy in Europe Mm -hmm. where he didn't do the actual shapes of Mario and stuff on there, but he actually had the whole scrolling with, you know, just the okay. around. So he had the whole, you know, horizontal hardware scrolling thing going on. Now, we were looking, and this is, you know, not the quickest thing in the world, but he does mention that uh, that was frame locked to 15 frames per second. So if he unlocks it, this is how fast it goes. Holy shit, look at that guy bouncing back and forth there. Holy sh... A little bit uncontrollable, I think. It's wow. me, Turbo Mario. It's a me, Mario on speed, look at me. <laughs> this is called Cocaine Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't Meth Mario Brothers show yeah. a little bit more? Yeah, Meth Brothers, Mario. yeah. Meth brothers. <laughs> meth brothers. <laughs> meth, meth you, don't, you don't pick. You don't pick up coins. You pick up teeth. <laughs> don't, 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 just, just don't meth with them. Don't meth. Don't meth with uh, me, man. Don't uh, meth with me. Bad, okay? Don't meth with that. Don't meth with me, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's really cool seeing him getting this sprite library going. Simon's been working on the horizontal and vertical scrolling stuff, mm-hmm. and also, you know, I think he's working with the sprite library. So, the two of them, you know. Working together on this new game engine, I think, is going to yield some pretty. You know, awesome you know stuff, what I so. thought was really neat because I I haven't finished listening to last week's show, but I have been listening to it. I haven't been doing as much traveling this week, so I haven't had a lot of road time. But when when Chet Simpson was basically saying that Digger Three was basically an elaborate proof of concept for him. Yeah. I mean, it's like the greatest game that Coco's seen in the past 20 years. Oh, yeah, this is just really a proof of concept for me to work on something better. You know, It's like, holy yeah. well, shit. Well, he also mentioned like he took yeah. the old Digger 2 engine that he did yeah. previously, yeah. and he just added a few flares to it, and yeah. the new engine is you know, vastly improved. Yeah, so I mean, honestly, it's like, I'm to the point now where... N- 
does this, does this sound, sound wrong to say nothing's going to surprise me or should we say nothing is impossible it, nothing is impossible anymore in the freaking coco 3 in the right hands but what people are able to do at this point so yeah the, the one one negative thing for me is that you know i you know i'm thinking about trying to make my own game just to do it because i haven't done it in 30 years type thing but i take a look at stuff like this and i'm going i can't do that I'm not a- well, listen, you, you got cosmic aliens. It can't be any worse than that. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You long- sold more copies of that than I've sold uh, Nitro's Night, I think, now. Yeah. So. Well, Curtis, when, the- when they start getting the other stuff, the game in, the speed difference between locked at 15 and what it's doing now, it'll be locked at 15. Oh, yeah, because you can have background sound effects and possibly music and all kinds of things in there, too. So, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're all going to take Thank CPU you. time. Yeah, it's just yeah, nice it's seeing just what the, the engine's actually capable of. If you, if you didn't, you know, overburden it with sound, or if you made it for a, a you know, sound card based Coco of some sort. So, yeah. it seems like he's still, like, obviously by um, having the CPU doing nothing else and having it going full speed, is showing just how much overhead is left for the CPU to do other things. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. This is an interesting one here in the MC10 group. Robert's been busy this week. I've been tracking that. Yes, He's been posting he <laughs> all kinds of demos and artworks and conversions. Um. So this one here, he's posted the actual, this is the download link here. You can get it on Facebook, uh, the cassette uh, ed- edition of this game, Car 14, as he's calling it, uh, for the Car MC10. Car 14, where are, are you? you? <laughs> <laughs> and it's running in SG6, not SG4. So this is the uh, 64 by 48 mode, Ooh. where you get four colors on the screen at once. Ooh. So you get a bit more vertical res of the loss of some color. So he's actually got a video off of it, off it up too, so I'll play that here. Some instructions. There's that MC10 ambient. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> So basically, it's one of those driving games where you have to dodge and not hit too many things, and you gradually get your car damage. It actually shows now, higher damage as you go. I am hoping kind of that these... It, we're very lucky these things do not resemble furniture, or I believe the uh, the law firm of Reichard, Reichard, and Reichard would be contacting him for... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just better ask where the couches are. <laughs> 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 could be couches, you know, or maybe there's small love seats or... <laughs> they're just the cushions. They're the cushions from the couch. <laughs> So, so what? So what we're saying is, this is another game where things just come at you. <laughs> I, I yeah. thought it was Riker, Riker, and Rocky. Yeah, Riker, Riker, yeah. and Rocky. Oh yeah, you can see the little red dot on the tire there, kind of like yep. a pit stop, right? Where your tires exactly are... like pit stop too, where yeah. you get the tire damage and then eventually you die because you're you're too damaged. Yeah, this is these decent uh, different d- decent semi graphics looking thing here on MC10, huh? Yeah, I mean, adding that extra vertical res, switching it from 32 pixels vertically to 48, actually does make a fair bit of a difference. Absolutely. Look at the tires. Yeah, tires are heating up. Boom, boom, boom. Ooh. Looks like Pennsylvania roadways with all the potholes. <laughs> <laughs> this is literally me driving the tollways in Chicago heading to Coco Fest. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, that's, if you've ever driven the Chicago tollways, you have to wonder, where do the tolls go? Because the roads are like crap. <laughs> <laughs> You're obviously not filling the holes with it. Yes. Uh, it's, that's why they're a moneymaker, because they make it and they don't spend on mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Try driving across the Indiana toll road. I know last time I drove on that one, it was all tore up, so I couldn't. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Next Not step, and this, this, yeah, 
Next up, um, we've got uh, Richard Kelly. Now, he's been working on his Ladderman 2, a.k.a. Super Ladderman, and he had two version releases uh, this week. The first one did a huge speed increase, and the second one was more bug fixes. So this is a platformer. You can see some of the screens here. Oh, uh, neat. It's a bit of a puzzle platformer. you got to kind of solve the ways you can't jump. Um, and it, it's got, like, tons of levels. There's at least couple dozen or, or more type things so there's a fair bit to it but he said this one's i haven't had a chance to try it yet i don't know if anybody else on the panel's had a chance to try it yet but apparently it's very much sped up from the previous versions he's released over the last year or two okay so i'm, I'm kind of curious getting it i have downloaded I just haven't had a chance to try it yet okay so I, I would like to see you know what, what the speed improvements are but it's, it's well done i mean the graphics look really nice for a p mode 4 game he's got some pretty innovative level design that you can see here because it goes through quite a few of them yeah that is neat yeah, I've reached out to him, see if we can get him on. I don't know if he's got a Saturday conflict or something, but he's done a ton of stuff, and it would be neat just to have, like, a retro Rick day and just show off his wares, you know? Yeah, and Rick uh, Newland can join in on that one, too, so they got yeah. both Ricks, so mm-hmm. you can have a Rick theme day. Never gonna say- give you up. Right, so, Did you say uh, he actually released a couple new versions this week? So W is the newest. He yeah, was- he had a V before that. <clears throat> which was the main speed-up one, but then he he even noted at that point he had some bugs, like uh, level 24 and 25 are both reporting level 24 on the screen. Mm. For some reason. I, I so now, is, that is the bug. proper way to pronounce V in, in the UK uh, VED? VED. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's what I wanted as a kid, so it would <laughs> rhyme me off of that. Story. Yes, yeah. it's VED and <laughs> ZED. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. So you had three bug fixes compared to the previous one that was out earlier this week. Uh, didn't start correctly after you won the game. The game sometimes lets you move upward when you shouldn't be able to, and then level 23, 24, 25 display problems. So that's what he fixed uh, after he did the, the main speed-ups. Neat. Good job, Rick Kelly. You know that and guy. Paul Thayer did a, an update on his Cocoa Band. He actually was demonstrating some of the, the movements and stuff here. What is this Coco Talk is now live shite that keeps popping up on your screen? Log update. Ah, uh, somebody's spamming me. Project. Yeah. Some idiot name OG Street Bistro or something. I'm not sure about that yet. inspired by a few different games. Soko Bond being the original. Uh, very similar to that. Push things around. Fast forward a little bit for the, the gameplay. So, I mean, if you're taking a look at this here, if you remember Sokoban, which is a puzzle game, basically, you have to like shift bricks around to this final resting area and you can't trap yourself. Otherwise, you lose a level and you have to start it over. This one adds some elements to it. So you've got the gems you have to push around and you're the little yellow guy in the upper left corner there. You have beholders, so you have people chasing you or monsters chasing you. You also eventually have to get keys to unlock that door and then go on to the next level with that green... I'm sure it's a gem. That's the numbers. exit, the spot, huh, where the green gem is or something? I spent yeah. like three weeks like yeah. programming. And, and hey, what he's been guys. working on the last few weeks is the AI for the boulder. And I think it's probably a little too smart right now because it's our emitters. Because he was trying to circle the beholder he's to trap be him with the gems. And it's very difficult. He sent me a test one here a couple days ago, and I probably tried it like 15 times a match to trap him once. Now he's right on. You see that yellow flashing oh on the top? That's so, yeah. his uh, border color change. See how much CPU time is being used per frame for the AI and graphics moving and stuff here. So, with his current team. <laughs> One false move, and I'm his. I like the animation of the blinking eyes. Yeah, and he follows you. That's neat. Yeah. And that's one of, you know, 
four or five game projects that he's currently working on. He's got Downland 2, he's got his fighting game, he's got this, etc. So and, and what I would just add to this is just a plug for Discord. If you guys are not already familiar with being on our Discord server, this is one of the things you might just spontaneously see one night where we're all just sitting here chatting and, and then uh, Paul's on there as Redbeard's like, hey, I've been here's the latest progress. So you can kind of see uh, throughout the week, you know, what people are working on. They'll just screen share and show us stuff. So it's kind of cool that for us who are a little bit more active in Discord, we're a little bit spoiled by seeing content in progress as it's happening, even before it gets posted out on Facebook and stuff, you know. So we get to see yeah, live I mean, previews Chet, of the Paul, stuff. And, Nick yeah. have all, all been previewing their stuff as they go on, on Discord. So, yeah, it's an excellent way if you want to see, you know, ahead of the game what's going to happen, you know, weeks before I get to show it on here when an actual official video is released. If you mm -hmm. want to catch, you know, game development in progress, it's an excellent place to be. Plus, yeah. you can ask questions. Sometimes they'll even hand out, you know, a couple limited alpha or beta tests for you to try out so you actually get on the ground floor for testing. It's, it's, it's really cool to be on that group. Yeah. And then the last one for today, and I think Rob Inman had mentioned this too, though I had seen it already previously. This is uh, Simon WGB, a guy from the UK. He does a whole bunch of gaming things on Twitch, and he does Dragon like every week or two, two or three weeks sometimes. Um, so he did one here that literally started my local time at 3.30 this morning. So I wasn't up to catch it live, unfortunately. So in this particular one, he has a three and a half hour stream on Twitch. Now, he does usually eventually post these on YouTube as well if you're not on Twitch. Um, but he was trying to play some of the Dragon games with his PS4 controller adapter in the emulator. And uh, he actually on some of the games gave up and went back to the standard joystick. So the keyboard you mapping on MAME type thing because it, it just ran better for him. I think maybe it's X-Ware he's actually playing. But the games he did in this particular one included Speed Racer, which at the beginning he was playing in the Dragon black and white mode, like they would have seen it in the old days. And then he switched to the composite color, uh, which obviously looks a bit better on that one. But he also did uh, Caverns of Chaos, which is this one here. And I'll just... Uh, I like the font. Looking at double height font. Looks really cool. Yeah, and this was, this was an actual Dragon game. Okay. Uh, and he played Danger Ranger, which I think, Nick Marotti, you'd mentioned you'd never seen before. No, that was, uh, I think it was Rob Inman who said that. I, I played it as a kid. Oh, okay. Because I know Boda just played it here on his last stream of the Coco a couple of weeks ago, too. And that was a new one to him as well. Okay, so this has artifacting turned on. Yeah. No, this, this game's not set up for that. He also played uh, Cruising, another Dragon Game, Tea Time, another Dragon Game, Dungeon Raid, which was by Ken Kalish and was a yeah, love Dragon game. Market, but we're on the Coco as well. The Wizard's Lair and then Fire Force, which is kind of a commando style. I won't play them all because we've seen most of the games before on here, but uh, just yeah, want to give him because he keeps doing these here, and I'm 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 curious if maybe he actually gets if he's running the modern emulator, so he can emulate a six through nine, if he wants to try some of the games I've you know six through nine eyesed on the dragon to see how they run with the fifty hertz refresh rate and stuff too, like color card and stuff. I'd like to see him try those, so I'll try to get in contact with him at some point. Neat. And that's it for the game on news. Far out, far out. Is our host David Ladd still here? David, are you awake? Why, yes, I'm awake and I'm excited to be here. <laughs> I am so excited to be here. I was busy with my grease weasel, but I am back. I've got enough time to move right straight into regular news or do we? Does anybody need a break, or we want to go I think into Ron news? Ron needs a break. <laughs> Ron's Ron's paused. So, what do you guys think? Commercial break, or go straight into news? News. There's a lot of news. I will warn you. All right. Well, All right, we'll, 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 we'll we 
We will do a commercial break. We'll be back after these words with news from L. Curtis Boyle. Uh, in the meantime, very briefly, I'll go ahead and share sound so you guys can hear it. And here we go. And now, these messages. It's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas. This year, I needed to give a real family pleaser. Honey, please help me with this budget. How about a new game, Dad? Please. And I found it. Radio Shack's Color Computer 2. On sale for just $99.95. It entertains, educates, manages. It's expandable and affordable. Now that really pleases me. The Color Computer 2. Sale price for Christmas. Only at Radio Shack. Hi, I'm Kieran Anscombe, author of XRAW, and your brain is resolving sensory input into Coco Talk. At GSoft, we make games for the TRS-80 Color Computer, TRS-80 MC-10, and Dragon Computers. Our basic games cover the range of genres from arcade, to text adventures, to simulations, to 3D dungeon crawls. This is our latest puzzle game from Japan, Fruit Panic. So come on, drop by our website, and download our latest games. Tired of switching your joystick between the left and right port? Want to change between different controllers? Well, Joey has got you covered. The Joey Controller Switch. Take control of your controllers with the flip of two switches. Order today at cocoman.biz. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. Legend says, when the moon is full, if you go out in the country by the lake and whisper the name of Nick Marota three times, his spirit will appear and he will grant you a product idea. Radio Shack has a great gift idea for the whole family. Fast action TV games. And they're on sale. Get this six game model for $29.95 or the four game model for $21.95. With rising entertainment cost. That's a real bargain. You play hockey, tennis, squash, and more. Easy to hook up and great family fun that lasts all year long. The sale price TV games. Only at Radio Shack, a Tandy company. Hi, I'm Terry Steen, author of Balloon Fire and other amazing games on the color computer. And you're listening to Stevie Stroh on Coco Talk. From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on News with El Curtis Muppet News Flash. Okay, you guys got that? We are. That guy's got a really confused look on his face right now. What are, what are we witnessing now? <laughs> okay, this is one of the many, many Septandi videos. And actually, this is a three-parter. And this is probably one of the best parts of the Septandi that I've seen actually for the whole month. So this guy, is, uh, his channel is called Dinty's Hideaway. And as part of Septandi, he actually did an interview on Skype or something with John Roach, who used to run the computer division at Radio Shack. Hmm. Um. So he's got two of the parts out now, and the third part hasn't come out yet. So this first one kind of goes into the early history 
of you know it goes in early history of his life in specific and then how he joined tandy and how he met charles tandy um how the model one came about some info on the coco um you know the fact that mike Microsoft's own Bill Gates had mentioned that that was one of the last platforms he actually did actual coding on. So there's a quite a bit of historical stuff in here. And there's even some sneak stuff about uh, sales a little bit, which we've never been able to get anything official on, of course. Because uh, he mentioned that um, as far as the competitors go to the Cocoa at the time in the early 80s, around the 80 to 83 mark, he'd mentioned that the TI-99 was something they didn't really view as competition as far as sales went. Now, I did a lookup because TI did release their sales. They sold 2.8 million computers. Now, if, if Tandy figures, if John Roach of Tandy figures that the Coco, that the, that the TI was not competition for the Coco sales-wise, that means at least that many were sold and probably quite a few more. Well, they wouldn't have known global sales figures to date back then. I think they probably just were thinking they're, it's a different machine. It's a more expensive machine. It's a different market than us. So they're not going to, a consumer for a Coco is not going to be a, you know, that machine, but who knows, who knows what that really meant. Yeah. I mean, he, he did, he did mention that the, the, the big 20 Commodore 64 was competition. So. Mm, okay. Yeah, it was a it more was, expensive it, machine. It was at least $500 for that TN99 4A, right? Yeah, until the fire sale when they shut it down. Yeah. It was like I, I was going to say, a lot of TIs were sold for $99. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of them. The, those gray ones behind him there? Yeah. Beige ones, those all went for 99 bucks, not $500. Mm. So that wasn't a, selling a lot of them wasn't a good thing, is all I'm saying. Yeah. And there's John Roach himself there, still no, living uh, in Texas, retired. Um, it's, anyway, it's a very fascinating interview. It's a three-part. Like I said, the first part here is on the early history of Tandy up through not too far past the Color Computer 1 getting released. Definitely worth worth a listen to. And then part two is actually his recollections of uh, Charles Tandy himself. And um, Wow. That's a great find to get to get a hold of John Roach. Yeah. Where, why yeah, why is my crack team not on this? <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe he paid us more. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Crack, apparently. <laughs> anyway, Charles Tandy's a pretty interesting guy, too. They were, he was mentioning one specific story when he was getting hired, I think it was. I can't remember the exact details off the top of my head because I listened to this at the beginning of the week. Uh, but basically, they were having an interview dinner, which was supposed to last you know, an hour or two or two hours, whatever type thing. And they ended up talking until 9 o'clock before they even ordered food. And then Charles Tandy got a call that one of the Radio Shack stores was on fire. And they quickly hopped in the car and drove down to see what they could do about this whole fire thing. So they, he didn't get home till like one in the morning that wow. day in the interview. And then he got hired. So wow, fascinating stories like that. And, then, and the third part's still coming out, you know, I think this week. Yeah, neat, 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 neat. Yeah, I want to see these. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's only twelve back. minutes, so this is a this is a digestible the, thing. Yeah, okay. This yeah, the piece. previous one's twenty some, I think. If I okay, correctly. All right. but, yeah. So we're not yeah, looking. Yeah, this is not like a. Show. Unlike this show, which is a five-hour uh, vor- vortex of, of, of life this never show. returned. That uh, <laughs> indigestion. Yeah. Are you gonna play the part? Trip. Are you gonna play the cocoa part? Well, the first one. I. It's not I very long. I, I could try to find it in here. Just a sec. I, I watched all those. You remember how far in it was, Ron? Off the top of your head? Uh, it's about three quarters of the way in. Which was a fairly small, about uh, several eight people. Uh, period. Is computer 
we called them blitzes, but they were really barnstorm. How's that for uh, volume? Show. It can go up a little higher. Go into okay. uh, C. Uh, and you know, if you just stand till you see the color computer set up about and then go back ahead. 20 or 25 machine. Uh, and he got That's Bill Gates out there, and I, uh, <clears throat> I, well, uh, it's been documented in enough places. He came to the price mm -hmm. I told him horseshit. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> when he would tell the story after that. He'd say, you know, my dad and I had done a lot of role playing before I came down there. Uh, so hopefully I could answer all the questions uh, well and what have you. But he said he didn't tell me what to say when you said horseshit. <laughs> well, was the biggest customer until uh, after they got into the IBM PC business. Yeah. Uh, we. Yeah, down here in Texas, we don't take no horse shit from you Seattle boys. <laughs> don't sell me a load of horse shit, Bill Gates. <laughs> You're missing it. the Model 2, which was more of a business computer. And we sold lots of Model 2s. One of the things in the information you'd give me. Uh, Look at that beast. Margin. Uh, I can remember one Saturday morning sitting in the office on the Model 2 and saying, let's set the gross margin at 75%. I mean, that's a pretty good profit margin uh, that we made after the initial ones were, were very profitable uh, for us. I mean, it came down from that fairly quickly, but not uh, real quick. On the color computer. Look at those slacks the guy's uh, wearing there. That's, that's, that's pretty gangster. I like the word slacks. Yeah. It was the 70s. And, uh, uh, well, that's what uh, the consumer wants for their games and what have you. And so. Uh, so we threw together some horse shit and called it the color uh, computer. <laughs> Gates wrote the basic for it. And Gates wrote the basic for the cocoa. I've had some people kind of contest and say that wasn't quite true. He wrote he part of the basic for the cocoa. I don't know what the full amount he did is. but mm. People really liked. I mean, the computer uh, geeks that really were into. Look at that. How's all this work? Wasn't Gates responsible for the CLS 9 Easter egg? Uh, they liked the color. Probably computer. him or Alan, one of the it two. It was relatively. Because that was done in Commodore's uh, and other things, too, to prevent pirated versions of basic going on. That's my artwork. Right right yeah, that's Ron's artwork that made it into that video. Over, over wow. the years. They were certainly involved and had uh, their chip in it. And, and he does uh, mention that the Cocoa community is still well, actually active you. today, so he, he keeps a little bit of tabs on us, too. Motorola, a guy that was a director. Uh, was uh, all right. Well, we don't want to give away the whole video, save some for the people who are going to watch it. That was cool, though. That was definitely yeah. cool. It's, I can never get tired of hearing that guy say horse shit and tell you that. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't put that in the soundboard, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> Why is it not on the soundboard already, Steve? <laughs> Why Tandy do that horse shit? Why Tandy do that horse shit? We put some horse shit in the box, called it a color computer. <laughs> God, no. We're a fan uh, site, remember? Oh, well, tell me why, 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 that is such and, a gangster pose. Look at look at that gangster pose too. He's got the cigar. He's got the freaking pinky ring on. He's like the freaking Godfather right there, ain't he? Yeah, and he even goes into the history like when when Tandy bought Radio Shack because Radio Shack was an independent store chain, and Tandy Leather Company bought it. Tandy Leather Company's still around, of course. Mm. <clears throat> but he went in like in, Tandy at the time had some pretty innovative ways of paying their stores too. Which he kind of goes into here, where you even if your store was losing money, you could actually do quite well as a manager. Huh. Most of the whole formulas and how that was all set up. So it was pretty, pretty innovative thinker for the time you know, back in the seventies when he took it over. So that that's a very fascinating interview too, and I'm really looking forward to the third part. Yeah, that is interesting. Next up, and uh, I'm going to have a chunk of Septandi at the beginning because I did these earlier in the week, and then I have a chunk of Septandi near the end too when I just uh, literally this morning. So this is by Quick Things on YouTube, and he fired up his Kogo 3 Orchestra 90 disk drive for the first time in 30 years. Hadn't turned it on at all. And it all worked, though we had to do a bit of cleaning. So this is the first power on. How's the volume on this one? Cocoa 3 it's fine. In about 30 years. It could probably go up a notch. Since about 1990. I migrated to a Tandy 1000 in late 1990, and this has been mothballed ever since. This kind of what you did too, Steve, except you did it earlier. Yeah. Power cable is plugged in. Here's the first power on. There it is. Click. The relay kicked in. And it looks good. Poof. What is this smoke coming out of the grill? <laughs> that's not a Ooh, that's a feature. Double floppies. Look at him. Controller to see what yep. happens. Uh -huh. That was a good thing to pull out of the mothballs. Uh -huh. Double floppy. Uh -huh. And he wasn't expecting the floppies to work actually. It's not reading. He's gonna have to clean out the contacts there, huh? So that tells me that something's not quite right. Interesting dirty contacts. Let's try a few no. times moving it in and out. A little bit of deoxid. Don't blow on it. it simply Whatever you do, don't dip your contacts into horse <laughs> shit. That's <laughs> <laughs> the theme of the rest of the show. Uh, is, that, is that the title of the show? Yes, yes. The horse shit episode. <laughs> Um, uh, the famous it's an appropriation <laughs> there he just cleaned the contacts off and then boom it just came right up and now it's working yeah is that the actual floppy sound no that was me oh that, you did a, you did a damn good one can i hear dot matrix too can you do dot can you do dot, do dot matrix rick 
The folks in the podcast are really going to love hearing the audio version of that. So, yeah. Can you do a cassette load? Ooh. No, I used to could. He Bruce Moore could. Uh, <laughs> anyway, everything's basically working. He's got a high-res joystick interface. He hasn't had a chance to try yet, so he's going to try to get a, a sequel video of this, kind of showing some actual software running. <laughs> Next up from Sip Tandy, uh, the guy named Retrobits here. And uh, he does a first look and more, including burning his own ROM card games using the uh, Coco EEPROM pack from Mark Blair. Uh, and he discovered some issues with you know some of the initial setup for it, but he did eventually get it working with some help. That's and, a really c- clean looking Coco too. And I like yeah. the I like the backlighting he's got going on there. He still cleaned it even more, but uh, cleans the individual keys. There's I have never thing. I have never cleaned a keyboard. I mean, I, not that it's a bad thing to do, but that's a it's a lot of work too. Yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And here's his little EEPROM cart. Uh, that you can burn your own proms onto. So he actually got the schematic off the web, went to the Color Computer Archive to grab some cartridges to put on. A little bit of details in that. I don't know, has anybody else here used that particular Mark Blair EEPROM hardware? Yes. Cart? What, what, and what, what's your opinion of it, Dave? I've never actually even heard of that one before in, in particular. Um, well, that's actually the uh, cartridge that... Uh, um, I've put a whole bunch of drive wire ROMs on for some of my machines. So, well, so when you turn it on, it just automatically has drive wire up and running type thing. Yeah, HDB DOS. Um, it's just in there, ready to go. Um, also, there's a on Thingiverse. There's a case that is actually designed to work directly with that, um, and you just print it slap everything together put a screw in it and there you go okay because it did sound like it would hold like up to eight cartridges worth of roms or something like that um it's got um depending up on to the chip, 64k obviously. 64k rom that it can hold up to that's so that's 88 case right okay um <clears throat> now on this video though um which I did leave a comment on his video. Um, the he was using a utility to convert the the CCCs into bins. Yes. Then he was trying to burn the bins. I said, uh, no, you just need to rename the CCCs to dot ROMs and then load those into your EEPROM programmer. Because yeah, mm. the dot bins are for like loading from yeah. cassette or. Um, the disk images. Yeah. Now, he did so. figure a way to work around it himself, but yeah, your method's much simpler than what he was doing. But yeah, he got a couple of ROMs. He got Dungeons of the Dagger Dagger There you go. Dragonfire. Mm-hmm. Tetris. Do, 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 do. The diagnostic. I gotta ROM. say, I know, I know. When we started the whole September thing, I wasn't meaning to necessarily poo-poo the idea, but I, mean, I remember making a statement like, "Yeah, I'm not into movements or hashtags. I'm glad people are doing it, but that's not for me." But which I, which is still a true statement. But I don't want to um, take away from the fact that this is a great movement in general that people are getting excited about Septendi. I think this has been the best year for it as far as um, of the participation. And uh, while I did kind of, you know, poo-poo it in a way by saying, yeah, I'm, I'm not all jumping on the hashtag bandwagon because we're always Tandy, uh, I am very uh, appreciative that there's this many people 
promoting Tandy in general. It is a good why, thing. Why, why do you say poo-poo and then earlier you said bullshit? Uh, I, I know it was actually it was horse shit, but uh, let's <laughs> let's get the animal right there, Ron Delvo. But come um, on, yeah, <laughs> that's a particular good year for the cocoa. Yeah, no, it actually is. So I, I, I so I just want I just want to maybe retract the what maybe what it sounded like and clarify my intention. You know, I, I did because I just like. Like the MC10 and OS. No, 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 not necessarily. No, but I'm just, you know, I, I just want to clarify that uh, I think this is a great thing. You know, uh, it's that been people a great discoverability tool. I mean, for people absolutely. that are. Absolutely. That Absolutely. see Sep Tandy, they might see a model of one, they might see a Tandy yeah. 1000 because it's covering all of Tandy's computers. Yeah, so, so your what, what it's doing to provide coverage for Tandy is absolutely a phenomenally positive thing, and I don't want to distract from that. What my original statement was saying is that I just don't want to jump on this bandwagon and for just for the sake of trying to, you know, milk the opportunity because I figured, listen, we're Tandy all year round, so we don't need to whatever. It didn't seem important to me to hashtag it because we're always Tandy. But other than that statement, I, I want to acknowledge how good this is for for Tandy and for us who are fans of Tandy products. And I, and I am very appreciative that there's been this much resoundingly, overwhelmingly positive and a great quality and quantity of, of Tandy content this month. So I, I want to thank everybody who's been doing that, and especially thank you, Curtis, for for bringing it all to the show so we can cover it. You know. Yeah, um, I mean, me, I, I oh, go ahead, go ahead, Dave. No, I was going to say, and that's one of the reasons why I also suggested that we should put at least the the hashtag and, in the and I did, options. and I did. I went back and I did that, but I, at first yeah. I was kind of, I, I, you know, it's like I have this whole thing, like I don't want to do stuff just because, you know. So, but I, I think it's it's worthy. So I did go back yeah. and hashtag and, and tag Septandy and, and everything we've been doing so far. So. I was going to mention that too because a lot of these channels do all kinds of retro computers the rest of the year, and mm -hmm. some of these are brand new to Septandy this year. There are a few that were part yeah. of it last year as well. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them this year, as has been mentioned, are doing Cocos. But the thing is, it's discoverability because all these people watching these other retro channels suddenly see Septandi videos showing up on this channel. They're not normally following Tandy stuff. They're doing Atari or TI or whatever else. Right. And and then they go and decide to take a look. Oh, that Cocos thing looks interesting. What else other Septandi videos are there? And then if our stuff shows up, they'll discover our show. And then and yeah, that's already no, happened. And that's, and that's, again, it's not a bad thing. But I, I also, I just have this kind of anti-exploitive thing where I don't want to try to... You know, well, Stevie, let me just tell you why you're wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this seems kind of exploitive to me in a way, but uh, whatever. It's, it's it's not to me at all. To be honest, yeah. this is this is them sharing us yeah. with them and uh, yeah. us sharing with them on our own as well. It, Absolutely, it's basically helping spread the retro hobby in general. Mm -hmm. so. What about what about hashtag always Tandy? Always Tandy, yes. What I want to see is, uh, you know, hashtag horseshit. Hashtag horseshit. That's right. That's <laughs> I think the views will zoom through the roof <laughs> if we do that. It'll go right to the channel. Right. I'm trying to figure out what the hell this guy is wearing here. Is is he getting? Is he like? Is this a motorcycle jumpsuit? Is this a it's wet an Akamai, suit? Uh, which is the uh, web? Uh, what do they do? They're, they're the ones that buffer stuff on the web on large scales. Twit uses them. Well, what's he doing with the VCR? Is my question. What did he? <laughs> I think that was his tuner to get into the monitor. Oh, no, really? That's, no? that's that VCR. When you first start, he's using the VCR to get the RF to the composite monitor he was oh. using. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the gotcha. glorified he's, converter. He's yeah. using it as a demodulator. Demodulator. That was the same thing Boat was doing originally with his Coco Three. Now he's you actually can, got the the switcheroo. 
You can pay hundred bucks yeah, for a converter or, or 20 I bucks do. I do like how his shelves look really nice and he's got backlighting going on there. So it's a really cool, uh, clean setup he's created there. I like that whole little yeah, thing definitely. he's set yeah. up. Looks really classy. Yeah. And I will mention, like, some of the Subtandy videos, because these are fairly large YouTubers. Like LGR, for example, last time I checked, they had 165,000 views on his Coco episode. Well, he's a well-known yeah. guy. He's going to get that yeah. many views on it. He could put horse shit up there and he'd get that many yeah. views. So, But they also uh, have the very professionally done, like, they have the transitions and everything else. Like, they do, they go all out of the video yeah. production yeah, side yeah, of yeah, things, yeah. too. So when you got that kind of money and you've got your, your silver plaque with the YouTube banner on it that you got from YouTube, that that, that kind of happens. But mm. I, I think it helps I... spread. I mean, we, we've got new people in the community because of Septandi already. And I think a lot of the people on YouTube that are doing Coco's under Septandi for the first time themselves, you know, pulled one out or picked one up on eBay or whatever. We've been in contact with them and now they've become friends with us as well. So it's kind of worked both ways, expanding yeah. both communities, which is, well, which is awesome. There's also... Um, I just watched a video last night before I fell asleep that was released yesterday, and um, he—it's a Septandi video, and it was related to. You may already have the video, but um, he uh, was on Discord, getting help to yes, fix the machine. One. So on our Discord, yes, yes, okay, excellent. There you go. Canadian Retro Things says that uh, Septandi's brought him a bunch of new viewers. So. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's been good for everybody all the way around. I think, and it's been it's been much more uh, linked to and much more viewed. I think this year than last. Yeah, year. yeah, last this year, has been the most successful. Yeah, it, I mean, the because it's been going on a couple of years. I remember the first time it got around, I'm like, what is this Septandi thing? Right, you know. And so, yeah, I guess I'm the grumpy old man who's like, I'm not gonna Septandi thing, you know. I said, but yeah, no, I get it. Get off it's, my lawn. It's a good thing. So, yeah. I've been Subtandy since January. <laughs> yeah, you right. Get off yeah. my lawn. I'm August Tandy. <laughs> okay, and, uh, take your <laughs> hashtags and get off my lawn. <laughs> we didn't have hashtags when we were kids. That's right. Back That's then we called it like number, damn it. I used to call that a pound sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember playing tic-tac-toe with that thing. It's a sh- it's a shop symbol. That's what it is. That's true. Yeah, I mean, for for Nick and me and and David and and well, both Nicks actually is probably was the number sign back then because the pound signs that L for the British pounds. Ah, uh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. so it's actually the Octothorpe or something Octothorpe. like that. Rick, thank you. Yes, Octothorpe, Octothorpe, huh? Hmm. <laughs> Octothorpe. That's, that's, right. that's very cool, Marvel character. Yeah, I was gonna say he was Spider-Man's nemesis. That's right, right. Doctor Octothorpe. Doctor <laughs> I'll get you, Doctor Octothorpe. That's right. I'll pound you. If it wasn't, would have gotten away with if it. If it wasn't for the kids. <laughs> uh, Hashtag this. Hashtag horseshit. All right, so we're moving on. <laughs> the Calor Computer Three. Hello, yeah. computer. Twa. So, Newsmaker Tech, which we covered when they they did an unboxing video a couple months ago of all three Cocos, and then we covered last week they did a Coco One video and a Coco Two video. And these are the ones that actually do some research. I don't know if they have a copy of Boise's book, but they've they, they've done their research on the on the background. So, um, in this case here, they're doing the Coco Three. So, in our Color Computer Two video, we discussed how the Color Computer Two look at this panning by of the camera, the same thing as the original model but with some nice quality of life improvements and a smaller footprint. That's what was not the, 
true for the Color Computer 3. Mm. What was the quality of life improvement in the Color Computer 2? Despite its the better keyboards. Okay. Right. To the Coco 2. So join us as we continue no our holes. celebration of Sep Tandy and all things Tandy. Make sure to check out our videos. On I like the, the way they're panning by here with this. This is fancy schmancy. He's got the electric motor. That, that's the one thing yeah. about bad about Septandi is it really shows up our production values compared to everybody else. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, except for the we musical do, stuff, of course. We're, we're tops on that. But mm -hmm. We do it every week, though. We can't, you know. It's, I it's want Tandy. <laughs> anyway, I won't play the whole video here, but they kind of go through the, the Coco 3 and stuff. And they, um, they've got another video coming up on the MC10 that they did as well. But he is planning on doing some Fantastic machine, things. by the way. Incredible machine. Fantastic yeah. machine. A really small footprint until you flatten it out like in <laughs> yeah, our ads. A really, but... really small footprint. <laughs> I want Tandy. And I've, I've mentioned to this, these two, it's, I think it's a brother team that actually does it. Because uh, there's another guy that actually is on some of their videos as well. And he used to work for Tandy, actually, in the early 90s, late 80s. And I'm trying to get them to see if they come on the show. I have not got any further response on that yet. But... And they're probably used to hire production values at this point we might not <laughs> exactly. we might be a big That's step like down for them yeah. Yeah, you yeah, don't have time for amateur hour. Talk. Yeah. <laughs> what are you guys public cable access of youtube what's going on here what kind of horse shit you trying like, to draw like, me into <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're like a couple of kids with a super eight in the backyard yeah. <laughs> this program to you brought to you by viewers like you thank you <laughs> <laughs> penulous drones with never mind um, so next up here, this is kind of a part two. Now we covered, this would have been a few weeks ago, I think, uh, the early part of the Septandi, where the uh, Computer Museum in the UK, the one guy took, a, I think it was 11 or 12 Dragon 32s that were in unknown states oh, of functionality. Yeah. Yeah. So this one here, he actually starts doing some actual fixing, because the first one he was basically just you know, cleaning parts off. And Hello and welcome to the Digital Orphanage. In part one you of can see the various stages of yellow. Look at these, nice, very nice. The main fault. All kinds of screws on top of the cases there, huh? Nest of dragons. There's quite a few of the yeah. ice. So for those who haven't seen the inside of a dragon, there you go. But this one actually did have some problems, and he did manage to get it working. One of these ICs could cause any number of issues. Let me see if I got my notes here. To rule this out, it's a straightforward Yeah, so he goes through the internals here, including, uh, I've never seen this before, but he's actually ripped apart a clock crystal to show you what's inside of a clock crystal. Did you I cannot, even though I have IC pullers, I cannot get CPUs to come out that gently. I always end up freaking yanking the damn thing out and bending a leg. Uh, I'm just not an IC puller. Look at this. Brush up, brush up, brush up, brush up, brush up, brush up. Now, one, one tip here, don't use the same toothbrush you use for normal brushing your teeth thing. Individual <laughs> for the legs of the sounds like a pro tip. Pro tip. Grubby chips into a feast. Now, in this case here, the problem with the machine actually was mainly the clock crystal. Oh, really? So he actually, since he had to yank out the old clock crystal in, we actually took it apart to show you what the Is it just me or is there a little bit of a fisheye thing going on here to the lens? Yeah, no, he does have a little bit of fisheye. Okay. So I'm going to fast forward to the clock crystal thing. because I've got to say, between the soothing music and his very British accent, this is very, this is great. This is like zen listening to this guy right now. I could listen to British people talk forever. So let's take a break and have a look. Coco ASMR. Yes. Oh, there we go. And he's got a good zoom. Look at there. that. Holy shnikes. You can see the grooves on the edge of that freaking thing right there. 
I get that. Happy little, happy little pliers. Yeah, little happy little pliers here. Yeah. Happy little. Let's get crazy here. Yeah. <laughs> Just remember, that. no, we're gonna, we're gonna cut into this. Now, for some of you hardware types, have you ever ripped apart a clock crystal before? Because I've oh never seen one. Never, I have never. I, you know, I've never ripped apart a crystal. Now I want to. What kind of? That's a piezo crystal. It's definitely a piece of something. So this is the main clock crystal that actually drives all the signaling in the computer. And there, there does appear to be a hairline crack because he was getting weird, wonky results, so he replaced it. But I mean, I had an RS-232 pack I had to replace the crystal in one time, but I didn't tear it apart. There's nothing else in the can. Pretty unusual for crystals to play this, up. It's well, well diagnosed. Your moment of crystal meditation. Did you like you to think, crystals. You think happy thoughts right now. <laughs> Remember when things were easier and more relaxed. I just found this part fascinating because I've never seen the inside of one before. I had no idea what they look like. As you're looking at this crystal, I, I want you if to I would do that, I would, probably, I would probably injure myself. I'm sure this would end in me drawing blood. <laughs> it is funny. This is a very, 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 very fast piezo sounder thing going on here. This yeah, there's the crack. <laughs> well, now it's got one. What kind of horse shit was that right there, man? <laughs> Nimble says maybe we'll put a little fractal tree over yeah. there. Now has a beating heart. Is it working anyway, correctly? Once he puts a new crystal in, all of a sudden he's getting the right signaling, so then he goes on to this you know, is, clean the keyboard. This is how I got that shot, by the way. This is an amazing video. It is. This is, it is. Very, it's it's really so good. meticulous well, and so very methodical and very well cameraed and angled. And and the, the zoom. When I grow up, I want to make a video as good as this. It's very well everything, unlike this yes. show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in there, buddy. <laughs> no horse shit in there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's busy cleaning up the case. And then he fires it up and it works. However, he promises a view or in. So he decided to try Worlds of Flight Flight Simulator. I know that guy. Oh, cool joysticks. What kind of joysticks are those? Is this the perfect computer for... They're one of the alternate fans? dragon ones, if I remember correctly. They're not the... No, those are cool. The, the dragon one I have is different. That probably better than we can, because he was... Are they totally self-centering only? Oh, no, they're not. No? Yeah, no, and you wouldn't really want that for Worlds of Flight either. They don't only think about themselves. <laughs> oh, God. That was bad. <laughs> that was actually okay, good. The manual. It took him a while to figure out how to turn the brakes off so we could actually get flying. You got, listen, you got, even though it's wireframe, that is utterly impressive to be able to do any type of flight simulator level things on an 8-bit machine like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Interestingly, the reset button. Yeah, just he wasn't that impressed with it. He thought it was kind of slow, but I mean, it's 0.895 megahertz back yeah. in the day doing real. Well, not, but not only that, but is it because it's on PAL and it's 50 hertz? Does that slow that down? That might have something to do with it. I yeah. had thought of that. So if it's bad at 3D games, I haven't played Worlds of Flight in a long time, so I don't He that says it's bad at 3D. Well, I, I guess it's all. By Pocket Money Software, caught my eye. Send your angry letters to Pound 99, huh? Who operated from St. Austell? Yeah, the I remember seeing this one. We've seen this before. We've seen uh, Geiger Punk do this and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't look quite the same without the round TV and the lava lamps, but uh, it'll do. <laughs> He's got nice shots of some of the packaging and stuff. Like here, Railrunner, yeah. which is a computerware game, is actually a cart. Where here is cassette and disc only. Yeah. That's a really well done. Snapping in there. Instant gameplay. Something that was sadly missing from my CPC. See, he does have that red background, so it's kind of lavish. Oh, look at that. You move a character called Bill Switchman, 
down through a maze of moving trains and handcars to rescue the hobos on the other side. Hobo. And by hobos, he means Coco Talk people because we're just low-end production. <laughs> that's us on the bottom there. That's, yeah, our, that's, that's your, your old version of Zoom. That's a great SG-24 screen right there. Yeah. And one of the ones that if you do the poke to get it to run in the Coco 3, you can get the graphics work, but you won't see the score, the, the, the score. high score or the page number, which mm. is which screen number you're on. So. Anyway, it's a really well done video. Definitely Absolutely. Absolutely. That was our moment of Zen. Next up, another retro one. <clears throat> the Retro Channel. Now, we showed him before, too. He had two Cocoa 1s. One was a pretty stock, or Cocoa 2s, I should say. One was a fairly stock one. And the next, uh, the other one had the HDL57 keyboard and all those switches and stuff on it. So, in this oh, case, yeah. he actually went through and finally figured out exactly what everything did with some help from the chat. Everyone, and welcome back to the Retro Channel. And yes, part three of the. So you can see the original Coco journey. one on the left uh, here. So, we with left the off in part two. Stuff, and then the Coco one the on the right, output, which had switches um, and the HDL. And... Coco. So, um, we're going to try and diagnose that today. Uh, but I thought I'd put the other one out I here. I think he gave us a shot. So, on we can have a look too, at some of the correctly. subtle differences. Uh, and also, if you don't know. Just go ahead and fast forward to that part of the first place. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah, I don't have a clue. And if you could have that whole thing with uh, Boat and uh, Aaron talking about <laughs> oh, <laughs> that yeah. six I minutes of uh, is that, that queued up. So. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't soundboarded that one yet. Yeah, I'm surprised yeah. too. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen that yet. Oh, it's so from a while ago when they were just through like a six-minute tirade on how all the other communities the suck and Coco's great and Coco SDC is amazing and all this other kind That was when Bolt redeemed himself yeah. for his Donkey King comments. Oh, yeah. Before I show you what it is. Uh, oh, okay. I thought it was the thing from this week. No, 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 no. No, I haven't seen that. He's planning on doing another Coco stream now that he's got his switcheroo, though. 514. Basically the motor. Sometime this week, I believe, actually. Maybe this week. Look at this guy. He's got probes and scopes. Plus 12, minus 5, minus 12 volts. He makes solder. Uh, looks so easy, Curtis. And I just yeah, and he still has hair. What the hell's up with that? Board, <laughs> there is yeah, no minus. It was a very I interesting repair video, and it well. was interesting to find out so what was wrong. Here somewhere yes. we've got. That's a really early model too, obviously with the big ceramic caps. Now minus twelve volts, which yep. just it's not the problem. Yeah, they're Actually, just too big for me. I'd like have to go through. David, since you're more hardware oriented than I am, do you want to explain exactly what he found out with it? Because I'm not going to play the video. Well, pause so, it so we can well, hear David. If it, skip so, to the end where he's showing should see a voltage the. Because uh, clearly, going. there should be one where he shows um, the board <clears throat> view right where he's pointing at. It's closer. And what I realized was keep going a little bit. The NTSC versions, uh, the schematics, or if this board had the. Red, um. So there are actually six. Um, oh, yeah, this is where you figure out what the switches are and too. And then you've got stock with inverted colors. Uh, you've got the alternate font. Oh. And then you've got inverted case with the alternate. So is that font. A, is that a then different ROM or is that just the T1 with the lower? With the alternate font. No, that's a lower kit added on to it with extra switches to do inverse video and swap the upper and oh, lower nice. case yeah, around. And like these are all the different wow. combinations with three switches. Gave you the people in wow. the last cool. video who left comments with what they thought it might be. Um, there was suggestions of the Green Mountain Micro Kit, um, the Microtech. Of course, that Dennis kit's on the show LCA before. So. Um, now I had a look at a few kits, and nothing matched up to what I actually have here. So I still don't know exactly. And it could be a homemade uh, version. Yeah, Terry Steggy had to leave us. Take care, Terry. Any markings on it? Uh, yeah, later, Terry. Bless your heart. Made it, but. Um, Anyway, I've got so, that but here, yeah. so may as well take advantage of it. Um, I did remove 
the switches because actual switches themselves aren't making good contact internally so that's why it was sort of flickering a little bit in the last video mm, okay. and it's even got a grounding mat there this guy's a pro case they yeah, i have never grounded anything and i've they are actual <laughs> Ever <laughs> in the history so of ever, I've so never grounded myself for anything. Suitable. You're grounded. Oh, I've, yeah. I've, I've been grounded. Strap, yes. I've got the Radio Shack grounding um, mat. Plus, I have an iFixit so grounding mat. Up. I'm actually going to do a full restoration. I have a, radio, I have a Radio um, Shack grounding mat. Best bits from both of these. So, David, was there a certain part you wanted and, uh, to want me to find here? Or do you want to just Well, as far as it's hard to hear David over the video, though. Can you mute the video then? Yeah. So the the actual issue for what was going on. Uh, was the negative voltage rail that goes into the salt chip. I think that the salt chip, but yeah, it's basically the it's negative like rail was not working. So therefore, um, and most of machines on the negative rail, they use a, like, what is it? A 7905 for the negative yep. five volt rail. But in this model of machine, it's using a Zener diode to clamp the voltage to a negative five volts and the Zener diode was shorted. Ooh, so there was just no, well. yeah, there was no, no negative, negative five, five volts. Are you being so negative? Oh, but Jason, I like being positive. <laughs> okay. Interesting. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was just that diode being shorted and not letting any voltage through. That was the, the problem. It's a good thing so, it didn't fail open circuit. If it failed open circuit, you would have had the full supply rail on negative supply rail and it could have done some serious damage. So just as a question, why do the PAL Cocos have so much more power supply? I see one major heat sink on a big TO5 and another heat sink flying up in the air that is, you know, it's the smaller one here, but it's about as big as the entire heat sink on our American Coco 3. Why is the power supply so much bigger on these? Just Is it because it's also 220? It's got more st more stepping down it needs to do? No, the uh, transformer does that. No? Okay. That's well, a good question. I've, I've never actually compared. I've, I had an NTSC Coco 1 here, but I don't have it anymore. So I've never actually really done a direct comparison. But that's... You know, is there, there's, there's a little... A little bitty pass transistor in a heat sink that's, like I say, about as big as the smaller heat sink here. There's nothing in place of that big TO5 thing. And the little salt chip, I just never understood. I guess I need to find a schematic and see what's going on because it's puzzling. So do, the, so do the NTSC ones not have the, the TO3 with the big heat sink? No, no. They have a little bitty pass transistor that's like a T, I don't remember, the little flat thing with the three leads and one tab on top. TO220. Yeah. yeah. And and that's it. <laughs> well, the power supply has Don't changed forget. over the years. Yeah. This is a Coco 1. So it's got a 12 volts as well. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Coco 2s, though, are similar. I don't know about the Coco 3s, but they've got the big power supply in the upper left corner of the case. The well, the later Coco 2s had the smaller uh, TO3 transistor. Are you talking about comparing the, the Coco 1 to a Coco 2, or are you talking about PAL yeah. Coco 1 versus NTSC Coco 1? Well, so the, the small case, like whatever this thing is here. This is a, an old Coco 1. This is a big Coco 1. Oh, okay. oh you're comparing Coco 1 to Coco yeah. 2. Okay, right. Yeah. I completely yeah. misunderstand yeah. that. Yeah, the keyboard's been yeah. changed, but it's yeah, it's it, it's not a newer Coco 2. It's 
It's an old one. I always yeah, thought the mine would go gradually. <laughs> <laughs> the Coco the mine's had the first a, to go. I forget what the, the Coco one is. The Coco ones had a plus twelve volt rail, and the Coco twos didn't. Right, right. That's true. But you get your plus and minus, um, plus and minus five, and uh, the plus twelve, which two of the, two of those were eliminated on the Coco two. Yeah, well, that's what the salt chip did. The Coco one doesn't have a salt chip. Right. It's all linear, old school linear regulators. And then mm. the later Coco twos made that even smaller in the power supply because uh, less chips. I don't yeah, know. it was cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> less chips mean less power consumption, which means lower power flow regulation requirements. Let's remember the the uh, default answer to why did Tandy do that? Yeah. <laughs> Money, yeah, pretty much. It's cheaper. Right. Yeah. That looks like what anyway, I was... it's a good video to watch, and Absolutely. it does shut out our show on it. So, check okay, it out. thank you for oh. doing that, sir. I'm 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 just disappointed you didn't Somebody have the shout us. out queued up. Huh. Well, you got to give you some reason to go watch the video. There you go. <laughs> I, the na the narcissist show. in me is going to want to do that. So, <laughs> enough about me. What do you think about? Yeah. Me? yeah. <laughs> okay, Curtis. Next one. Oh, is this Erica? Okay, Eric Amont has also been very busy this week. Um, so he, in the Cocoa Art Gallery channel, he put up some multiple images here, which I saved out so I could load them here. So this is a 3D exploded model of a Cocoa 1. You sure it's a Cocoa 1, Curtis? Cocoa 2. <clears throat> or sorry, Cocoa 2, yeah. yeah okay, like, thank you. Labeled that wrong, sorry. So that that was cool enough on its own. But then he went all out and did a 3D model. You can actually like rotate oh, around. Wow. And oh, that's cool. Go inside that. the case and take a look oh, at the chips are. Oh my god, this is cocoa porn, man. Oh, <laughs> oh wait, hold hold that pose right there. Hold that pose. Oh my god. Back up. Can you grab your ankles? <laughs> my printer's not big enough. And then there went any chance of a family friendly oh, category. Get this up. This is. <laughs> grab wow. your salt chips. <laughs> grab your salt chips. The sixty-eight has been violated. We go into the slot, now out, now back in, and then out. That is amazing. Look at that. <laughs> now leave your heels on. That's it. That's it. No, 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 no. Don't take them off. Don't take them off. Leave them on. Leave them on. Yeah, that's it. A little more to the right. <laughs> yeah, I like the way the little lines run up the back of the stockings there. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> that is such a cool thing. Yeah. Oh, that is so cool. Anyway, I could play with that for hours, but and that's what wow. she said. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> what's her name? I want to date her. <laughs> oh, dear me. Uh, Coco. Her name's Coco. This is the NSFW episode of uh, Coco Talk this week. So. <laughs> this is uh, the first Coco Talk after dark. We got at noon. <laughs> oh, no, that, but that not is not suitable for whinges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sense now, Ben Drake mentions in the chat here that this particular site it's on because it's 3D modeling actually has an option to view that module in VR. So you can actually literally oh, travel inside of it. Oh, yes. Oh, I guess Where's Ben? Ooh. Wouldn't that be a cool Coco game? You know how like the microscopic mission and all that kind of stuff? Imagine a game where, imagine if you could go inside your Coco and explore a world. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can make a game like repair your cocoa. Go yeah, inside right? of this joint and oh, man. find the floating yeah. ground. 
That Getting is halfway neat. to Tron here. I know. Blow up the salt chip. Let the smoke out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was awesome. I I, that, I really enjoyed this. I played with this for like half an hour. I know. That is so cool. Fun. This is this is total yeah. computer porn here at this point. So this yeah. is neat. It's yeah, awesome. But this. the amount of detail, like just even having like the inside parts of the Incredible. plastic, the posts are in there. The whole How do thing, you do so. this? Yeah. How is this even possible? That must have taken a whole lot of effort. It's yeah. like really detailed. Yeah, thank you, Erica. That man has got so many talents. It's and then because he wasn't done yet, he decided <laughs> to do, uh, he's doing some mock-up uh, P-Mode 4 artifact, artifacted graphics. We did an outdoor winter scene. He even mentioned this would be good for Bedlam. Or yeah. Not Bedlam, um, like the Black Sanctum, Black Sanctum or something. Yeah. Black yeah. Sanctum, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, this he's using the, the extra colors, too, like the cyans and the yellows and stuff you can get if you do the right, you know, mm-hmm. dithering and yeah. stuff here, too. So it's an excellent scene. Happy little tree. Yeah, happy little trees. The man's a graphics genius. Yes, yes. Erico, we salute you. We speak your names. Uh, <laughs> Next up, Neil Blanchard has announced the Coco 40th anniversary masks for the COVID era. Which you can now order from him, and it actually has a nice little picture of uh, the cocoa there, and says forty, 40 years, years of awesome. awesome. That was me thirteen years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Not that. Yeah, that is. Um, that's uh, what's is that? Amy. That's the yeah. Stevie really let himself go since this picture. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Oh, is that the, I oh, want yeah. Andy. Dinky, 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 ding, ding. Yeah, that, that was pretty cool. I, I mean, it, it, it does take advantage of the situation awesome. somewhat, but it's also because we didn't get a Cocoa Fest this year and it is the fourth anniversary. Here's mm-hmm. one way to, to celebrate. And also, I, like any of us will forget the COVID year anyway, but mm-hmm. there'll be a good remembrance, you know, years, years in the future. Uh, people, if that, people have to wear masks, they want to wear one. No, of listen, this COVID thing, it's it's no worse than the flu. It's Trust me, when, when it gets summertime and it gets to be 80 degrees, it's going to go away. Don't worry about it. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> which, you just, you the just didn't say which summer. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Didn't say which year. I say, I say no, I've got to zip my mouth here. Otherwise, I'll get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Moving along. Uh, yep. Next up, we got Robert... See, once again... He's been a busy boy. I've been following this. been following his career with great interest. Yeah. So he's running the emulator here for the MC-10, but this is his... Uh, <laughs> Richard says for, for $2 more, you can get the optional nose clip so you can listen to Coco talk. <laughs> the clothespins are going to be cheaper than $2. You just put a clothespin on your nose. So. <laughs> is that so you don't smell the whole shit? <laughs> MCX Basic 2.1 VED. 2.1 VED. That (laughs) never does. I'll fast forward a little bit here. That doesn't mean a T becomes a TED. TED, yes. (laughs) And a B becomes a bed? Bed. C becomes a said? Man, Look at that. Here. As the world turns. Backwards. Yep. Like, Not an MC-10 yet. Like sands through the hourglass. These are the cool. days <laughs> of our lives. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Robert is uh, doing some incredible things, some fantastic things. I've said this before. He's an amazing man. That's incredible. Oh, fanta- and, um, and the MC-10, incredible machine. Yes. Is it? Uh, oh, it's an MC-10. Is it? Well, they do, um, can you do page flipping on MC10, or is it? 
I think uh, if you use the manual, you can flip those pages. <laughs> <laughs> if you draw a little... Man, I'm trying to remember. Like I know you can't map your graphics outside the first 4K, which is why you can't do a proper P-Mode 3 or 4. But I think you can map within the first 4K. So you could do, in this case, like 5, 12-byte pages or whatever. You could do some, some page yeah, flipping. Okay. It's very fluid. And then next up, I will play some of this audio here. <clears throat> now, this was uh, brought to my attention by uh, Steve Rasmussen, otherwise known as Buck Owens. Buck Owens. And he actually, he actually sent this one up in the Amigos Discord. I don't think he posted it in ours, so I'm bringing its attention here. So this is another uh, retro podcast. Uh, There's other retro board. podcasts? I thought we were the only one. Well, it's part of <laughs> Tandy, right? So oh, everything's okay. Tandy okay. all the time. <laughs> So at any rate, this is episode 221 of the Retro Computing Roundtable podcast, which oh, yes. is a weekly, yes. weekly podcast. We know those guys. Yeah, it's every two weeks <clears throat> usually. Yeah. And they, they sometimes stream live on YouTube on Sundays, I believe, too. So this one here, they actually mentioned the Cocoa at the end, and they actually have some questions on it. So if any of you are on their uh, website, in their forum chats, et cetera, and want to answer some of the questions, uh, this would be a good opportunity. But I thought I'd play this little clip here. It's near the end of the show, so we'll... Let you play it, and Stevie. Let me know what the volume level is like because mm-hmm. I have no idea on this one. Blake, why don't you kick us off? Perfect. I do have a an actual parting shot that I I want to focus on. I have, and you reminded me um, with uh, Sep Tandy. The uh, behind me, I have a Tandy uh, Color Computer Three uh, that I got in very good condition, uh, and I added a uh not a one of the new the new versions but an old you know contemporary to its time 512k expander um i have a tandy had the rgb out on the coco 3 um out the bottom of the unit and uh, i have a s video adapter so i can clearly you know show it on on some monitors that i have and I wanted to get to, you know, BBSing with it. And so it's kind of a strange way, thing, situation the way, in, you know, anyone who, who knows the color computer config is, is aware it, it, it has a, you know, a, I guess you call it a cartridge slot, but, uh, you know, it's disk drive interface, uh, several audio cards. Um, I think there's a light pin interface. These are all also uh, use that slot. And so hmm. you can't really, you know, you obviously run into a problem as far as well. What if you simultaneously want to, you know, use like the Tandy has some, something called a Bitbanger port on it, which is sort of a serial port. It's driven entirely by the CPU and it's not buffered. But they have a proper RS two thirty two card. And, but you know, if you plug that into the cartridge port, how are you going to load your terminal program? So I, um, they had a like a four, a big four cartridge uh, interface called the Multipack interface, which was designed for the original Tandy and the the original Coco and the Coco 2, mm-hmm. it didn't fit physically with Coco 3. I think there are ways people would that, that's you know, not shift, correct, the, but shift it, the unit to right. make it work. Depending I mean, on the model, there was a problem with the SAM chip and the... Well, someone started Pound making two, yeah. uh, two and three slot Pound versions of these with a 3D printed Gal, little right. board with a 3D printed uh, minimal case, dramatically smaller. So I picked up one of these... Now you're uh, talking about the mini MPI. One of my Tandy balls. Just the mini in this case. I RS-232 card. So I hooked it, you know, to the Wi-Fi 232. I have a drive pack uh, SD card ROM interface, so I have them both sitting in the in the in the two slots. You know, what, it lets you use two cartridges simultaneously, so you can have mm-hmm. you know you can load data off of one, and 
electrically from the, the cocoa, it can access a device that's plugged into this as, as if it's basically a slotted, you know, a slotted system. So I have done, you know, some terminal use with the, with, um, the Bitbanger port, and that's fine, but it's slow. Uh, what I want to do is use, uh, there's a really nifty uh, ANSI-compatible uh, terminal program from a, a guy that calls himself Sockmaster. I think it's Twilight term. Terminus yeah. or Midnight Twilight Term. Twilight Term. Uh, anyway, it's a it's a great terminal program, but I can't for the life of me get it to work <clears throat> with the RS two thirty two interface, which is which is needed. Uh, I'm getting characters that repeat on and on, or in a different mode, I'm getting nothing, or I'm getting garbage, and so I've I've toiled with it. And I'd really like to get it working. Um, and I, you know, I need to keep just try different approaches with it, but I've almost exhausted everything, um, you know, that I have in, in my head. So I'll probably post it some forums, but I, I think it'd be interesting to get that system, uh, you know, on the BBSs because the Coco 3 is, is really, uh, it's an amazingly powerful, uh, you know, 8-bit computer. And yes. uh, it would be fun to, you know, to have a, have a way to use it. Okay, that. so the question because is, how do you get Twilight Term Coco. to use the RS-232 pack? Yes. That sounds like a David Ladd question. That's what I was thinking. Well. <laughs> and that's I'll... where I leave. <laughs> okay. um. Or use okay, Netmate. Netmate from Roger Taylor would do Taylor. that. Yeah, that's yeah. another one that also does the full ANSI. Yeah. You'd, you'd got to think it's handshaking with double characters and so forth. So cables, things. I don't I mean, I, have. I, I don't ran have it. <laughs> Back in the day, I'm sorry, David. Go ahead. No, I was, I was going to say I don't have this uh, uh, Wi-Fi device that he's speaking of. Um, the one I've built only go, is usable on the Bitbanger, but uh, um, I'd have to retry uh, Twilight Term with the Deluxe RS232 pack to see. Um, if it works with the Landtronics boxes I've got. Um, so it might be the Wi-Fi modem itself that's causing this issue? It's possible. Um, well, question number know, one would be, does Twilight Term does does some Twilight Term support the RS-232 in general? Yes, it does. It does. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so it's not a compatibility with the application at this point. It could quite likely be the RS-232 to Wi-Fi dongle thing not handshaking correctly which would give you double characters and missed characters and fun things like that but man that, that would be specific to the hardware well yeah, i know like the, like the the, <clears throat> the wi-fi that you and, and alan huffman use david i think you guys had to reflash that or do something different on it to get it to work in the coke in the first place didn't you um well the alan's is more designed for the RS-232 pack because it's using handshaking lines. The version I built um, was specific for the Bitbanger because I wanted a Wi-Fi solution for DriveWire because I just want to plug this into the back of the Coco and connect, you know, across to the machine that was running DriveWire without any wires going to between the computer that was running the DriveWire server and the Coco. Drive wireless. And that was my purpose. But um, I know of a couple people that have my prototype board that have the Zymodem firmware on it that's been using 
Um, I think it was Mickey term or something like that through the bit banger. But, you know, it works fine. But I, I have a software package called uh, uh, S-Term, and you run that on your PC, and it serves the uh, your um, serial port, whether you have a... Um, a nine-pin serial port on your machine if it's older, or you have a um, USB to serial adapter, and then you could use that with your Cocoa, and it, it works with the um, RS-232 pack as long as you have the uh, proper attachment to it because it's 24-pin, you know, 25-pin. <clears throat> mine works. It's been working since the 80s that way. Okay, so your your PC is kind of a pass through for connecting to the actual internet. Yeah, it passes it through the serial to the cocoa. Right, and um, I have it on my uh, Ron's garage in the file section. It's renamed uh, ZZZ, I think, but you just change it back to uh, EXE and run it, and it will free up your. Uh, if you have serial ports on your machine or if you have the USB to serial hooked up to your um, PC and it takes a, a COM port, it'll uh, report which COM port you want to use. And you're going. It works. Simple. You can even dial Telnet through the little program and make it come up on. It worked with uh, Ultimate Term and. Um, Twilight Term and the um, new one. Net, by net made by Taylor. Roger. Yeah. So that's my contribution right there. Oh, so is anybody here actually on the RCS forums? It's not a. Well, they have so a Facebook. They have a Facebook group too. Oh, okay. So we you can maybe get some people to pass yeah. on some info to them there. Because I'd like to see them table. get that working, and then they can report to it on the show too. Because they get a pretty diversified audience too. So it'd be cool to get them talking about the Coco as well. I used to listen to them all the time until I got on Coco Talk, and then I just haven't had time to keep up with their episodes. We're sorry. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> all right. So it sounds like if somebody can help them, please do. And they, if, depending how you want to reach them, they have a they have a Facebook group as well, Retro Computing Roundtable. Yeah, and they also have forums on their own web page as well okay. too on the web. So either way. Who are they again? Can you just say it again? A retro computing roundtable. Okay. RCR. Yeah. Yeah, they're very very interesting because they have rotating hosts and they're all from different backgrounds. Uh, Carlton Vanston is from Canada, uh, Toronto, and is an Apple guy. Uh, Earl Evans is from Portland, Oregon, close to me. He's the Commodore guy. Um, they have uh, Jack Nuttig is from I think uh, uh, Massachusetts. He's Atari guy. We have another guy that's uh, from Sweden. Uh, and then Sweden. I this one here is Blake. Um, they have an Australian Blake too. Patterson. I can't remember his name too. Uh, yeah, um, he's also an Apple guy. Uh, that's, um, I'll remember in a minute here. But anyway, I've chatted with most of them over the years because I used to like listen to every episode. And they're one of the few retro tech podcasts that actually has female guests once in a while. There's one who's yep. been. Wow. Quinn, Quinn Dunkey, I think, who's, uh, yeah. uh, Quinn. who's uh, from Canada. Yes. But it's living in Los Angeles. And she's, she's in like an Apple 6502 expert, isn't she? Yes. Yes, she is. Like she programs an ML and the whole shebang. Like she's right up there. Exactly. And hardware too. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, it's it's a worldwide group and multiple platforms. It's a very very great podcast. So, 
Anyway, next up, upgrading and fixing my Coco 3 in my first mail call. Now, I don't know if he's in chat. This does not look like a Coco 3 motherboard to me. I was just thinking that. That's No, no, this is just the intro. <laughs> this is Canada Canadian Retro Things. Okay. So he got donated to him a 512K board, and this actually became his first mail call. Uh, where does he open it? Poco 3. So here is the box. So this is Canada's simulation of USPS called Canada Post. Expensive. Let's see what's in it. Box. Yeah, you want to read the French translation there for me, Nick? It says uh, Le Box. <laughs> uh, flat rate box, I Ooh, believe. Yeah, boy, check a terra that out. I mean, they're, they're fixing Six tariffs terrace. on you or something. I'm not yeah. Sure. You're cheating. It has subtitles. <laughs> it's, it's a Rosetta the, Stone of packaging. nameplate for the computer. Which, if you have seen that first video where I unbox it, I'm missing this. So that's a surprise. I wasn't expecting that. So definitely, thank you very much for That's that. That's an awfully big box for a nameplate. <laughs> <laughs> There's standard size. Oh, but, but wait, there's cable. more. <laughs> it's, uh, if you remember when he bought this, it had one of the ones with the, the cutoff, or that actually, that no, this was the one with the jury rig, you know, handmade on there. power cable type thing. So if you've uh, seen that the other video, the you know the power cable that's on there, as somebody described it, looks like it's off of a lamp from your grandma's house. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's just horse shit, I tell you. <laughs> what is this horse shit power cord you got and here, son? Finally, in this nice little anti-static bag, it's a bunch of no static. This. That's an old school. It's a memory upgrade, wow. so ah. I will be taking my computer to five hundred and twelve. And the lights are gonna flicker when you turn that thing on. <laughs> All right. So well, it's, it's okay if you put a, like a plate of eggs in there. You can cook your eggs while you like or three or if something. You've seen that other? Video. They're actually they actually and run reasonably cool if you have a lot of space around them. C sixty six and C sixty five. And he has the one here. with chip side up. And so the, the cool. uh, expansion board just sits cool. goes right into these connectors. And it's actually fairly upgraded. I mean, Nick Morota, you did this one. Oh, so this is where he's desoldering <laughs> yes, the uh, power connector, eh? Oh, you're adding those extra letters to yeah, soldering. soldering. Now, huh? He's desoldering it. No. And, and I mean, Nick, you're not a hardware guy, even less than I am. So, what was your experience that with the 512 gift for those oh, that are scared man. to do it? It's the toughest hey, part. Hey, back was, off to six months. The toughest part I thought was getting rid of the capacitors, but other, but other than that, it was pretty straightforward. Did you clip the leg? Just clip one leg. That's what I did. No, I rocked it back and forth. Uh, pliers and rocked a boat. Don't rock the boat, baby. What is, what Ken says block. in the chat here he said it's All cold right, in my so basement. The extra is. heat is nice. Mm. <laughs> 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 a gift or look a gift horse. It's the Coco Three furnace. What is interesting is some of the 512K upgrades didn't have the little spicer legs to keep it from plugging too far into the motherboard. And if you don't have those spicer legs, you have to be careful to plug it in and then pull it back up just a little bit so it doesn't short into the bottom of the... Yep, I remember that too. He's also got a grounding strap. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> using, using precautions. Thunk the video can, you're good for five minutes unless you have a cat. Yeah. Uh, all you have to do is just shuffle across your carpet and go install the board. I mean, what's the uh. problem? <laughs> Don't forget, when I, did, when I did my upgrade, I had uh, you and Nick Morenti's on video with me uh, mm. sort of 
calming me down and making uh, encouraging me to uh, keep going through it. So you yeah. can. Well, we were fine with that because it wasn't our cocoa. Oh, I remember damage. when I was. Oh, doing... you guys were laughing at me. I, know, <laughs> I was. I know. I was testing a problem on my cocoa three that ended up being like a loose RAM chip or something. And then when I'm done, Richard Lorbieski has did the same thing as having a video co-pilots and I'm like, all right, now do me a favor now, just drop it. Right? And I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, just drop it. So I like do the three foot drop on the on the damn cocoa. <laughs> now send it to me so I can fix it. <laughs> job security, right? <laughs> of course, you'll have to pay for shipping. But Those caps are in a completely different spot on Pelcoco's race. Canadian Retro thing said it did have the spacer legs. Oh, wow. So this, this was yeah, the, part you the hardest part with there, Nick, eh? Just snipping those two caps. That was the one I was the most nervous about. You didn't have the little diagonal cutters to do that. No. Attach it. And you want to make sure oh, yeah, I used fingernail was... clippers when I did mine years ago. So, <laughs> yeah, I heard that worked. They're just so tiny. I don't know. I just I've had a so wasn't real good for the nail clippers. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. Yeah. You'd be nicking the nail clippers now. But overall, I'd say it was a pretty easy process. Yeah, two was meg's it? a bit scarier, but but five twelve is pretty simple. Yeah, too, Meg, you got to change the CPU. Now let's check out this RF connector and see if that worked. Well, let's see if it even boots up at this point, right? You just added RAM. You did all kinds of shit to it, so yeah. Now, here he ended up, he later on actually had to change the uh, connector. It was kind of botched, so he okay. replaced it. It's fine. He just bent a tab down inside, and it was fine. See if it has any okay. The tab inside wasn't making good contact. Okay. He fixed it right up. So. Well, the fact that it booted means RAM's got to be good because so? at this point he's using the whole RAM board, right? Great job. Yes. USDC. All right. Yeah, but he does. He does do it. He does use software to test it too, uh, like a game to test it. Yeah, actually, the perfect test think? for five twelve K. Yeah, I used Dagger three for the five twelve K test. That, that yeah. first yeah. check though is rows of at signs because that is nothing, and if you see rows of at signs in your video, you got a bad. So I can in on a RAM or something. My way through that one. Um, this is the. And he's playing the composite release of Digger Three, so for us used to the RGB like version, that. it doesn't look so, quite as good, but it's still an awesome. Uh, I'm just really happy that I got it all to work. And uh, and as Ken Riker says in the chat, that get that managed switcheroo stat. It was really cool that he's actually up to 512K. I, I mentioned him. Of course, he's got to try Nitrous Nine at some point. Yeah. So he said, "Yeah, he will do that." And I, I'll give him any help he needs, but it's pretty easy to install with ease of use. So, uh, I've lost him. It's uh, one of the most amazing operating systems ever invented. <laughs> <laughs> All because of the trash can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 512 is a very worthy upgrade. Yes. This is more Robert stuff, right? More MC10 yeah, stuff. Robert's Robert has a been a busy boy this week, Robert. Yes, Good for he you. Has. Good on you, mate. So this here is a screenshot from the Coco VGA and a Coco 1 and 2, where you have the redefinable character sets 1, but you also have the 64 by 32 column mode. So what he did is he refined the character set to be a crosshatch, but you also have palette settings. So now you can mix the colors, not just black in a color, but, you know, two colors separately. And then running at this res, you can get some pretty interesting color effects. I mean, you could probably do a graphical adventure game with, you know, fairly decent quality shading and stuff here, especially if you're at a little bit of distance from the TV. So this is a pretty interesting way to... Yeah, uh, when I squint my eyes and stuff, this kind of looks like a, uh, yeah, nice... You see a spaceship? 
I do. I do. I, uh, actually, in your case, Steve, I think I, it's just the acid you took a yeah, few hours ago. Yeah, no, actually, ago, I see the Mother Teresa in there. She's calling me. Yeah, so, um, yeah see, uh, and I see Jesus on toast, so yeah, it's a little yeah, bit different. But. Yeah. See horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about the screen image or me and Stevie? That's a code name for Vegemite. That's yeah. the alternate version of the Sixth Sense, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see dead people. I see horseshit. <laughs> everywhere I go, everywhere I go, man. <laughs> we're gonna have to thank John Roach in person someday for giving us this whole meme we're using now. Oh. Talk was brought to you by. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> Stinks! Can't believe it's not. I can't believe it's not horseshit. Well, you got to remember, Tandy Towers was in smelling range of the Fort Worth stockyards. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap! <laughs> uh, next up, Rutherford LeBlanc has a cool picture of his maxed-out Coco ones and threes, and on his abnormally clean desk. I don't know any other Coco owner has something this clean. Yeah. But you can see on the left, he's got a Coco One with a multi-pack, a Coco VGA, a Direct Connect modem. You know, the multi-pack's completely full with floppy controllers, the SDC, or, or the um, Orc 90, and much of yeah. it is, probably sound yeah. speech. His Coco 3's got one of the Ed Snyder keyboards, I believe. He's yeah. got the SDC yeah. in there and all the different cards, two deluxe joysticks. He's got two mega RAM, six through nine. So Special cut out in the cabinets for his monitor? Yeah. Yeah. It's, if I had that a, much space for my cocoa. That's a really, it is a really neat setup, isn't it? Looks really, yeah. The I thing I, the thing I find the most the unusual machine. is that uh, vintage cordless phone he's got up there. I mean, who has a landline anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I that's, sell that's, about five of those a month. Yeah. Maybe it's VoIP. You don't know for sure. Okay. Could be. That's well. It's all vintage, you know. So he's got a vintage landline phone right there. So, yeah. Now the the, the 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 floppy drive setup he's got there is not the standard Tandy ones. Isn't that a Model yeah. One Hundred style with the sideways drives? Oh, I just saw that. Yeah, I was wondering yeah, what that was sitting on there. Side by side. Yeah. Some, something aftermarket. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Didn't the Model One Hundred have one like this as its drive thing? I was wondering maybe if he used that. Hmm. Can't remember. It had thin. Three and a half inches, I think. Is that a CCR 81 next to the Coco? The Coco one? No, modem no, that's direct, direct connect modem. Um, modem one. Oh, this is the 300 baud modem, that little silver box over there. Yeah, yeah and yeah, some Black Beauty joysticks there, too. Yeah. So. Yeah, just he's even made it symmetric. Here. I mean, he's got the joysticks on the outside and then into the peripherals and stuff. So He's <laughs> obviously way too joysticks. talented for our show. It's staged, <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely staged, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's got only one monitor. True, it is. Now, this one here is actually something I think some of us may be able to help with, too. Uh, Kevin Ray is a new member on the Cocoa Group on Facebook, uh, is also an old Apple II guy, and he says, an old high school computer classmate is going to hook me up with my old Apple II software in a few weeks. I wonder how hard it would be to convert some of the programs for use in the Cocoa 3. That actually should be pretty easy, especially for an Apple II. Um, and he says, for record, I haven't programmed on either for 30 years. Well, for 30 years. They're fairly simple programs, a golf game, a Simon clone, some educational math software. So if anybody wants to help them out, like I know as far as text goes, I mean, the Apple II Plus had a 40-column screen, so that's easy enough to do. Yep. Um, Low-res graphics are a little bit different, so you would have to do conversions yep. there. High-res graphics, unless you're using shape tables, that's a bit complicated to do on the Coco. You can simulate some of the simpler ones with the draw command, but doing the full angles and scaling is a little bit different. 
But as far as if it's basic high-res graphics, they, all they really had was clear the screen, draw a point, draw a line. So that's yep, super exactly. easy to do. Yep, all simpler. Similar. Yeah. So anyway, he said once, once he gets these here, if any one of you, especially people like Mark that are familiar with both platforms, you may be able to help him out, you know, if he wasn't too busy getting married and all that stuff. So <laughs> I'll make time. Priority. During the wedding? <laughs> cool. I'll let him know. <laughs> <laughs> Just a second, dear. I have to answer this. That's right. <laughs> do you take this woman? Hold on a second. No. So what you got to do now is... Uh... <laughs> you have to change the line command to an That's hplot2 a... yes, command. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, uh, we're, we're back to Septandi again here. So this is from Newsmakers Tech, who did the Cocoa 3 one earlier and do all the massive research. So they did their MC10 video this time. In 1983, Tandy was on a Now, they're not street. as keen on this machine they as they are on the other Cocos. I will mention in that. In 1977, with the widely successful TRS-80 line. Your market with this. But they do have panning the MC10. TRS-80 so. MC10. In the early 80s, people were paying attention to the trend of computers getting smaller and smaller. In the 50s, you needed an entire wing of a university to house a mainframe. By the mid 60s, you had mini computers the size of a fridge. By the 70s, you could actually place a computer on a desk. And by the early 80s, computers the size of the Commodore VIC-20 were the new norm. People extrapolated from this and were excited by a future of tiny computers the size of a stack of paper. Who knows, maybe computers will be so small one day you could fit one in your pocket. Many companies were looking to get into the new niche of extremely small computers. In the U.S., you had the Mattel Aquarius, and Timex was importing small factory designs from Sinclair in the U.S. It had its age. Additionally, the it had the day of Aquarius. Have been going down consistently <laughs> for years. You can only use it at dawn, Every right? company, big or small, was in a fever. Anyway, I won't play the whole video here, but it goes into a little bit of the history of the whole shrink the computer down to make it dirt cheap so that people that would never buy a computer normally would go get one, and then how that entire market basically just collapsed within a year or two. Yeah. <laughs> MC10, probably one of my favorite machines ever made. Incredible. We, oh, we it's getting deep that, in here. We repeated that with netbooks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Someone's got to get that shovel. Mm -hmm. But he does mention this is one of the trends that did not turn out okay. Like almost everybody did it back then. Like a whole bunch of companies came out with these small. Super well, you know, small you know, my parents just say, if everybody was jumping off a bridge, would you do it too? And then horse I think they shit. followed that up with hashtag horseshit. <laughs> That's what you're landing when you jump yeah. on the bridge. Off the bridge. <laughs> I, I think the keyboards were a real issue on the really small computers back then. They were just terrible. And another yes. thing was the really crappy video modulators. I had a ZX81, an early kit model that was UHF 36. So the crappy video modulator didn't matter that much and you didn't see machine noise all over the screen every other small computer i had around that time just looked horrible the mc10 included there was all kinds of waves and if you got it just right it wasn't that bad but it never was good and when you got up to a coco it was much better yeah yeah. no i have to agree i remember a friend had his i'll call it zx81 because that's what we called it up here yes. but uh, yeah same same issue I've always referred to it as the ZX myself, too. 
Incredible machine, yeah, too, I, by the way. Gonna, I, I don't think I don't think we're wearing waders. <laughs> That's why I was always a fan of the band ZZ Top, too. ZZ so to Top. <laughs> ZZ Top. ZZ Top. the beards. <laughs> I got my diving suit on now. Okay, Brian Reed just chimed in saying that Sep Tandy has uh, definitely made him restart his Cocoa Obsession after 30 years. Well, let's see. There you go, Brian. Septembi, awesome. Sep Tandy. So is, is Brian new here again? I'm not sure. Brian, are you new? Welcome to you. If you are welcome. And if you're not yeah. welcome. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so what are we looking at here, Brian? What are you saying, Nick? Curtis, just what welcome. are we looking at? Just welcome in general. Yes. What are we looking at here, welcome Curtis? Everybody. Locking plate. Now, this one, I'll play the whole oh. thing because it's only 43 seconds, but this is uh, Tim Lindner's contribution to Septandy, where he's showing us the color computer locking plate, and I'll let him explain what exactly it is. Mm. Hi, everybody. This is Tim. Welcome to my Septandy. And I'm playing Daggerath like that Here idiot from the book. Here is my computer 3 with 2 <laughs> megabyte upgrade, 6309 processor with the multi-pack. Is loud enough? But what yeah. I really yeah. wanted to show you was underneath. It is the locking plate. Made out of Sintra, cut with eight holes in a pleasing shape. It locks the two devices together really, really nicely. Oh, I need Look below in the video descriptions uh, for the website to download your own CAD drawings. Thanks. Cool. Well, that's so for those of you who've had the problem where if you plug in the multi-pack into the Coco and you have it on your desk and you're, you're bumping it around because you're playing defense or something like that. And, and it tries to like, half-separate. Yeah, and then it would you know you would crash and hang and all yeah. that. Or sometimes you could actually blow up your computer multipack too if you cross the voltage line over. So this prevents that from happening and locks the system together, which works really yeah. nice. Oh, nice! Yeah, and no screws or blue tack. What was that, Rick? No screws or blue tack required. You there just you sit it in yeah, there. The feet and sit in there and it just down. hold it all together. Just the, uses the feet on those the devices yeah. to keep it. Together. It was almost yeah, like it was intentionally designed for this specific purpose. I know, isn't it? <laughs> you're, you want to know what I used uh, to keep mine together? Chewing I took out the foam, foam core board <laughs> oh, shit. and cut it out <laughs> and set it on there. And uh, eventually, after you know a day or two on there, it would uh, seat each of those uh, legs. <laughs> Put the cocoa on top and, and smash it. And it, it would not time. move. And it just kind of it's kind of molded its way into place, huh? <laughs> That's neat. That's a cool way of doing it, actually. Yeah, it is. Mm. Ron Delvo, a man of many talents. Yeah, including playing defense. Yes. The actual multi-packs back in the... Oh, in... Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Nick. Go ahead, Nick. Uh, the actual multi-packs that came out during the 80s were like that that uh, design you showed. If you go back a picture, or if it's too late, doesn't matter. You don't need all that excess uh, um, paneling to the left or to the right of the middle four holes. So you can make a bracket. And I've, I've made one like, like that. It just locks the, the middle four feet. You don't need to make it that big to grab the other outer legs. Oh, so you're saying just grab the right two legs of the yeah. cocoa and the left two legs of the, the multi-pack and then boom, you're done. Yeah, yeah, that's all you need. And yeah. uh, I've, got, I've got one of those. That's all you need, yeah. Okay. There you and go. that would cool. fit in my 3D printer. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I made mine out of uh, a bit of MDF. Okay. Uh, easy, easy solutions. This guy must be a Commodore fan. I see the Commodore monitor with the bouncing ball. The Amiga yeah. logo there. Yeah. 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 So this is Mind Flare Retro, and they're doing a Coco 2 Trash to Treasure Part 1. Um, 
so this one he's 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 got a, a cocoa that's uh pretty dirty wow wow <laughs> oh, so you're wondering about cleaning keyboards stevie yes, this is one case the, i think yes you should. yes absolutely. good badge yeah the badge yeah. badge is clean <laughs> that's been the only thing clean on there <laughs> the radio still works darn this thing yeah <laughs> that's clean streets and all of deals i'm sorry he takes it apart, and of course, he does you know the breakdown of what what everything is where, and takes it out of the case. What is it two or three on a cooker too? No, that's a different key. That's is that the Mylar keyboard connector right there with the little edge connection? Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay, right, I don't know why it just struck me as unusual. Takes all the chips out. He cleans them. If some of the uh, sockets were actually quite corroded, um, mm. so we actually had to replace quite a few of the sockets because they were like rusted through. Oh wow! Blue. Look at that. Looks like a U.S. made cocoa. Too. And he uh, cleans all the chips the themselves. Yeah, the, the Q-tip and alcohol. Some, uh, oh. Alcohol is good for all occasions. Zoom <laughs> up inside the RF modulator. It says Stevie. Yes. Now, he was having problems getting it running here, so we actually found the service manual on the uh, Color Computer Archive, downloaded it, and it happened to be for the exact model he has, too. So we started going through that. Yay. Look at this flow chart. This is incredible. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah that's just, that's neat. Well, he was quite impressed. He, he said when he got the service manual, it's like 100 pages, and you know it gives you schematics and a complete you know flow-through guide of what to check if certain things are wrong. Just follow the arrows and go to the different parts. And he said that he was quite impressed with it. Now, what it ends up turning out from his going through there is it looks like this part here on the left part of the power supply, you guys, hardware guys, can tell me what the heck that thing inside the heat sink is. I mean, it's TR3 transistor. Power transistor. Pass yeah, the regulator, voltage regulator yeah. for the main rail. Following through the flow chart, that seems to be the flaw. Now, unfortunately, that part's no longer made. This part from what he was saying. Now, you I can actually, you can, you can replace, the, 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 it's just a standard TO3 um, NPN power transistor, and you can replace them with, with substitutes, and it should work fine. Okay, because yeah. I think he was trying to find an exact match, and he said that hasn't been made in years, but it sounds like there's a fairly yeah. easy So there's well, two approaches. The salt chip is the actual regulator, and this big transistor does this current switching for it. Or you can cobble up a little 5-volt standalone regulator and ignore all of that and just feed the 5 volts mm -hmm. in that way. Yeah, and the point. salt chip will still do the backup regulation for the negative 8 and things like that. Yeah, so just today, today's transistors have higher ratings, so you can use them instead. They just won't get as hot as all. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so hopefully if he's if he's watching this, he'll he'll get some clues and on the fix without having to try to hunt down some replacement, and um, there was you know, exact replacement that you'll have to find, you know, some other old cocoa to steal it from. Somebody could post on his channel, probably a suggestion. Okay, Alan, were you going to say a something? Project to power everything by USB. So there's probably a lot of yeah, that. yeah. Is that a standard? Yeah, that uh, is that can that's being stood up vertically? Is that a standard mount for that can? Uh, the RF can like um, for the RF. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the US. On, on some models, it was okay. The US ones seemed to all have the vertical can, hmm. and the horizontal ones seemed to be the Korean ones. Okay. Yeah, because the channel selector switch actually moved too for that. Anyway, uh, his uh, YouTube channel is Mindflow Retro, and he's actually a fairly big one. He's got 11,200 subscribers. So if you guys want to make some comments on there and kind of help him along to get it up and running. That'd be great. Neat. Next up, we have AC's 8-bit zone. And he was actually in chat here earlier. Don't know if he still is. But he's the one who had the... He pulled out a whole bunch of Cocoa stuff from storage. He just had a... Yeah, that was neat. He had, he had quite the collection. Yeah. 
So last week, we showed him trying to get five Cocoa 2s out of storage for the first time in 30 years and getting up and running. Every single one of them powered up, including one that was missing the space bar. But two of them came out with this you know, gray monochrome. And uh, going through it, one of them he managed to fix quite simply just by going into the RF can itself and then just adjusting with a screwdriver. Is it the uh, plastic tip or an actual metal screwdriver? So not even a... Yeah. Now this uh, this is the first one here. So that when you adjust it, let's find it here. And I found that all I needed to do is just tweak ever so slightly in the clockwise direction, and boom. So, so the pot wasn't bad. It was just, you know, it just had slipped out of specification over all of these years. So uh, it was either marginal to begin with, or it shifted over time, and it just needed some tweaking. But it, nice, nice, easy fix. No, no soldering, no parts. Even I yeah. can do that. Yeah. Now, the second one he works on, he did get it to do color again, but the video signal is still pretty crappy. And here he's adjusting both the capacitor and the, mm -hmm. like he's adjusting several things inside the RF can, and he didn't get a completely great picture. Um, oh, that's perfect right there. What's wrong with that? What was wrong with that? <laughs> that's bright lines. Mm. Amazing. So he got the color back, and it's readable, but he's getting all this herringbone crap and things in there. So this one he mentions at the end. He's got another sequel video coming out this week later, uh, or next week, I should say, uh, where he's actually going to put a composite mod into it. Okay. Well, now, one the thing can he mentioned is little, that he found... The, the can looks oh, a little rusty, too, when you look at that, too. Yeah, so it, was, it could, could be some atmospheric, you know, stuff that has happened over yeah, time. Yeah, it could just you be mean, corroded or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. You mean yeah. those lines aren't normal? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the thing, the with, the, the thing with the RF con thing with sorry, the thing with RF converters too, with adjusting things without actually having scopes and stuff like that, is they interact. And when you adjust one adjustment, it'll affect other adjustments. Yeah. Then you adjust another adjustment, and all of a sudden, the whole thing's way out of whack. Well, well, so, well if he found out in here too, he's using like a little metal jeweler screwdriver. So every time he touched it, it adjusted it. You know, from the yeah, exactly, yeah, from exactly. all of that. Heavy blocky interference was his fingers on the metal screwdriver. You really need plastic, you plastic tips. Yeah. yeah. And he was adjusting a variable capacitor in there too. And as soon as you stick a metal screwdriver in there, it totally changes the value of the capacitor. Yeah. So anyway, what he's planning on doing on the next video is he's going to do composite, but he found several different schematics and he's actually going to do more than one of them to try them both out. So mm, the next okay. video is going to show several alternate composite video circuits. That's cool. Uh, running on this particular cool. machine. So. Very cool. I like people who know how to do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Next up part is Septandi, and this one just got released this morning uh, from 8-Bit Show and Tell, and I think he was in the chat earlier, too. Um, he's showing us tier city collections, so he's got, like, Model 1s and 3s and 4s and pocket computers and stuff, obviously. But the other theme he added onto this particular video is also showing Easter eggs that are built into these machines. And, of course, the one that he shows here, oh. and I'll play in a second is the uh the microsoft easter egg if you do a cls 9 through 255 and he does mention he's doing a sequel to this which will include the coco 3 which of course has more easter eggs from microware mm. uh, on the next video so this is covering these early machines but just for those of you who don't know or are new to the coco we'll show this brief easter egg here and here i have my radio shock trs80 color computer also known as the coco and retroactively really well. the coco yeah. now, i will mention one other thing here there's an interesting history behind this particular Cocoa 1, so make sure you listen for that. Okay. One, when other color computer models came out later. This particular one has some history. 
It was donated to me by the Foster family. Father passed away and he had been an editor, the index editor of Rainbow Magazine, which was a magazine dedicated to the color computer. So he made a lot of use of this machine. So thanks again to the Foster family. So you can see that unlike Commodore, Microsoft was credited right here on the title screen. This is Extended Color Basic 1.0 Copyright oh. 1980 by Tandy. That's the year this machine was released, 1980, under license from Microsoft. But that still didn't stop the Microsoft team. I like to blame Bill Gates, but maybe it's somebody else from still putting their Easter egg in. So if you put CLS and a color number such as two, then it'll clear the screen to that color. There's yellow, CLS, three, blue, blue and so on. But if you put an invalid number in like CLS nine, and press return, it'll print Microsoft on the screen. The Color Computer 3 has quite a few more Easter eggs. We'll look at that next episode. Okay, moving on. Okay, that's for those of you who didn't know that. that that's really clean, that Coco. That's a super clean Coco yeah. one. Yeah, and it's yeah, an early it's, one, like the badge is on the yeah, left. Yeah, the badge so is on the like left. It's got the RAM, the RAM badge and everything. So that's really nice, really well preserved. Like around. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, he's doing the sequel. We'll, we'll see the Easter eggs, which, I mean, most of us that are have been in Tandy Cocos for a while would know, but some of the newer people that have been joining recently, especially through Sep Tandy, probably don't know some of these old tricks. So, we'll that, is see those too. that is neat. Hmm. And, of course, he, like I said, he mentions the other ones, like there's Easter eggs on the pocket computer, the Model 3, and a few others. So if you're interested in those and you have those machines and you don't know any of those Easter eggs, they're on this video as well. And the final one here, and this is, I, I just got the link actually to the direct page. They do mention it on Facebook, and, and I think they've sent it to the mail list too, I think Eric has sent. So the elections for Glenside, which we talked about last week, the website is up as of this morning to do the actual voting. You will have to have an, create an account if you don't already have one. Um, and it's pretty easy. You can just click on there to register for it for the first time. I will read out the people that are running right now, since those are official now too. So for president, it's Eric Canales, who's the incumbent president right now, and Jim Brain. You know, because we don't have enough sarcasm in our community. Um, <laughs> actually, I like Jim. That's just a joke. But uh, Vice President, we've got three people running, which is John Mark Mobley, who's the incumbent, incumbent uh, Terry Steggy, and Tony Pedraza. Treasurer incumbent is the only person running, which is Brian Gores. And Secretary, the only person running, is the incumbent Richard Baer. So I can't remember what the date is for the cutoff for voting. Do you remember, Stevie? Uh, 30 days, so it's going to be by the end of October. So, like, last week in October is the cutoff. Okay. So, get out there and vote. And yeah. That. Now, let, let me, hold this, hold it right here, Curtis. So, here's something that, um, that I tried to bring up. And, and here, this is, this is the, this is one of the challenges we have right now. We have a great community. We've got great people, fantastic people, incredible people. Um, but, but so, so especially we have some new people watching us. We have people in Septandy are getting into Cocoa for the first time or re after 30 years. So Glenside Color Computer Club um, has been hosting Cocoa Fest the, for 29 years. So this, this picked up when Rainbow Fest ended, and this is our annual thing to do. So Glenside is a club that's been keeping the Tandy Flame alive for a long time. Um, they have a monthly meeting, which is virtual. And these meetings are typically attended by anywhere between a half a dozen to a dozen people. And that half dozen is essentially the officers of the club who have to be there. 
But where I'm going with this is that the attendance is, as far as I'm concerned, slightly underwhelming. There are not a lot of people attending these meetings. Uh, there's, you see this exactly same faces month after month. And so for the people who do show up, these are the hardcore people who are devoted to the Glenside Club and are devoted to Cocoa Fest, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. My complaint has been over the past few years is that it really has never been an election because it's been the same four or five people just reapplying for the same jobs. And in my opinion, or my, my own perception of an election, I'm just you know using like the our American politics, usually when you go to vote, you have to choose between at least two evils. It's not, okay, here's the same five people, we're going to play musical chairs, right? So there really has never been a lot of people to vote for. And so my whole thing was, is we should really try to promote... Um, well, what are the what are the positions? What are the titles? What are the responsibilities? Let's try to promote that and see if people want to volunteer to fulfill that role. Saying, okay, this is what this is the requirements for being president. This is the requirements for being vice president. I would like to do that. So let me put my name in the hat. Um, that's what I was. That's what I would like to see. Now, the challenge with that is, is that people. Number one, we have to communicate that to the public, which I think we're not doing the best job on. But then, number two, people need to be interested enough to want to do it. And and so, as much as I was kind of complaining about lack of choice and lack of diversity, the counter uh, statements, which are all valid, and I agree with, is well, listen, if they're not coming to these monthly meetings, then they're not that interested. Right. True statement. But we we need to promote the monthly meetings, um, things like that. So for better or for worse, we have a few choices this year, which I'm, I'm glad about that. And a lot of that was just because me being a real dickhead and complaining about it to him. But I, we, we got we got some people on the ballot. But where, where I want to go with this is I want people to be aware of this. Right. I want I want you guys to realize that Glenside has been around and that, you know, and if this is going to be an election and we're going to vote, it would be nice to have candidates. And in order to do that, we need to promote that these positions exist better. Um, but then we need people who are interested that are going to be attending the meetings. If you've been attending a Glenside meeting all year long, you've got a feeling of what it's like. And then you're going to say, yeah, you know, what next year I want to be president or I want to be treasurer or I want to be secretary or whatever so I'm just trying to say I would like more people to be aware and involved and and as the years go on we have more people who are passionate and committed to fill these roles I would like to see diversity and who's doing it so it's not the same old people because when you have the same old people doing the same old things everything's going to be done the same way so it's nice to get new blood and fresh perspectives on things and and stuff like that that's what I would love to see that's where I'm going with this maybe I'm not getting my point across and I apologize but if there's a point out there figure it out because i don't know what the hell i'm saying all right so um but to to <laughs> to, that? to that end we do have a few we do have a few choices this year which is just nice to see because now it feels like an election now i can actually choose between two or three people as opposed to just re-choosing the same person a mylin hmm. ballots valid <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's a fantastic organization. I love the Glenside folks. They're great people, and it's a great organization. And Cocoa Fest is our event once a year. I would just love to see more people um, interested in attending these meetings and interested in fulfilling these roles. You know. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you definitely have to diversify. You can't just have the same people running the same organization for 30 years. Otherwise, you won't make progress. Yeah. You need some yeah. new blood, new innovations, new ideas. And speaking of innovations, mm. retro innovations, Jim Brain, who's running for president, actually put in the chat, I think, probably the best tagline for an election campaign I've ever seen, which is, vote for me. Not sure if I'm the lesser evil or not. Vote <laughs> <laughs> him out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Funny. 
at any rate, that is the end of the news. All right. Fantastic. I'm expecting more Septandi for the the last week of September for next week. Okay. We, so we, we know a few for sure are coming out, but I'm um, looking forward to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great Excellent. show so far. Great news segment, Curtis. Yeah, well, informed. as long as Mikey went to short. sleep, I mean, that's the whole purpose of it. So. Easy newsy. <laughs> All right, so I think it might be break time, Stevie. We need some some get up and move around time, and I'm sure Ron needs a quick break. Yes. And then we can come back and do our acquisition segment. Updates and acquisitions. Sounds good, David. You're doing a great job hosting, by the way, too. You are a natural at this. <laughs> right. You certainly. I've, I've, I've said this forever, David. You're a fantastic guy. You're incredible. You do amazing things. All right, so we'll be back after these words. Hi, this is Eddie Zerbinski from beautiful Quebec City. Vous écoutez Coco Talk. As you're enjoying Coco Talk, we also want to remind you about the Coco Discord server. This is a place where people come to connect, to ask questions, to provide answers, to share information, and to socialize. So when you're done, why don't you head on over to the Coco Discord server and we'll continue the conversation there. The easy to remember link is discord.cocotalk.live. See you on Discord. Coco123 is the Glenside Color Computer Club community newsletter that's been in publication since 1985. While the Rainbow Magazine may be gone, it doesn't mean you still can't have a cool Coco periodical. Head on over to the Glenside Color Computer website at glensideccc.com and then click on the Documents link to view all the past issues of the Coco123 newsletter. Not only can you read all of the past and present issues, we'd also love to hear some submissions from you. So if you'd like to send an article, a column, something to talk about, maybe even a program listing, send an email to glensideccc at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. The Coco World Map is a cool community resource where you can view coconuts from around the world. Head on over to map.cocotalk.live and see where your fellow coconutians happen to be living on the planet Earth. If you would like to submit yourself to be on the Coco Map, send an email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live and we look forward to seeing you on the Coco Map. Hey guys, it's Stevie Stroh, and if you've been watching Coco Talk for a while, hopefully you understand that everyone is welcome to join this show. You don't need an impressive resume to get on. You just need to enjoy the Coco and be willing to talk about it. There is no wrong way to Coco. There is no wrong way to be a fan of the Coco. There's no wrong way to be on Coco Talk. You just have to want to talk Coco. So if you would like to join us, then reach out to us on our Discord server, which is discord.cocotalk.live, or send an email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live, and let's get you on the show, and let's talk about the Coco. Hi, I'm Tim, and you're watching Coco Talk Live. And I'm playing Daggereth online like that idiot from the book. Uh, can you can you dial back on the condescension there as you respond there? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, uh, I love that. Oh, 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 Tim Lindner. We love you, Tim. 
Yeah. That's an Academy Award winning Yeah, and I actually just had the revelation the other day. I was lucky I caught Tim on Discord, but um, if you've heard the Coco 3 song before, like, hey, you got your Coco 3 yet? If you ever heard that song before, with throughout the song are some sound drops from Tim Lindner in there, too. Saying, "Hey, you got your Coco Three, so it's kind of cool. You pick, you pick up on that. You know, twenty years later, I'm just figuring out that Tim Linder was in that track. So, <laughs> huh. the more you know, yes. So, David Ladd, our host with the most, yes. So, who's up? Who's got some new toys they'd like to share? Oh, David, I do. All right, Jason, let's see what you got." Let's see what we got here. Uh, well, like I said at the like I said at the top of the show, I have thir- over thirteen pounds of acquisitions this week, and they consist of this uh, this this uh, flat rate uh, shipping box from the U.S. Postal Service. And uh, what we have in here is we have some rainbow. Dun, da, da, da. Uh, this, this is is the. Uh, this would be the uh, December, what is this? this is December 1988 uh, issue right here. And uh, so what we have here, we have that. Uh, and uh, what I have here is uh, I have eight issues from 19, 1988, along with, uh, and then we've got the telecommu- uh, telecommunications issue. This is a whole box of them here. We've got, I think everybody remembers the game issue with the chessboard and that sort of thing. We've got the... Uh, We've got the whole uh, Wizard of Oz thing here from... Uh, That's the anniversary 88. one, yeah. Yeah, uh, July of uh, 88. And uh, and then I have the... Uh, so I have eight issues from 88, and uh, I'm not going to go through... Do you have nine issues, issues from 89? No, actually, from eight from 89, nine. 89, Stevie, I have 12. Mm. Ooh, got the, complete. That's, the, yeah, that's almost complete. like one for each month of that year. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think they usually put out, you know, exactly. And um, so, uh, so I, I got them for a reasonable price on eBay. Uh, fellow was nice enough to uh, combine shipping on these two different years because they would all fit in this flat rate box. That's uh, that's pretty nice. cool. And I just love some of these old ads. You got the uh, uh, slots and cards on the back here of the uh, November November '89. I think this is what the looks like. Slots the, uh, are cool. Oh, oh, Coco teaches Morris code. I'm gonna have to check that out. I, I, I know a little Morris code, but yeah, Coco, hamming it up with Coco. Ooh, and radio. Ooh. Yeah. Well, That's... if we ever if we ever get to the uh, if we ever do like a ham ham Coco thing, if I ever get that all together, then uh, that might be a good place to start. But I think I think this is about. Yeah. Oh, oh here we go. Rainbow ribbon cable. Gotta love that. But uh, <laughs> it's, uh... all in all in really good condition. I mean, and it, like these. It's good. These, yeah, very nice condition. Um, Came up from uh, New York State. Nice fella. Was able to get the, save some on the shipping there. So that, that's that's awesome. I'm gonna enjoy those. I gotta find. I gotta find a way it's, other uh, than just storing them in that box. But um, very much like the rest of this show, it's uh, yeah. a lot of issues. Yeah. Oh yeah, a lot of issues. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> just like this show. Yeah. Okay. And uh, just just a, a, a side note. While I'm while I'm here. Um, the the uh, the Joey Hi-Rez, uh decals came in. I, I don't know how well they're going to show up on camera, but I do have the actual uh, actual decals there now. If I can get the glare off of there, but there we go. So, uh, but uh, sometime, I'm guessing sometime this week, I'll have uh, I'll have uh, something uh, 
pre-orders open for that, but it's, it's been well, a busy week. This uh, has this been classy looking little. Has this been actually formally announced? Because if it did, I missed yeah. it. Uh, yes, it was formally announced last week, Stevie. See, you have this is what happens when you miss rehearsal. You haven't gotten through the whole show yet, Stevie. I'm not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was on last week. If you haven't caught up with last week, then you're out. But just just to refresh for the folks like Stevie that missed last week, this is a version of the Joey controller switch, which allows you to have three three inputs for uh, controllers on your Coco. Uh, along with that, it, and you can select that via this uh, this uh, rotary switch here, which is uh, the, and then uh, you have a toggle for, uh, it also you have a toggle, of course, just like you do on the standard, Joey, for left and right joystick output, since it uh, seems to be an issue, a cocoa problem. And then uh, then we and then it's, it has a built-in uh, high-res interface. We have a switch here for high-res. We have a switch here for bypass, for standard-res mode. And um, along with that bypass switch, we also have a cassette port pass-through, so you'll be able to put your uh, cassette cable in there if you choose. Oh, when you switch to the standard res, you'll be oh. able to use your... Oh, this is the most versatile port. product to date so far. I like the placement of switches. I like the quantity of switches on here. This mm. is the most amount of toggle switches on a product that I've had yet. I really and, like the red chicken head knob on it too. It's really classy. <laughs> the you know I I use the same knob on the Joey serial switch for the Bitbanger port, and the red is by far the most popular color. I actually have a, and this will be the same way. You're going to have your choice of a few different colors like red, green, blue, yellow, I think white and black. And uh, but the cool part, the other thing, and this now this is uh, this is going to be some people may not want this option, but it's also it also has the capability of running. Either standard Tandy high res, that's going to be the switch up top here. Standy, standard Tandy high res, or you can flip to uh, the the color wearer mode for the folks that may want that. That maybe has an old have their old copy and want to do that. But uh, I will I, I will offer an option to ha not include that toggle if you don't want it because I, I know there's been some talk on Facebook, though, but there'll be an option to delete that switch if you don't want it. How much are we looking at for one of those? It's a great. Uh, we're box. looking. Uh, we're looking uh, again. Something I haven't had that time to calculate. I'm guessing it's going to be in the uh, fifty to sixty dollar uh, U.S. range. Oh, is I think cool. it's where it's going to be, but I I need to I need to work out a final number on that just mm. to be certain. But uh, I will have that uh, I will have that very soon. I'm hoping sometime next week, and then we'll open up pre-orders and we'll we'll start to get on that. I actually have the the circuit boards are on their way. Um, so uh, we're, we're oh, so we're, circuitry uh, is involved in this product. Oh yeah, there's a um, oh where is it? I have one wow. here somewhere. Or I did. Uh, it's always it's always the last. But yeah, there is a uh, again. I showed this off last week on the show. And where the heck is it? So this is the a, one of the most a, ambitious Coco Man projects to date. Because oh, this is this is uh, this is very ambitious, Stevie. I mean, I've I, I did not know how to design circuit boards. I did not know how to do CAD. I've spent. A good amount of time over the last couple of months learning how to do this because this has been a very highly requested feature and uh but and i and i came and i came up with this this uh, pretty small circuit board and uh it's so it uh, and uh, this is the prototype it's going to be green the prototype's green the the uh, production ones will be i actually uh i went i went with red just to but um because i like red but it's not like you're going to see it anyway it's going to be inside the box but uh to match the switch on the front, yeah. yeah match the switch on the front. Well, yeah, I can't, yeah, I could. 
if you want, but um, <laughs> that's pretty cool. I mean, nothing else. This has been a great learning experience. How to how to lay out PC boards, and it's pretty cool. There's actually some free software uh, from Eagle, and uh, you can do. They limit the size of the board. When this case is not a problem for me, and you can only do two layers, just up, you know the, the traces on the bottom and the top. But it's really cool. But I will warn anybody who tries it: there is one heck of a learning curve. Uh, but again, cool stuff. I'm having fun with it. That's the big part. I, I've learned a lot, and uh, this, this cool. is going to open up the possibilities to do a couple other things that people have been wanting to do. I just didn't want to get into circuit boards, but I found a great place to get them made. A great piece of software to use. It's it's a lot of hobbyists use it and everything, so there's a lot of support for Eagle. So yeah. maybe that's what we're looking a, at. Awesome. Given that you're going to use a, a red circuit board in it and possibility a red knob on top, maybe you could make a, a, a version of it with a, a, a clear Perspex case to really show off the insides. Uh, yeah, you know what? There's a lot of wires in there. You're not going to want to see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a enough. lot yeah. of wires. <laughs> There's a lot yeah. of wires in there. But uh, I'll, I'll be opening it up for pre-orders. Uh, I'm hoping sometime next week. And uh, that will be at, at my website, which I don't plug that often, but I will plug. It's cocoman.biz. That bees. Well, I got to say, Jason, I've always been a big fan of the third input, so I'm glad we can finally purchase one of those. So. Good night, yeah, everybody. I, I can't wait to get one because it'll give me a chance to be able to flip things off. <laughs> Don't you do that on the show not enough as it is? Hey! hi <laughs> Flip the bird. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was a bad one. <laughs> you say bad, David Ladd. He's <laughs> nearly okay. as bad as mine. <laughs> right, David. Anything else, Jason? You know what? I think that's plenty for now. That's plenty for now. Anybody else got any new acquisitions or new toys they want to show off? Brian, no. I, have, I was going to say, I have a few things. Um Go ahead, Rick. Keeping, keeping the meme alive, um, anyone else ever do this mod or recognize it? Oh, yes. Putting a new ROM in the cartridge or an RTC? A real-time clock in <laughs> 502. You had to stop so the ROM would just lay flush on over the plastic. And then I ran into this thing. Folks, remember these? Yes. Yep. Connect started by buying these from Radio Shack New for $9 when they fire sailed them and converting them into serial ports. And I found one that never got converted. So here's a new 300 baud modem pack complete in its original packaging. Oh. Got to be worth $10,000 or so, right, on eBay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's old and vintage, right? Right, it's vintage. Vintage and, and rare. And then I ran across an envelope with these. Dun 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 and dun 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 and are we talking one. floppy controller? Some type and of controller, right? Because there's an edge connector another on both sides. One. At one time, Disto sold all of their circuit boards in a pack with documentation and so forth. So yeah, I've got a super controller, a hard drive controller, a mini expansion bus. Um all nicely done gold-plated circuit boards that I never had time to build, so maybe I'll have to do that. Already to still, reverse engineer. Can you still right? get all the components for them? Or? Um, I never had the components for them. I do have the docks. 
Um, oh. So let's see what we can buy. And then, uh, like I say, I'm changing build engine. So I went to KiCad for my schematics now, which uh, KiCad, KiCad, I don't know, K-I-C-A-D. Um, but it does. KiCad. Okay. And it does Gerber files and all kinds of stuff that I needed to do. So I'm not locked into the uh, build environment I was locked into before, which is going to be important for the projects that are coming up. And in closing, I am ready for both of the new games. Oh, the Math Tutor? What's the other one? Was that Color Scripts? Yes. yes, this is Math Tutor and Color Scripts. It. I'm good to go. You're going to get the highest score. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's getting his practice in ahead of time. <laughs> nice. And that's it for this week because I've still got to finish learning this CAD program. It's quite the learning curve, as Jason said. Okay. Indeed. All right. Uh, so who is next? Because I saw several hands go up. Dave? I got an announcement. Yep. Okay, Dave. Mine, yeah, mine's only fairly short. Um, as I've mentioned numerous times on previous episodes um, in the last few weeks, I'm doing a competition to, to name this uh, I'm tentatively calling it the Coco D. I think I probably will end up going with that eventually. And I planned on having a list of um, of entries and, and the panel we're going to choose it and everything. I was planning on doing that this week. Um, but all of last week, I ended up um, I was working on uh, Fairlight repairs. Um, I got stuck right into those and was actually really, really getting into it and, and making some big progress, but it meant that I didn't have time to do a lot of other stuff. So uh, I'm extending it by one week. Um, so I'll be announcing everything next week on next week's show. Um, and I'll also be putting the list up um, of all the entries um, so that everybody on the panel can have a look and, and decide which one they like the best as well. I'll put that up on my 6809cpu.com website, which I also planned on doing last week, but I simply didn't get time to do it. So uh, the plan is this week, um, that's all going to be put up there. I'll do that in the next couple of days um, and announce the uh, my personal choice and the panel can announce their choice as well. And I'll give away two copies of, um, of any of my albums that uh, the people, that the winners um would like well continuing with the theme of this week's show i would like to submit for consideration a name for that project and call it horseshit (laughs) (laughs) that stinks stevie (laughs) (laughs) i think you did that one to death now yeah, I was going to say. Flogging a dead horse. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say. Way to step into that one, David. Flogging a dead horse shit. You can call it the three by four. Okay. Anything else, Dave? No, that's pretty much it for me, I think. All right. That's good to know. Okay. Who's else? Who's got something? Curtis is raising his hand, and then Brian Weasler, it looks like, yes. Okay, so uh, work is progressing on Ease of Use Beta 6, and I've been doing some fiddling with the uh, the mouse drivers for the uh, joystick port. <clears throat> and I've sent out uh, just uh, late this week to a few uh, beta testers who were on the Beta 5 program uh, to see it, because I've, I've come up with a new scheme of being able to switch the windows with the mouse. I've also changed it so you can actually shut that functionality off, because some games and some programs require the second mouse button which current versions of Nitrous 9 since 2005, I think, actually hijack it to switch windows. 
So I've come up with a scheme that actually can use a single right mouse button click to go forward through Windows, but there's also a, a way of going backwards by using a combination of the first and second buttons. And I want some people to kind of test that and see, is that make some sense? I, I've gotten used to it fairly quickly myself, but of course I wrote it, so that, that's obvious. So I'd like to get some feedback on that. And also if I'm describing in the documentation, so there's, I think, 11 or 12 people in that. A couple of them are on the panel today, like Nick Moroto, you've got a link for it. Um, yep. David Ladd, you've got a link for it as well. Nick Marentes, I think you've actually tried it, though. You haven't tried the latest bug fix Not versions. The latest, I couple, no. Yeah, I got a couple of bugs that fixed in there. Um, Terry Stegi and a few others. Mark Overholzer, you've got a copy of it too, so or available to you anyway. So I'd like to get some feedback on that just to see if it's worthwhile doing. Now, I will mention there was a hidden feature in the previous version that most people didn't know about, and I didn't know about until I finished commenting the disassembly. Um, that if you move the mouse to the left or the right and then right-click, it would change the direction you were going, but only if you're on a graphic window. So if you're on a hardware text window, and most people have a combination of both, and you can't change the direction you're going through Windows with with the mouse button. You always have to go whatever the last direction was, which I found kind of janky. I like things to be a bit more consistent. This method I've come up with here is 100% consistent. If you're going forward, you'll go forward. If you're going backwards, you go backward, no matter what type of window you're on. So I think once you get used to it, because it's a little bit you know, different than probably most people are used to, I think it's a lot easier to just remember and actually have it run consistently. And there's a bunch of other things we're doing in there too, which I won't mention yet until we get up to the point of sending out another beta. But that particular one, I really would like to get some feedback this week if possible, because if it turns out that it's too hard to understand or too hard to use for people, then I'll probably just yank it out and just leave the single forward button or something. And you've also got in both cases, you've still got the clear key and the shift clear key to do it manually on the keyboard, which honestly is what I always use. But yeah, I'd like some feedback on that if, if at all possible. Jason, uh, Jason, do you have any feedback question. available? Jason Riker, you usually get feedback, Andy. Okay, sorry well, about he's that. Think, well, he's thinking, I'm, I was just going to say, Curtis, um, one thing I did have a question about, I think we sort of briefly touched on it in a previous episode, but um, given that I want to demonstrate um, EOU, um, at the next Adelaide Retro Meetup. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, going between the multitasking and everything, I've, I've found that, um, yeah, as you said, there's there's multiple different um, key commands and, and whatnot for, for killing a process that you don't want running uh, anymore, but some of them I just can't find a, a way of killing it. Um, so is there a way to, to kill something that, that you can't kill with a key command? Yes, yeah, so you can actually go to a shell and just type kill. We do a proc first to get a list of the processes running. It'll give them by name. And yep. what windows are running in, and then you can do kill space the process number, and that'll kill it. Oh, the number. Okay, I, I, I was trying kill, and I was trying all sorts of different things, but the only thing I didn't try was the process number. <laughs> yeah. So, now most okay. of them do have a clean exit because sometimes they don't. If you kill them like that, they don't clean up after themselves. They'll be reserved and get put buffers that are taking like 120k of RAM, and they won't give the RAM back. So you yeah, only okay. want to do that as a last resort. Usually, want to try to quit. So if if you have certain programs that you're trying to figure out, maybe just email me a list or send me on Discord which ones you're having issues with, and I'll see if I can remember or find the documentation to tell you exactly how to quit them cleanly. Okay, cool. Good one. I was on the right track with the process. Is there a memory reclaimer <laughs> capability of Nitrous 9? Um, usually if you exit a process, the process memory itself, whatever data area it used, and if the program was only loaded specifically for that run instance and wasn't preloaded, it'll return that automatically as soon as you even force kill it. But if they've allocated buffers outside of themselves, like get put buffers or fonts or, or that type of thing, then they won't. You can do it manually yourself from another window if you know what's happening. Uh, but there's there was no you know consistent way because in some cases, if you loaded a font 
and some other programs using the font, you don't want to yank that font out and then have the other program crash. So you have to be a little mm. bit careful with that. Reset does a good job. <laughs> yeah, there's always that. Or the reboot command. Yeah, reboot. We'll turn the power off. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Is that it, Curtis? Yep. I mean, like I said, there's a lot of other stuff being worked on, but I'm not going to talk about any of that stuff until... Um, you know, it's, it's closer to reality type thing. Though more work has been done on the Gimme X, I will mention that. Ooh. All right, I'll be waiting for that. So next would be Brian, since he had his hand up as well. You guys hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, so kind of some joysticks uh, that, I've, uh, that I've, I've received over the past couple of weeks. Uh, there was a guy in Norway, of all places, that had listed a pair of Dragon uh, joysticks, which is something I do not have yet, So, but now I do. Oh, so oh they're kind of yeah, neat. They're, I got a pair of those ones, new so. in box. Yeah, they're neat. Yes, I've been trying to find one in a box. I've, I, I know you mentioned that before, and yeah. <laughs> that's something I've not been able to get. But, yeah, they're kind of neat. Uh, they're, they're kind of awkward to use because the fire-up button's down here. You know, you're kind of holding it like this. I don't know. I just doesn't seem, you know, I guess from what you're used to, right? But uh, well, at least I have them. Um, and then uh, you guys might remember this joystick that I had shown here. Uh, Curtis kind of mentioned it at one of his uh, uh, tech segments or news segments. Um, it's this, I don't know how, exactly how you pronounce it, uh, Alta 1, I guess is how I've been calling it. So, um, And this joystick here, um, it is for the Dragon. It obviously works on the Coco, but it has just the switches in it. So it's either all left, all right. You know, there's no... Uh, no granulation with oh, it Oh, it's digital. Digital. There you go. Um, well, the guy, his name is Simon, had messaged me here about a month ago uh, because this is a brand new, it's new in stock. And he goes, I have some other joysticks that are new in stock, and he wanted to know if I'd be interested in them as well. And so it's this one here. It's this Ulta. Uh, it's new and improved. And this thing... <laughs> How can it be new and improved? improved. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) But I tell you what, this thing, this thing is really cool. I am really happy with this. It's a, it's kind of cool looking. Looks like a Wyco controller. Yeah, it looks like a Wyco Red Bull almost. Yeah, Um, it has the two buttons, but this thing is beefy. It almost feels like a arcade joystick. It looks like an arcade joystick. Yeah, very thick. It's it actually got a little bit of weight to it, and this one actually is analog. So oh. it's here. this is the oh, top wow. right here. So, and I wonder uh, if that does. is the Waco one because the Waco had all those features too. I wonder if it's a okay. rebranding or something. It might have been, yeah. But it's uh, it was brand new, and uh, no, this, I was really excited to get this here. So I was glad that he reached out to me. I don't know how many of these that he had, um, but it was a uh, very cool. And all the way from the this was a uh, this guy's in the UK. So that's Simon Hardy from the Dragon Group. Um, it might that might be his last name. I I just remember Simon off the top of my head right mm-hmm. now, but uh, yeah. And this it's had the standard awesome DIN, DIN connector for the Dragon and the Coco built in. You don't have to do the adapters or anything? No. Yep. It just has the, the same the same connector. Well, if it's coming through ooh, there or not. Ooh, but, uh, it's yep. this five pin, not six pin, because there's only one button, right? Correct. Yep. Yep. There's a real thing going on here with red knobs today. <laughs> and then another, <laughs> another joystick. I, I can't remember. Uh, just a couple days ago, somebody happened to show it up on Facebook, but I had already found this on, uh, on eBay. Uh, it's a Gravis. I guess is how you pronounce mm-hmm. it. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Gravis joystick. And uh, somebody posted a picture, and, and then there was ended up being a, a kind of a, a discussion about this thing. It's kind of interesting. There's these three little uh, roller switches on the end. And what, what it's used for is when you when you uh, move it all the way uh, 
forward. It, well, this one here is for this button. Uh, I think the middle one here, there we go. This middle one right here is for this button, I think, or it's for the fire button on top. And then this last roller is for this switch right here. And by either rolling it forward or back, it makes it either button one or button two, because it does have a oh. six, uh, it does have the six pin on there. And then the other thing that's kind of cool is this big roller right here. And this moves all the way that way or all the way this way. And what it does is when it's this way, now this is free floating. Oh, cool. By rolling it this way, now it's now it's spring Oh, so it's like the deluxe joystick. Right on latch. steroids of, of sorts. Yeah. There, yeah. That's so cool it, can you can you do the uh, the spring back separately on the X Y axis, or is it always both? Or it, it, it's always both. So yeah. So once it's uh, once you roll that, it's free floating in all directions. But you okay. can't break the little switches off if you yeah. get to. Yeah, those, right, those little yeah. clips yeah. on the bottom of the deluxes can be a nuisance sometimes. Right, so it's kind of a neat. Uh, just that another, is really neat. Yeah, yeah, Gravis joysticks—they're really well made. They're, they're quality stuff. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, there's a there's a bunch of them out there. Of course, a lot of it was the, the PC based mm -hmm. uh, type joysticks. Um, and then lastly, um, uh, this is more just because I was just kind of surprised to stumble across it, and uh, uh, I saw a, a Facebook Marketplace listing um, for a town near me here. And the, the, I couldn't resist the price. Um, uh, the lady had picked this up at a uh, uh, what, what's the word looking for? storage bin. Uh, she went to a storage bin auction, and she picked up a box of computer stuff. And her and her husband went through it. They had no idea what they had. Uh, they didn't know if it was worth anything, uh, so they threw it out there on the marketplace for a mere fifty dollars. And for that mere fifty dollars, I got. Um, Atom. Uh, at Adam. Personal Finance. Starblaze. Space Assault. Project Nebula. Everybody's favorite color script. Panic Button. Ed Tasm. Downland. <laughs> Bust Out. Stellar Lifeline. That's the game. And the the one that, and, <laughs> exactly. And the one that really caught my eye and it came with the manual was the Color Max High Res is oh, on there cool. with the uh, with the manual as well. So that was really and so I just couldn't believe it. What is that? 10, 10 12 cartridges for fifty dollars. So it was uh yeah, five dollars a cartridge. Sell, yeah. She said if uh, she was gonna give it another week, so I'm glad I stumbled across it. She goes another week and they were just gonna throw it in the dumpster. They didn't oh, know what well. it was or what it was worth, so so I was glad. Well, to mentioned too the downline cartridge you have there is the the second version of it. Yeah, so it's that the one point one. Should work in the Coco Three. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It has the. Yeah. Wasn't it uh, the? Yeah. I think the older one is nineteen eighty three or eighty two, and this one has the eighty three on it. So. Yeah. It's just the fact that it's that white label thing too. That the white. Oh, yeah. white label too. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah. Some of these I actually have. So I'm going to go through and uh, see which ones I have, or these are maybe in better condition, and then, and then. Uh, Share them back out into the into the wild for everybody else who may or may nah, not have any. So, nah, nah. if yep. you plan on if you plan on selling the Stellar Lifeline one, I actually I have a Stellar Lifeline cartridge somewhere, but I cannot find it for the life of me. And um, yeah, if you if you're interested in selling that, I would I would take you up on that. If you're interested in buying it? Uh -huh. Yep, very good. Yep, I'll uh, I'll remember that. Yeah, because and then there was a some of them did have the manuals with it. I think only four of them. You know, I would like to have manuals for the other one, but you know, gosh darn it, I got the manual for the personal finance. That was the oh, most important. Good. One, You'll be so. rich soon now, <laughs> honey. I need some help with this checkbook, please. 
that's all I have to share today. Okay. And uh, David, I'm not sure if you see it, but Richard Lorbieski has joined us and he's had his hand up patiently because he's got incredible people skills. But I think but Richard has something he'd like to share with us too. Oh, absolutely. Yes, right. Richard. Would you like to tell us what you've got? Don't, don't scare him off, David. <laughs> yes, yes. Don't scare me off. Uh, I, I, I will. Um, going to need to screen share as well. So I don't know if you can. Yes, you you have you have the ability to at this point. Okay, so right here. You can do it. Okay, can you see it now? Yes. Uh, yep. Can now. Okay. Anyway, so um, someone was mentioning a real-time clock, and they put it inside their uh, floppy drive controller. And what I've been working on is a for a long, long time is a real-time clock. And the problem is, uh, most of these real-time clocks they use the ROM slot uh, to put the chip there. But unfortunately, in a Coco, it's just too big it's 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 too tall and unfortunately you can't put a rom and the real time clock all together plus put a battery in there but i have been able to solve that problem and this is right now this is the mock up of the board itself uh i took a project called the rom l which uh, jim brain had, has been marketing for a long time and i got permission to use it and basically what it is it is a 512K flash chip that you can flash, and it's thin enough. And I also added the real-time clock chip, which is this area right here, this one in red. And the chip itself, the ROM chip, is actually mounted on the bottom. What you don't see is the battery uh, for the battery backup. Uh, it's going to mount on top of this uh, board, uh, on top of it. And it's all going to fit inside the case. There's You just basically put this chip in and put the case on. There's no modifications or anything like that uh, to, the, to the case at all. It'll all fit in. Uh, it'll be a little snug, but it will fit. So, so when you say put it in the case, are you talking about a disk drive case or... What kind yes. of a case are you talking about? Yeah, any standard color computer case, you know, cartridge case. So an R32 so, pack or a disk controller or a hard drive controller, et cetera. Yes. Yes. So, so in my defense, I cut this thing up back in 1993 or 1994. Oh, okay. So um, <laughs> it's not my fault. I wasn't oh, okay. anything new. I like this. Yeah, I, I like sticking it in a RS-232 pack in place of that useless, stupid COM program or something. Right. <laughs> it would be cool. Yeah, but the, the cool thing about this one also, uh, if you look at the top parts here, these little resistors, this thing is a 512K, and these are uh, 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 blocked off in 16K blocks. So you can actually put multiple ROMs, and with the switch, mm. you can switch between ROMs. You can have several at one, you know, you could turn it off. Are these switch. physical switch or could they be software switched? Uh, it, actually, it's a physical switch. Okay. Big chicken head rotary red knob. Yeah, you, <laughs> but, yeah you, you could have one of those or you just have a simple switch. You don't, you don't have to have all of them available. You can just, if you have one or two ROMs. Is it possible those. to mount this per, like permanently inside the computer itself instead of you know, putting it in a cartridge port? Or uh, it... actually, you can. This mm. can actually go into a ROM slot on the Coco itself. Um, 
They just the need to have software for it. Cool, cool, cool. What was your cool. question, Nick? Uh, PAL Cogo 3s, the, uh, the basic ROM is already in a socket. So, uh, yeah, you, you would just replace it. Yeah. No, that's yeah, the, now, the, now there is drawbacks with this. You have to flash this ROM. You have to have a ROM burner to burn, you know, to to flash this. And you can't do it inside the cocoa itself. You have to get a. You have to take the, this thing out, put it into a ROM burner, flash it, and then you could put it uh, in your cocoa. Now, will you offer the flash burning for standard stuff, like say a floppy disk control with disk basic one point one, so that it's easier for people that are just taking the simple route? Sure. Yeah. I mean, if you want to specify that, I, I will. I'm not going to advertise that openly, but yeah, if of you, course. If, yeah. yeah. If you need something like that, extended basic, whatever, then I, I can. I mean, so, even legally, I don't know if there'd be much of an issue because if I'm replacing the ROM replacing, I already have, I obviously yeah, have you're, it, so. yeah, replacing right. what you already have. So, so yeah. So if I have a Coco two or three, or let's say Coco two that has a separate uh, extended basic ROM, I could ask you to send me one of these with extended basic on it and I would just plug it in the same ROM socket but then I would also have the real time clock. Correct. And my last battery. my last question is um, I'm assuming there's an onboard battery or is it an external battery? It's a it's an onboard battery. The battery is it's it, you don't see it it's it's another PC board and it's actually going to be sandwiched on top of this uh, board here. This oh, board so is so you can replace the battery, though, unlike, say, the original smartwatch. We had to replace right. the whole chip. Yeah, Thermal yeah. Temple. Actually, actually, it's going to be a little, a little coin uh, battery. Uh, battery. A little lithium battery? A little lithium battery that could be easily replaced. Right. It's not a CR-232. I can't remember the, the part number offhand. But, uh, so is it like just, a thirteen something? Just, CR 13 just, something? just a dumb question. And since since uh, nobody's going to need a real time clock that's not running Nitrous Nine, and Nitrous Nine is mostly going to be running on a Coco Three, mm -hmm. could could this just be a, a stock thing to have the Coco Three basic ROM on it, and then we just plug it into our Cocos and not need to use a cartridge? I mean, that seems like that would be the most sensible thing. Yeah, you that's could do exactly it that way. as long as you don't mind desoldering the the chip because it's soldered in. Oh, is it? Yes. Oh, it is. Yes. Oh, see, that shows you how dumb I am. Okay. Right. And the other thing <laughs> is, is that, well, someone like Curtis will have to probably mod the utilities for the smartwatch to use the Coco 3's basic ROM area instead of the cartridge slot ROM area. To uh, yeah, that's, that's not too hard to do. Yeah, but the, like I said, all this, this, this uh, board that you see here, this is the size of a standard ROM, which is kind of the cool thing. The, the battery sits ROM. on top of this. It'll fit in the same footprint uh, inside uh, on this board itself, and it's only going to be like twelve millimeters tall. Mm. It's very small. That's very cool. Nice. Hey, do you incredible. have an expected price for this yet? Uh, it I, I haven't really uh, come up with a price yet, but okay. it's gonna it's gonna you know like always it's gonna be reasonable. You know. How I have I, a question, Richard. Yes. Uh, will this will this work with a Coco SDC? Um, no. Yeah, there's not a standard ROM socket on the SDC, is there? No, no, no. Well, wouldn't it if you put it in the place of the uh, extended color basic ROM? It wouldn't it wouldn't be an issue then, would it? Because it'd be no, part of the computer. You just yeah, you just yeah. put put that in there. Yeah, yeah. And for people with soldering skills, that's not a big deal. Or if you have an older Coco one or two socketed ROMs, but for people like me that can only solder their hair and poorly, 
Right. That's a bit of an issue. Yeah, well, you, could always, you could also go with the extreme example of stick it in a ROM pack game. Oh, yeah. And put it in yeah. your multi pack, yeah. If you have you a multi pack or multi pack, there's, there's put that lots in your of places where you can put this it. thing. Mm. So basically, it just needs access to the, the address and data bus, really. Right. Yeah. Mm. Are you going to offer a 28 pin version? This is a 24, obviously. Right. Yeah. There's going to be a 28 pin version as well. This is the 24. Excellent. So, um, like I said, I, I came up with this. I, I, I was plan. I've been planning to order the boards, you know, and and test this out, but I haven't done it yet. I will probably do it this weekend to send the boards off, you know, to get to get made. I still need to work on my speech sound card uh, cartridge modification. I have those boards. I just haven't soldered one up to test it to make sure it works. Uh, but if it does work, those should be out very, very soon. Uh, the other announcement I have is I finally got in. People have been asking me this for months and months and months is the Paragon joystick adapters. I finally got cables in and I should have new Paragon adapters uh, by next week, by the 1st of October. Cool. Now, I have another question for you, too. Like, I noticed that you have been selling some of your SDCs now to help Second Source from Zipster. Have you got a handle on dating cases with yours yet? Not yet. I, I just need to make room in my garage to where I can set up my 3D printer, and I just haven't done that, and okay. I need to get that done. Um my whole intention with the with the whole SDC thing, and I just didn't realize how popular. I mean, I've been I've been I've been selling them left and right, and 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 matter of fact, there was a um, YouTube uh, video by LGR. He did one, and he showed off one of the SDCs. Yeah. And I had fifteen orders that that one day. Wow. Because wow. <laughs> I was like. Where are all these orders coming from? <laughs> yeah, well, he had 165,000 views in that video, so that explains it. Yeah, and, yeah, and I just like holy, holy cow, and uh, and I got orders from overseas and things like that. And people have been asking me about the cases, and and the whole intention was was to be a second source, as in if if uh, Ed didn't have them available, I would have them, and it was also as a backup. You know, people want to have a second SDC card board. And they can have that, and they would already have the case, or they would print their own cases. That was the the original intent. But, yeah, uh, and I'm, yeah. Well, this might this might explain why I can't get repair parts for my uh, SDC number two. Um, maybe I should call you. I just okay. need chips. I don't need anything else. I just need chips. Oh, you just need the the which ones? I'm not sure. I black screened my cocoa with mine since I tried to plug in my Birkin Burke hard drive and did something evil. Uh. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I need I need uh, an SDC for my um, shop cocoa so I don't put my main cocoa on the line every time I do something. Which I oh, do. so you just you just need the, the the well. There's there's four chips that come. One's a flash chip, and then there's two uh, CPLDs, and then there's the Atmel. Yeah, I've got the. I think it was referred to as the bus transceiver. I replaced that. That didn't do it. Mm -hmm. So I need to buy the other three. If you could sell me those three, I would certainly give you money. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I can just do all four. I mean, just make it because yeah, that works. I, I can burn them in and. And send them to you. So, um, 
yeah, after the show uh, or get on Discord and send me your information and I'll... Will do. Thank you. Yeah, but yeah no Richard, problem. If once you do get your, your 3D printer back up and running and you actually get some 3D cases going on your own, I know I've had a lot of requests from that too because Zipster's always sold out of his SDCs. Maybe you, you catch him when he makes a, a batch of them and they're gone within like a week. Right. And then he doesn't have them for two months again. And a lot of people have been asking about the cases because they see it on your site, but they go, I can't get a case there. So maybe I'll wait for Zipster because I don't want to have to tr- deal with dealing with two people at once trying to ship right. stuff across. So. Right. And no, as, I, far I, as, as far as printing services go, I have an Ender 3 sitting in the back room that's sitting idle most of the time. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Print them for but, PLA, you know? Yeah. And just a side note, I, I, just a side note, I, I actually got the case for mine from, uh, there was a, des- a couple of different designs on Thingiverse and then, if you have a printer, you can download those, or they have a network, and this is what is—they have a network of uh, people that will print the case for you, and that's that's the route I took. Right, and also John Strong sells them too. Uh, if you go to Strongware.net, I believe his site, you can contact yeah. him that way. And no, I know there's other ways to do it. I just know that a lot of the people that have talked to me and asking about it have always said, "I want to get everything from one source. I don't want to have to deal with ordering a board, getting it this week, and getting my." case three weeks later or vice versa type thing they right. want to just get it all here it's done ready to go right no i i understand that but like yeah. i said the the whole intention was it was just a backup source because what what really irritated me was i do a lot of business on ebay and and i would see some of these occasionally go up on on uh, ebay for you know a hundred to two hundred dollars and uh, you know mm-hmm. and 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 i'm just like no that's not right yeah, and that just shows the demand. I mean, if you can sell something that's active in active production for more than the original seller is and get away with it, obviously mm-hmm. there's a shortage. Yeah. Right. How much are you yeah. selling yours without the case for, Richard? Uh, it's $58. Yeah, I might have it, to take you up on that for my uh, Coco D project because I don't actually need the case for it. And actually having having them without the case, I'm going to put a little lid on the side where the Coco SDC is mounted, and that would work perfectly. So. Right. Yeah, the, 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 the difference, what I did is I, uh, to differentiate between mine and Ed's is uh, his are blue, mine are black. And one of the other things that kind of mine were delayed was the SDC module itself, the, the socket. I had to actually make my own because nobody out there makes black SDC module cases. Oh, yeah, well. So I had to, I had to roll my own, as you might say. But... Uh, that's that's ba- you know we we both get the parts from the same sources you know I don't there's 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 really no di- I don't think there's any difference and the other reason I did I wanted to differentiate them is I didn't want one being bought from me and then they turn around and have you know go to Ed trying to get support or vice versa I don't think that's yeah, you know yeah yeah warranty repairs etc so yeah and so mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to no I mean, you want to send them all to Jim Brain go right ahead but right yeah yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah. Yeah, I also wanted to, to also mention, like I said, the Paragon adapters will be available uh, the first part of probably by the end of uh, or next Saturday. I should have some some more available. I did I did finally find a reliable source uh, for the uh, for the cables, um, but it, it was just been a long time coming to get those things. I had to pull a lot of teeth uh, to get those because uh, with this pandemic going on, things. Getting stuff from China has been a, it's been a hit and miss with shipping and dealing with uh, some of the vendors. It's just been uh, a 
it's been totally different than it was last year as far as dealing with some of these vendors. Mm. David, go ahead. I know you've been trying to chime in. David Lack. Yeah, I was going to say originally the plan also was for me to try to do some of the cases like Richard had stated. What, what was that? A couple of months ago, Richard. Right. But yeah, I've had unfortunate printer issues for the last few months and still waiting on parts. Yeah. It must be coming from China. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, um, the Ender series printers are designed and manufactured in China. So, yes, the original parts I'm trying to wait on is from China. Well, couldn't you just print yourself a new one? Well, you got to have a working printer to print a part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, catch <laughs> that <laughs> there. It's, it's actually... It's actually faster and cheaper to buy, well, like an old three, which is at the end of its lifespan. You can buy a new one for 200 bucks, which is faster and cheaper than getting the parts for it. I might end up with six of the damn things, the way things are going. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, a part like the ones I'm printing now, it takes eight hours to print the dang thing. So it doesn't matter if you have a printer or not. It's how many printers do you have and how many parts do you need? You know, it may need to be a, a community effort just to make the dang parts fast enough <laughs> oh uh, i just found the little battery that i'm going to be using for the real-time clock it's a cr1216 uh so oh, okay. oh, that's a great battery want, big yeah, fan people of that want one to look yeah. look them up and, and see <laughs> yeah because uh, the the two the the cr2032 uh, is just too big it would actually yeah. Uh, yeah. but this this one fits perfectly what's the last uh, thing on the replaceable list? battery i believe it's like six months yeah, okay. Is this something you're going to be able to replace yourself, or is it going to be one with like? Oh no, no. It, it, there's, it's going to have a little uh, slot. Uh, it, it's a surface mount uh, uh, battery uh, holder, and it's PC board mounted. And you would just slide this in, this battery in, and and it's easily replaceable. It'd be three right. volts, wouldn't it? Right. It would be probably if anybody technically. You know, inclined to experiment and everything, it would be possible to uh, to make up a little like you know something with a super cap, make it rechargeable, so you don't have to replace it. Uh, yeah, you could, but yeah, you know, I, I don't, don't know if it's to... worth it because those batteries are not expensive from Yeah, cooling no. cells are so cheap. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm just I'm just thinking from a practicality perspective. If you put it in where the ROMs uh, chips are, you don't have to take your case apart every time you want to replace the battery. But the battery, I think, lasts like ten years, doesn't it? No, oh, it, it lasts a long time. So I mean, it's. It's, I know my original smartwatch lasted 12 years before it died, but unfortunately the battery's embedded in the actual chip itself, so you had to replace the whole damn thing. Right. Yeah, these, <laughs> these batteries are like 70, 80 cents a piece, mm. so it's not like, you know, putting in yeah, the design. Not, yeah, it wasn't really and, the cost I was thinking. I was just more the practicality. I'm not having to pull right. the cocoa apart to replace it. The other nice thing about these button cells is the numbers are just the size. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is the same, the power delivery is the same, the capacity changes, but you could pretty much bodge anything in if they change sizes five years down the road. <laughs> I've got a, uh, a, I've got a, a, a boss effects unit here, Roland effects unit that uses two R32 batteries and it chews through the things. So I actually pulled it out and I put two double A's in it and a double A holder. <laughs> but it works, works great. <laughs> Just a just a quick question here. So, Richard, if a person had like you know this is you know from the inside of a ROM cartridge, general, do people make these where you could you could put a socket on it and then you could just put your yeah. oh yeah, I, I believe that I Mark believe Overholzer's there, got one. 
Yeah, I think he has one of those, but I think you can go to OSH Park. Yeah, and you can Mark get Blair. them there. They're, Mark they're, J. Blair. Yeah. Yeah, who we mentioned uh, earlier in the show, actually. Yes, okay. the Mark H. Blair cartridges. I would recommend that you, if if you want to get those made, download the Gerber file from OSH Park and then get them made from JLC PCB. Because <laughs> yeah, for what yeah, you'll pay, a lot cheaper. <laughs> for what you'll pay from OSH Park, you can get a whole handful from JLC PCB. Yeah, Thank you. for you could you could probably get probably 50 or 60 boards from from JLBC than OSH Park. In fact, this is why I'm retooling my entire endeavor here so I can do proper Gerber files and so forth for that sort of sourcing. Neat. Yeah, I, I I actually use uh, Eagle as well. I've been using it for a couple of years. I and, and it the the learning curve is really tremendous. I, it's uh, I, it, it it takes uh -oh. a lot to learn. <laughs> yeah, oh, you're and, not kidding. Yeah, yeah and, and and that Jim Brain had helped me out quite a bit uh, to get you know to help solve a lot of problems, and he's an expert at it. It's 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 uh, it's ludic uh, It's I I hate him. <laughs> yeah, Jim Brain is also the one that helped me get started because of my mouse project. Um, I also had my own prototype um, RTC ROM adapter, which yeah, I like Richards better. But yeah, yeah I've I've done my own. It's but I, I'm sure like what Jason and Richard. It it, it it's just it's. Sometimes being able to design and make your own shit's fun because it's yeah. like, and then you could get to see your work come back a, a couple weeks later, and it's like, I designed this. Yeah, the the only <laughs> thing I hate about Eagle was uh, I had the middle version, um, which cost a hundred dollars. It's not the free version, but I was paying a hundred dollars a year for it. And uh, then they started giving out Fusion 360, which is another program that uh, Autodesk, which is the people that market uh, Eagle. And I thought, oh, this is great. So when my subscription expired or about to expire, I was going to renew it. And they said, uh, no, it's not going to be $100. It's going to be $600. Oh, far out. <laughs> and I actually use it enough or, you know, I, I you know, for larger boards that I actually need the 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 the, the other version the, the paid version but I did manage to get a a substantial discount but it's it's still expensive yeah. wow. wow oh yeah that's and nuts. just just one last question it's more just an understanding because I've never really done anything with the real time clock though so like if you boot up OS 9 it's going to prompt you for the date and time when you put when you enter it in. Is that when this thing would pick up pick up on the date? And you don't time have to enter it in at all. You it enter it in once, and then you don't have to enter it in at all. It'll pull it automatically. Right, that's what I mean. But the first time you use this cartridge and you put in the date and time when you're in OS nine, then it's going to remember that. And the next time you boot up, it's just going to pop right in there. Is that how it would well, work then? Or uh, no, no. What what you're when when you enter that in, it, it that's a separate program. And oh, okay. what what nitrous nine will do is there's a, a, a it'll read off from the real-time clock and uh is or, that driver which, built into to ease of use right now curtis not right now but uh it's a pretty easy change so 
not a problem. Uh, yeah, it'll just read off the. What it'll do is it'll read off the real time clock, and say okay, and because you you have to use a utility to to enter the date and time and all that into okay. the real time clock. Yeah, that's the part and then, I was and then it'll, there. then okay. it'll read it. After okay. Continuous. So it's like putting something in your auto exec bat file to yep. launch the clock, right. the clock yeah, reader to clock or something like that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sit time. Yeah. Okay. Right. The, right. The, best, okay. the, the best analogy for this real time clock, it's basically a a a uh, a wristwatch for your computer. That's all it is, because your computer will say, "What time is it?" It'll look on the wristwatch and it'll see it, and then it'll update accordingly. It's its own internal clock, real-time yeah. clock deal. Yeah. And we usually set them up so they'll, they'll refresh from the hardware clock every once in a while in case you're running some programs that actually shut the, the clock down for a bit, like some sound playing programs. So right. it'll like get itself refreshed every you know, half an hour, an hour, or whatever. Yeah, I, wasn't um, sure how you, I wasn't sure how you set the time initially. That was the part I was kind of missing. Yeah, no, just a, it's just a utility called set clock, which you can actually run separately um, okay. anytime you want. Right, and um, thank you. There's also yeah. uh, we'll have to take a look, Richard, at actually getting the uh, ADOS extended ADOS three to support that too, because it actually supports the real time clock as well. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah. so once the thing about the also the real time clock, you don't have to enter, you know, on the on the setup screen or the boot up screens, you don't have to re you know input your time every single time you boot up. It'll do it automatically. It'll read it off the uh, real time clock. But you do have to do once in a while just compare it to make sure that it it stays within you know it's yeah because the software clock drifts a little bit plus like I said if you're running sound routines that shut it interrupts off like the timing interrupt to play a sound sample it'll lose time and or if you have a halting like the old style floppy drives it'll lose time so you do have to you know refresh it once in a while right yeah Brian yeah besides the utility for setting the clock. Right now, the smartwatch utility that I believe is on the ease of use now, there's also the read clock utility, which you put that in place of the set time that's in the startup file. And then every time Nitrous 9 boots, it reads it, sets the software clock, and then it's done. The driver that would be the clock 2 module, that um, needs some work to correctly work because yeah i found that that's not working at the moment <clears throat> is there a way you can set it up so that say for example you you know you have interrupts um causing issues with the dropping time is there a way to set to, to have os9 recognize that there was an interrupt here that could affect the time and then automatically reread the clock at all um, unfortunately, if you was running something that had interrupts off, you'd probably have to rerun the, re the read clock manually until we can find someone to fix the clock two module for the smartwatch. Either Bill or I will fix that. Yeah. But it, it, that's, goes back, it goes no. back to that, how many interrupts do we not know that we skipped? Questions. Yeah, yeah. It almost seems like if you're trying to put a provision into an operating system to frequently refresh a clock, that's just slowing down the OS for unnecessary reasons too. So it's just that's a good. Doesn't point. seem like there's yeah. a good. There's not a perfect solution right now, but this is definitely a step in the right direction. Uh, yeah, the clock. The clock modules were designed for like from DriveWire, the smartwatch, the Disto clock, all those clock modules. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. Yeah, they're all set to once a minute, or at least what they feel is once a minute, 
to reread the clock and update itself so that okay. way it's always that's, that's good enough uh, a yep. minute a minute yeah. interval yeah oh no i want to make Fantastic. one last minute announcement nick Rota, you already know this uh-oh um, uh-oh but boat has started streaming this coco 3 on real hardware with this brand new switcheroo so he's actually seen oh. games in rgb for the first time over on Twitch, I posted a link name? in the chat. Brian Joyce just popped in. Extractus Productions. Good eye, Brian. Good eye. That's that's good to know, Curtis. Well, geez, Jason, your products keep making YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> YouTube. Wow, YouTube. Wow. I've never been on there. No, what is that? I've heard of. I've heard <laughs> of that. This YouTube you speak of, or well, I guess it's on Twitch. Well, yes. it'll eventually be on YouTube, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, so am I. Hey, just to uh, totally change the, t- the topic for a split second, <laughs> Nick Moroda, which version of Pac-Man do you have running in the background? I've loaded up all of them. I'm trying to find one that'll just run a demo in the background, and none of it's them do. It's the, uh, the uh, transcode. That is the um, Glenn Hewlett yeah, if it's Pac-Man scrolling, it's transcode. transcode. Yeah, that's, that's... It's not the Nick Morenti's version. It's the transcode. Yeah, I thought I loaded that up before, but I didn't notice it running a demo. It just... Oh, you're not running a demo. You're just running it in play mode. And no, just no, that's, no, it's a that's, demo. That, this, that's, this, a demo this is, that's the, the arcade, that's actual that, arcade game. That's the main ROM. So that's the, the actual arcade. Pac-Man game running on the Coco because it's been converted to 6809. It's called the it's called the Pac-Man Transcode. You can get it from Glenn Hewlett. I believe there's is a link on, to it on my. Um, it's on the SDC image yeah. as well. Yeah. Is it on the SDC image? Okay. So I've got a whole ton of them here. I've got Pac Tac, I've got Pac Tac Two, Pac Demo, Pac Droid, Pac Dude, Pac Dude Two, Pac Man, Pac Maze. Pac-Man, yeah, I don't know Pac-Man. what it's called on the image. I know I've I I got it manually quite some time just ago. On Pac-Man, Pac-Man. yeah, just Pac-Man, just Pac-Man. Okay, well, I, I thought I loaded that before, but maybe I didn't. Right, let's try that one. Yeah, that's, that's my. Is that the next? Pac-Man Z80 transcode to Coco Three. It's this. Okay, oh, that's it. If you, know, it. If, if you know if it's more difficult than the actual Pac-Man, then you know you're playing the Nick Morantes version. <laughs> 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 Crikey. Crikey. Uh, do we have any more updates, acquisitions, anything else to talk about? Anything to show? Oh, there was one out? other thing I was going to mention. I'm going to be going up, if uh, some people uh, remember the computer reset up in Dallas, uh, that computer store. Yes, uh, yes. They are reopening this weekend. It's it's by appointment only. I'm mm. going to be going there tomorrow morning Ooh. to go shopping. Oh. I'll meet you down there. Oh, <laughs> oh you going? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to one day, but yeah. I mean, it's drivable for me. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Richard, yeah. if you're if they if they allow you, you should uh, do a little uh, recording there and share it with us. Uh, they won't. Uh, oh, okay. y- you have to get permission. Uh, okay. They, they they made a very big deal about no cameras. Or, okay. You, know, you have to get yep. permission first. Okay. okay. Where Thank was this you. place when I was in Dallas? Probably closed. Oh, it's, it's been there forever. Um, I never heard about it. I lived within 10 miles of that place for years. Never saw it. Never heard about it. Mm-hmm. Now I'm gone. It's there. If you yep. Press the button, David, to start the game. Well, that's what I was saying before. Do you need to actually start it? Yes, yeah, you don't it need to start it. it. Once you start it, it starts yeah, up in a track mode. Yeah, once it's started, that's now running. Now it's in a track okay, mode. So- so that'll just run in a demo now. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like the arcade machine. Yeah. Alan okay, Murphy, cool. you you were raising up some fingers. 
Yeah, I've got a couple Some of questions. I just want to share real quick. Um, a bit, a bit low in level there. Your, your, your volume's low, Alan. Sorry about that. Speech sound cartridge. Woohoo. And uh, shipment from the Cylon Homeworld, Coco DAC. <laughs> and uh, the Coco PSG. That's it. Cool. Oh. Crikey. Now, that means you're almost ready for Richard's uh, sound speech pack uh, mod. Right. Very much so. All right. Well, have we have we wrapped it up? Have we have we have we shown all we need to show and told all we need to tell? No more horseshit left. All right. Yeah, I was going to say. I think <laughs> it's time to shoot. Um, I was going to say. I think it's time to shoot that horse in the head. Let's let's. Run the outrock. All right. So well, to play us out, to play us out, we will play out to the latest, greatest hit from D. Bruce Moore, I Want Tandy, and then we'll play the credits. So, David Ladd, do you want to ask everybody to say goodbye to everybody? Everybody. Your parting Bye. thoughts? Goodbye to everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Peace, Big 20 is such a bore Apple 2 is priced so high Tandy I'm gonna buy
I love the, the funky talk box clip. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click the Patreon link at our website at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Coco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Marenkis, Rondell Vaux, Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Riker, David O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Steggy, Nick Morota, John Strong, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and James Diffendaffer for making my head explode. help support the Coco community by visiting some of its various contributors. A list of resources is available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. 